Hello and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the Owl House for the very last time. My name is Nobody and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal on the Boiling Isles. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? I was wondering how you were going to mention that if you were. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, I mean, I guess I'm, uh, I mean, with, uh, with the way things go, would I still be the most wanted criminal on the Boiling Isles if the terrible regime of 50 years is gone? Yeah, that's true. I guess maybe you're absolved of your title. Do we have to come up with a new thing for you in every show? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I'm still definitely mo the most wanted, uh, criminal on this side of the Endolite homeworld, definitely, because we're still doing the guerrilla war against the, the Yurks for, like, another five years or so. Oh, yeah, so we're for done sure. With that. And, like, uh, I, I guess it was also, like, kind of fitting with uh, Infinity Train, because, like, back then, it's like, well, there was actually an antagonist trying to... Well, I, actually, I guess it still makes sense, because I was like, oh, there was an antagonist trying to stop Tulip, and it's like, well, there's still technically an antagonist trying to stop MT. So, <laughs> that's still accurate. Yeah. I mean, yeah, much yeah. like with she -Ra, it's like, well, she -Ra was still the most wanted criminal until she also killed that guy, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh... But yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's sad to think about though, because it's like, yep. Uh, last time we're gonna be talking about this show, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I'm sure we'll keep chatting about it, but. Oh yeah, like inevitably we're gonna like compare other shows to this because like most of the other shows that we have been talking about doing are ones that released like before Owl House even began, kind of deal. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sad to see it go, <laughs> but I guess we'll get into it, huh, once we get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. we surely will. Yeah. There's a lot we're going to get into today. There is a lot. And and yet, it also feels like there's not a whole lot, because, like, this episode is really more just, like, wrap-up stuff. Like, there's no, like, I guess there's really not, like, a whole lot of, like, big revelations or anything. It's just, all right, here's how we deal with the stuff. <laughs> I've been setting up <laughs> for 42 episodes. <laughs> I guess that's fair, yeah. Yeah. Uh, dealing yeah. with the stuff. <laughs> and the stuff. <laughs> and the things. But yeah, before that though, uh... I've still really not been really playing much video game-wise, like, really. Like, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I got Octopath 2 on the Switch as, like, a... You know, my whole, like, I deserve Night Street because of uh, that first week when I was had to train the new employee and everything. And I really still have not put a lot of time into it, like, in, like, a month now, roughly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just because, like, I don't know, I guess in my... And sometimes I have to actually be in, like, headspace for, like, an RPG kind of deal. Which that is weird. Sense, yeah. Which is a little weird because, like, with how often I've been talking about, like, our... Like, my group's, like, new D&D 5e campaign in another thread compared to, like... <laughs> video games and it's like that's still technically a turn-based rpg well <laughs> yeah but sense. it's very different you know i mean being yeah. a character in in a ttrpg is like i guess it depends on how you do it but for me it's a full-on thing it's like an acting gig it's not a game <laughs> yeah 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 it's like mo like a good part of it is role-playing and also like obviously you have like the positioning part of it on the map compared to like you know, a turn-based RPG like a Final Fantasy game, which is basically what Octopath is, anyway. Just being like, yeah. oh, you're here at this, you're here in this uh, spot here, and you go in this order, do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem where you need to actually position with stuff. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh, like still just fucking playing Fortnite. Still, 
spent more money on Fortnite. <laughs> uh, Seems like you kind of fell into that pretty hard. A little bit. I mean, my friends just keep being like, "Well, if you if you bought this much and did this, uh, you know, like the V bucks will pay for themselves if you just play enough." And I'm like, "You know, you're not wrong, and I hate that you're not wrong, <laughs> assholes." <laughs> like. The other day, like, um, what was it? I bought the, I bought like a little like ballerina uh, emote that you can do that's also like a traversal one, so you can like basically just keep spinning to move around. And the very next day, they had the uh, the little tutu train emote that on the shop too, which I'd seen the tutu train, and the tutu train's funny because like the person who has it has the engine, and then up to three people can join them as cars, and they basically just drive around based on where the person as the engine decides to go. And it's just funny, and it makes it a little like like 90s ass like looney tunes choo choo noise like music and everything and when that was on the store i'm like shit i just spent my coins the other just yesterday on this ballerina <laughs> thing and my friends were like well you know you know Vi, if you did this you'd be able to get the choo train i'm like fuck off shut up <laughs> don't make me <laughs> and then the very next day they were like hey there's a there's like a jug band uh, emote and i'm like well unless they put emmett otter in the game i'm not gonna buy the jug band <laughs> emote <laughs> Because it's like, if I can't be an otter doing that, I'm not going to do a jug band thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, pre I'm pretty sure Disney ain't going to put Muppets in uh, Fortnite. If they put Muppets in, it would be more like A-list characters that people would actually get, not Evan Otter. <laughs> Sorry, Evan Otter. <laughs> the people love Evan Otter, but he ain't no Kermit the Frog or Fog... Or, uh, I almost said Foggy. <laughs> Fozzy. <laughs> Oh no, Fo Foggy Bear is Fozzie's Bear's uh, cousin who's always high as fuck. <laughs> he doesn't get invited to the the Fozzie Bear Christmas uh, every year <laughs> because he's just gonna be high as fuck all the time and not pay attention. Uh, yeah, no, nah, it's like it's really not been a whole lot going on. Like at the least, my coworker seems like he's finally figuring shit out, which is at least something. Like. On the, on the busier days, I'm still helping with doing the scans, at least for him, so this way you can actually get to, like, labeling and attaching the files. But it's like, right. it's not seeming as bad. He seems like he might finally be getting it almost over a month in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I suspect I know what's been going on with you, though, just because of uh, <laughs> a lot of shit. I'm so close to done. I can't... How much more do you have? I have, like... How do I put this? So I have one more paper to write. And then I have, like, six individual paragraphs that I need to do that are each a separate thing. So each of those paragraphs is pretty small. It's just that there's a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I really don't miss school. <laughs> I can't, I can't I just can't envision how people manage to like have like a nine to five job and then take like night classes or stuff I mean, and it's like how do you have any time for anything else? Truly, honestly, school? like one of the people I talked to was working full time and taking a full time class load, which oh, by the way boy. I'm not. And like yeah, yeah, because it's like yeah, I don't know how people do that. Props to props to those who can. Yeah. <laughs> I take yeah, no. three classes a semester. They're doing five. Yeah, like at at most, like sometimes in college, I was like working like 
like a weekend job at like a movie theater but even then at times it was like this is just a little bit too much still because i need to actually like study and do homework <laughs> especially mm -hmm. yep. on weekends yeah. and it's like you don't have like especially with working in the movie theater in particular where it's like yeah the weekends are fucking insane because like back then in ye olde times of 2009 movies that release on fridays actually would release on fridays and not like wednesday at 7 p.m <laughs> as they do now because <laughs> fuck like... everything i guess like i get that like movies would air on like sometimes like thursday evening or thursday at midnight slash friday and everything but it's yeah. like nowadays it's like yeah you can get like tickets to see the mario movie on like wednesday at 2 p.m and it's like this is a friday movie what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> well i know they started pushing um midnight releases forward because they stopped kind of being profitable and also there were security issues yeah i'd imagine that if you have a lot of people out at like midnight at a movie theater like especially with like the movie theater i was thinking of that i worked at like there was i think uh the latest i was ever there was just like uh after a shift that i had which ended at like nine or something i went to dc the, the toy story one and two 3d double feature that they did like basically to put those movies in cultural mind before toy story 3 released yeah. and like you know that's three hours of movie starting at 10 p.m so it's like it's 1 p.m it's 1 a.m and there's like nobody here obviously because the movie theater shut down but they can't lock the doors fully really <laughs> because people need to get out and it's like there's no staff here because <laughs> like even when i went to see the D, D movie it's like there was like basically just a skeleton crew because it was already for again like a, for a 10 p.m showing and it's like Nobody checked my ticket. I just like walked in. I was like looking at where the theater was, and it's like, okay, if they if they ask me for my ticket, I can show them my phone. But <laughs> nobody did. I could have just walked in and without having a ticket, and nobody would give them a fuck because that movie theater was also empty besides me. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you see, the security that the movie theater I go to uses is that they're on the secret third floor of the abandoned half of the mall where no one goes. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, remember when people went to malls? <laughs> I don't have to remember. It's still a thing in Canada. It's just that that uh, specific yeah, mall is like the one downtown that no one goes to because it's 30 years old. I guess we also get weekly reminders about malls just from reading Animorphs. <laughs> yeah, for <Well>. sure. <laughs> it's like, oh, Tobias goes to the mall as a bird. Because <laughs> people <laughs> went to the mall like in the 90s. Yeah, no, this specific mall is like, it's so big that it crosses two streets. Like the one half of it is on one street. And then it goes over the street, it's got a land bridge to another half of the mall. And the second half of the mall is just like offices and stuff. So mm -hmm. no one goes there, except that's the half the movie theater is in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever actually really gone to movie theaters that were in malls. Like, most of the time it was just a separate movie theater, in terms of ones I went to. That's definitely how I did stuff in San Antonio, because that's, you know, there's, I think, one mall theater there. But... Like, up here, it's just much more common for them to be a part of a bigger complex. Mm -hmm. It's weird. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say this exactly, but the, the community culture of Canada is almost like 30 years of, in America's past. How malls <laughs> are still a thing, and you can go to the library to hang out. And... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I also remember when people cared about libraries compared to these days, where they're basically defunding them if they don't get rid of all the LGBTQ plus books. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm very aware. Yeah. Great time to be graduating with a library degree. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of there where it's like I graduated college uh, almost 13 years ago now exactly. And it's like, yeah, my English degree was used for one thing and one thing only, which was me teaching in Japan because they just needed you to A, be born and raised in a country that had English as the primary language and B, have any bachelor's degree. So it's like literally it's like never use my English degree for anything else because it's like, well, it's a college degree. So I guess that count fulfilled part B of that. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, at least it's a good thing to use it for. Well, yeah, like... probably should have also indicated to me early on that that actually really wasn't a teaching job necessarily, though. If they needed any diploma from a college, <laughs> like, uh, hmm, this is the this one is thing a... that my degree has done was get me into this program, so it's not. <laughs> yeah, at least for that. But yeah, but in my case, it's like, yep, this is definitely just an after-school activity center, and if the kids learn a little English on the side, then bonus. <laughs> That's not true. It did do one other thing, and that is that when I got hired for my swimming pool cleaning job, my guy who was hiring me said that he might not hire me because I was overqualified. <laughs> so it did two things. <laughs> it helped me get into a program, and it almost helped me not get a job. Weird. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Ugh>, college. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, if everything goes according to plan, I will be done done by next Tuesday. Hey. That's freaky to think about, but yeah. also super relaxing. Everything. Because yeah. Just... It, it, just like how I was like, oh dang, yeah, it has almost been exactly 13 years now since I was done with college. Because <laughs> it was like late May of 2010. I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> that's already been 13 years. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's weird to say, but like, I'm almost excited to get into a real job again. Not because I want to have a job, I don't dream of labor, but like having a regular job with regular hours that isn't just do yeah. this thing and it's due at some point in the future seems so much better for my mental health. Yeah, like being like, oh well, I, I have my schedule always changes every few months or so because of classes and then having to do a bunch of arbitrary essays to prove I know the stuff kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, having an income, I think, probably would help, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Having an income would be great. Mm -hmm. I've got, like, three tattoos plans, yeah. and I can't get any of them because no income. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got, you, you just recently spent a lot of money on new Owl House merch, too. You got you to gotta get more money from a job in order to keep doing that, right? It's true, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's only inevitable until Kaochins makes season three versions of the Loose Anamity plushies at this point. <laughs> Considering they've already done their like hexite outfits and then their casual outfits post lavender amity, uh, so it's like there's it's only a matter of time, I think, right? Come on, couchins. <laughs> I mean, probably, yeah. I don't know. I don't like, go I, for I, plushies I, so much for stuff like that, but I, yeah. I understand your uh, your need. <laughs> I want them to do it, but also I don't want them to do it because the plushies are expensive, <laughs> but also they're cute. <laughs> they're, I'm looking right up at them. I rearranged them so this way they're actually more fun and tender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, it's uh, yeah. there's there's really been so much uh, people being like, "Yep, let's make this from the finale." <laughs> Tons of fan art already, because Jesus Christ, people people just are really talented. Yeah, <laughs> still really like that that uh that little like loose mini figure uh on kickstarter went up and like within like an, a couple hours is really funded and then like within like the first two days it's like well we hit all the stretch goals so the amity prototype will happen at some point too now because <laughs> turns out you gotta strike when the iron's hot which is the same day that the show ends <laughs> yeah i mean pretty good call yeah 
<laughs> it is a very cute statue. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't think there's really been much else going on. I mean, I mentioned that, like, stupid missing little AC unit thing I got from my studio apartment, but uh, I don't know where that is because the box was put in the side room by maintenance and the box opens. And, well, I mean the shipping box, not the box box that it's in, in the box, but, like, <laughs> I think they might have taken it out and put it in the office because the office people asked them to check where it was kind of deal i don't think somebody stole it but i hope not but i told them like unless you don't find it you're reimbursing me because y'all moved this and didn't tell me where it was huh. and put it in a place that people could access anyway a place that is actually more away from the cameras if they have left it where it was near the mailboxes there's a camera that looks directly at that so if somebody <laughs> came and took it you would see somebody took it and took it to their pack into their apartment so it's like you, you possibly made it easier for somebody to steal it cool thanks <laughs> Yeah, super uh, helpful. Yeah, and didn't tell me that it was actually here. Didn't bother to leave me a note or anything under my door saying where it was. I had to find out later on the next day when I was at work. And by the time I got back, it was opened and missing. So it's like, where the fuck is it? Who knows? <laughs> <sighs> uh, love to spend $118 for shipping and handling to get a little air conditioner unit for my apartment because they don't have any here to put in your window. And also because the windows that I have are like... It's like a situation where like the window was like really tall, so I'm like I don't know how they would necessarily get an AC in there because like it's not like a normal conventional window where it would just fill like the bottom part and you'd move the screen right. from there. It's like there would be like a whole section above the AC unit where there'd be no screen, so I don't know how they would do that. <laughs> but it's like you don't have ACs in here and you don't let us change the temperature in the unit because it's based on the entire building being the same. And it looks like you still haven't really figured out that because it's been like 80s, you should probably lower the temperature a bit. So I'm like, I need a solution. And that solution <laughs> got taken by somebody. <laughs> yep. So yay, fun. <laughs> Can I catch a fucking break for once? <laughs> I have uh, similar issues here at uh, my apartment in Canada. Insofar as... Frequently, I will order things and not realize that they're coming from the States. Mm -hmm. But uh, when things come from the States, it basically just does not, like, give me any kind of shipping tracking whatsoever. Uh, it like, If I look at the shipping tracking, it'll just say, your object was processed in Canada. And that, like... <laughs> cool <laughs> that yeah. uh that tells me absolutely nothing i have no idea when this is supposed to come i don't know when i need to check my door for stuff <laughs> mm -hmm. yep so yeah yeah shipping and handling fun yeah yep so yeah it's uh i don't know it's been very amusing to me that ever since moving to Connecticut, I've had shipping and problems from losing like all the time with fiber USBS or just like my <laughs> previous apartment not having a real address kind of deal. And then I think back to like when I had to like ship my stuff to me in Japan when it's like that there was no problem there at all. <laughs> it, deli it delivered just fine. It was all nice and good. No issues compared to this. <laughs> I guess I don't really have much else because this week has been so like school. I, I, 
I have not played a video game this week. Do you know how weird that is? <laughs> mm. I mean, it's also been like a weird like duration for releases recently because like there's really not been a whole lot releasing recently, I think. Like, I feel like we as a society are just, like, waiting on Zelda, really, I think, at this point, where it's like, yeah, April's just kind of a wash, and nothing's being released, and, like, nothing else is coming out of May, really, besides Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> uh, I guess that's fair. I don't know. It's weird to me, like, I don't know how to say this exactly, but I've never been a Zelda person, right? I got Breath of the Wild because it was one of five games that was on the Switch when the Switch came uh, out. Sorry, you mean one of three games that were on the Switch when it came out? Yeah, see? <laughs> well, but... three Nintendo games because it was that one, two, Switch, or uh, sn the the paper one, Snipper Clips, I think it was called. So that was a downloadable yeah, title. Yeah, that was I definitely did get two of three of those. <laughs> and it wasn't Snipper Clips. Wait, you got one, two, Switch, and not Snipper Clips? Yeah. Oh boy, I was about to be like, oh, it's obviously going to be Snipper Clips because nobody bought one to Switch, right? Yeah, nobody <laughs> did. <laughs> uh, I just always remember the gif of Dan Riker doing the fake milking of the cow <laughs> from that demonstration <laughs> Nintendo had. <laughs> uh, what, what, a, what a weird game that they did not make it to pack in. I like, enjoyed that game, but yes, it was extremely weird. Like, I get that, like, it would, like, basically have increased the price of the Switch because, like, the the, the Wii was, like, $50 more in America than Japan based on the fact that it had Wii Sports and Japan's release didn't. But, like, if you're trying to actually, like, release a game that tries to sell you on what the Joy-Cons can do, aka which Nintendo has not really done since at all, <laughs> at all in any capacity really, mm -hmm. uh, you probably want that to be in as many hands as possible. So like they could have like made the Switch be like 325 and put that in there or something, right? Yeah, you would think. Yeah, just to at least get it in more hands, even if nobody was going <laughs> to play it for a long time anyway. <laughs> uh, what a weird game. It's also just incredibly weird to think that the Switch is already six years old. <laughs> <laughs> It's been around for a while, huh? Yeah, it's it's been a good bit. <sighs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, because like, I mean, to be fair, again, like, if you're getting a switch at launch, it's like, well, you are getting this for Zelda, right? Because <laughs> what what else would you be getting it for? <laughs> I mean, I guess if you wanted to buy one early enough, then have it for when they did the Mario Kart 8 port a month later. <laughs> Which is like again like a good game. It's just that I don't think that you should necessarily have bought a new console at launch for a port. Yeah, <laughs> necessarily. That's reasonable. Yeah. On the other hand, I did buy the Wii U at launch for Batman Arkham City, so Oh, you bought the armored edition? <laughs> I sure did. Oh boy. Oh man, I'm just not remembering all those fucking weird ass Wii U launch titles. Remember Mass Effect 3? Yeah, when, I got that when, too. When, when EA was trying to say that Mass Effect 3 is the best time to jump into the Mass Effect trilogy that ends with this game. <laughs> and yeah. you didn't have any way of transferring like information over. Like You had like the selectable things, but it's like that's still such a weird thing that it's like you ported this game to it when it's like... Did they, I don't even think they ported Mass Effect trilogy when they released nope. that like last year, right? The, the Switch? Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, not. I mean, I feel like since like the Wii U launched, EA has just been like, no, we don't release stuff on Nintendo consoles because we're not profitable on them. And it's like, well, that's also because you make dumbass decisions, EA. <laughs> 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 uh, 
like releasing Mass Effect 3 and no other Mass Effect on the Wii U, <laughs> and then turns out nobody bought it. So mad because I did buy Mass Effect 3 on the Wii U and I really enjoyed it. It was very good on that platform, and then they didn't release any of the DLC for it. <laughs> oh, they didn't release any DLC on the Wii U version? No, that was exclusive that's to That's uh, fucking consoles. insane. Except, yeah, that's yeah. That's so weird that they didn't release any of it. <laughs> yeah, that that really killed a lot of my goodwill towards it. Just like, mm. yeah, I don't know I how mean, familiar you are with it, but the uh, the Mass Effect Three had the really good uh, multiplayer. And oh it was yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, I yeah, no, I I played the shit out of the multiplayer on PC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, it was and so good on the Wii U. They used the gamepad in really cool ways, but no dlc so what was the gamepad basically used to like select powers for mass effect characters because like i'd imagine that's really what you would have on that screen besides just a map right uh yeah i mean it acts as a controller and then you also had your inventory management and your powers and then there was also a handheld only mode oh gotcha okay because like i was man i'm think i'm remembering back to like the connect version of mass effect 3 where like you ah. could just say liara warp or whatever nonsense and it's like the demonstration where the guys would say like three times liara warp before she actually would do it <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh boy remember the connect everybody no <laughs> uh, oh, the connect. Uh, the connect. remember I... when the xbox four i think it was released and it was mandatory it came with the system you couldn't not get it <laughs> Oh, uh, the well, it was the. It was the one after the 360. Oh, that that was the third Xbox, the Xbox One. Okay, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah tech, Xbox Four AK is the one they have at the moment. The uh, the, gotcha. the you know the sex. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, it's fucking amazing that Microsoft, after seeing all the Xbox jokes, still set themselves up to have people make an Xbox sex joke with the Series X. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how do you do this twice in a row? It's like how you saw like Nintendo accidentally have the uh, Pokemon Masters EX hashtag where it's like that just says Pokemon Master Sex if you don't know what it means and like they at least like I think they rebranded or something to make to get to solve that it's like Nintendo at least knew how to do that after they made that mistake but it's like they Microsoft not rebranded it's still called oh they that. didn't oh okay I, well I guess I was wrong then I thought they had rebranded it but it's like Again, that's a mobile game. That's way less than two of your major consoles <laughs> having the same fucking sex jokes in it. <laughs> and it's like, oh boy, Microsoft, what what is what is going on? Yeah. I mean, hey, to be fair, it's like well, you could ask it a lot of like how they were like, let's do a bunch of TV shit, and that stuff is definitely not there anymore. Which hey, at least it uh, at least it meant that uh freaking um. Rare can actually make video games now and not a bunch of stupid Kinect sport games anymore. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, like, I was in high school when the Wii came out. I remember all the Wii jokes. Oh, yeah. No, everybody made those in the first, like, year. But also, people got used to that. But, like, it, it's interesting that it's, like, yeah, after, like, a year or so, people just did not do that anymore, considering, like, compared to now, where it's, like, people still make X-Bone jokes. Because <laughs> it's just amusing. <laughs> Uh, man, just thinking back to all the times Microsoft had like big slip-ups of like, well, with Power Connect, you can see what's on the bottom of your avatar's shoe. Bam, there it is. I don't even know if they do avatars anymore. I don't think so, right? <laughs> do they? Hang on, uh, I, I... Maybe. Does the Xbox Series X have avatars? <laughs> I, I like how I was like saying that while typing, and I just still I still typed, does the Xbox X? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, this is the Xbox Series XF avatars. <laughs> uh, Xbox avatars or avatars for the 260XX1. Oh yeah, Series X and Series S. So I guess they do have avatars still. Remember people actually cared about those things when people were actually spending money to get like jackets and stuff for them and then nobody cared about them once they released them on the Xbox One? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, it used to be like a pretty big thing when they introduced them back on the 360, like midway through the series and, uh, through the, uh, not the, the season, the, uh, through the console's lifespan. Cause like, there, I remember there were times where it's like if you get like a certain achievement in a game, you would unlock like a piece of clothing for your character. Oh yeah, no, I mean now that that I remember, I don't remember yeah. anybody spending money on them. <laughs> yeah, it was you know, like you could you could spend the the Microsoft Fund bucks, <laughs> the thing back when they still used the, that stupid shit of like the four hundred points equaling five dollars to buy clothes and stuff. But like I remember just like it, it was a thing with like a lot of like Halo achievements where it's like yeah, you can get like a sweater that has like the. Uh, the skull, not the skull icons, the uh, the difficulty things where it's like, yeah, if you beat like Halo Reach on Legendary, you get like the Halo Reach hoodie for your character that has like the symbol for like Legendary difficulty on like the breast or something. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, what a weird, interesting time. Remember when, remember when people really fucking liked the Xbox 360? Remember Blades? <laughs> <laughs> we keep joking about it partially, but also... People loved the blades because it was so much better than their UUIs that they've had for like the last half, a, like half, a, like uh, not half a decade, like actual decade, literal <laughs> decade since. Yeah, because like uh, I think it was 2013 when, 20 it was 2013 or 14 I think it was when the Xbone and the PS4 released. I think it was 2013. Something that, like that. Yeah. Cause... Yeah, that, that sounds right because I was in Illinois at the time because the uh, Christmas party that my job did. Uh, you got, like, a certain amount of, like, basically, like, you know that, uh, Price is Right game where you punch, like, the wall and it has, like, number, uh, like, uh, money numbers behind it? Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what that is. Uh, it, it, it was, like, it's one of those games where it's just, like, yeah, it's just random chance punch, like, certain walls based on how many, like, uh, punches you get kind of deal, but we had essentially that at that party for the job I had, and I got just enough to get a PS4. So I got one like a few months later, because like uh, I'm pretty sure that was like December 2013, and the console was out for only a few weeks. So I got it back in like February, because like at the time I was like, oh, I'll get this because Destiny is releasing in the spring. And then like literally like a week or two after I got the console, they were like, Destiny is delayed until September, and it's like cool. <laughs> so I'm gonna play on this thing for half a year. Nothing turns out. I played Rayman Legends mostly, <laughs> and then and then Destiny released, and Destiny sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, what what a weird fucking decade or so of video games it's been. <laughs> it truly, truly has. But the game I'm thinking of is called Punch a Bunch on Price is Right. <laughs> not that not that that really helps you because you don't know what Punch a Bunch is. <laughs> no, I really don't. It's uh, like. I enjoy game shows situationally, but I tend to prefer game shows that are a little bit more uh, skill <laughs> skill based and not will the ball go into the correct hole. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it's it's always just an amusing thing, just how like every time that like Plinko was on Price is Right, like the audience and also people at home were just like, "Fuck yeah, Plinko!" And it's like actually Plinko sucks. <laughs> Plinko is the worst game. Plinko is the worst. It's just like, well, I hope this ball uses physics the way I want. <laughs> Even I know Plinko is the worst, and I don't know anything about this show. 
See, the, the, it was it was always like Plinko was the one I liked the most, and also I really liked the golf one because it's like the more like uh, prices you got right of like the uh, like the merchandise they had, the closer to the hole you were. So it's like there were times where like people would get zero, and it's like, well, I gotta try to sink this in one all the way from over here, kind of deal. <laughs> uh, horse Plinko, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, price is right. <laughs> price not, is not probably wrong. right. <laughs> not not one of the topics I thought we would talk about on the podcast. <laughs> we can talk about the chase if you prefer. That's a skill based game show. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the chase. Like most it, of the board, most of the not the, most of the board games, most of the TV show like game shows that I am familiar with from back then around the time that I would have been watching stuff like Price is Right regularly was like stuff like uh oh god what was the one with the that people were saying like no whammies no whammies stop when they were like trying to like have that oh god what was the fucking uh, thing I, I've uh, seen it oh press your luck yeah that's cause like, the one cause, yeah. yeah cause the whammy was like the uh the like basically bankruptcy uh space on the board kind of deal yeah, because like it's it's stuff like that. Like the, yeah, really, like most of those game shows is being like random fucking chance. Like at the least, like you know, like stuff like Jeopardy actually requires you to know stuff, and like Wheel of Fortune at least still man has you like actually have to figure out the phrase and everything, even though like the prices that you get based on the letters is still kind of related to the spin of the wheel. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's mostly just the ones I've ever really watched when I was a kid. Because like most of it was also like stuff we would watch when we were like out camping for that like week or so in pennsylvania when i mentioned that in the past of like how we used to do that because we brought like a little like 13 inch tv with us because it's like well what are you gonna do at times when like it might be raining out which is aka every time that we would go camping there in pennsylvania there's at least two days where you just get rained out and it's like well we're stuck here so at least we got this crappy little tv (laughs) for something All right. Um, I kind of feel like we're avoiding a subject because <laughs> we don't want it to end. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I want to talk about it, but I also don't want to have to talk yeah, about it. Kind of, kind of the same vibe when like the we were waiting for the episode to start. Of like, I want it to start so I can see what's going on, but also that means it's gonna be over. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> I guess so. Um, there was a thing that you mentioned wanting to do, a sort of uh, wrap-up bit after something mm-hmm. we did in the first episode. Would you like to do that now, or would you prefer to wait I, until the I end? Think, I think it's better to do that at the end. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, Because also, like, uh, I know we have some questions, so it, like, it gives us time after... Because like, I don't have as much trivia for this episode, actually. I have a few things, but not that much. Okay. So it gives us something to do near the end, I think. Sounds good. So this is a teaser. We have a sequel bit from episode one of Us Weirdos. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. I, I think we actually did bring that up in the very first one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <like>. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Unfortunately, so... I, did not, I did not think to actually write down all the prices of all the Owl House bullshit I've bought over the years <laughs> since then. Or the year. <laughs> the year, not years. <laughs> the year and a yeah, half since then, been roughly. No, less than a year and a half since that first one. <laughs> Okay, so here we go, I guess. Um, The Owl House, Season 3, Episode 3, Watching and Dreaming. (sighs) 
we open in that weird little thing that's floating in the middle of the titan's skull that might be a fossilized brain and might not but isn't really shaped like one yeah i've always always been trying to figure out what that thing's deal is because like it it really does look like it's like some sort of like molecule of some sort or whatever but it's like i think it's supposed to represent at least some part of the titan's brain but it definitely doesn't look anything like a brain no it's super dusty Yeah, this is uh, this is where Luz teleported the gay teen squad and her mom to last episode, but within just seconds of this episode starting, things just really go bad as these sparkly pink tendrils descend from the sky to just grab everyone and take them away. They pull them into the sky, and then there's a big flash of light, and we see the in-between. And as Luz kind of recaps where they were and what they were about to do, she's confused, she doesn't know what's going on, we hear a voice that we've not heard before, and then there's just this shot of, like, a skull face with one glowing eye and a dead hoodie falling out of the empty eye socket. It's pretty nasty. <laughs> I don't think it's a dead hoodie. It's, like, it's, it's not like it's drooped down. It's, like, it's really tiny, but I think it's just a hoodie. <laughs> well... Like, in this first shot, it's much more dead-looking than it is when it, we see it again later. Um, maybe, maybe, let me open that again real quick. I need to see, just to be sure, because, like, I, I don't remember that, because I've only seen, like, the beginning part of this episode twice, because there's other parts that I've watched multiple times uh, near the Yeah, uh, fair. Part of it. Uh, where is it? Oh, wait. Uh, come on. Go back a little bit. <laughs> uh, scrubbing through the transcript. Yeah. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is. It is kind of like dangling a little bit more on the ground uh, and, and more downward. But it it doesn't yeah. look dead to me. Like if it was dead, it would be like fully drooping. It's like it's off to the side a little. I guess I don't know. Like when we see it later, it's gonna be vertical. It'll be above yeah. the headline, and here it's just sort of falling yeah. out of the eye. So I, I consider that a dead hootie. <laughs> I guess I do have some theories to talk about because I have heard some people talk about what's up with this hootie in particular. <laughs> <laughs> which we'll uh, get to when we get uh i guess towards the end of the episode or yeah later. for sure but yeah uh this this skull face thing tells uh he specifically calls her lose the human and tells her that she has to wake up so we're getting into some of that adventure time vibe uh and uh and she does Luz wakes up in belos's throne room wearing his clothes so belus real we did it no <laughs> Still sounds so much like a bad ship name, and I don't like it. I hate that I came up with the word Belus. It was because of our, like, variety... Remember when we had all those variety of possession theories of, like, is Bellas going to possess Luz? Is the Collector going to possess Luz? At least neither... Yeah, Calustor, I think it was. At least neither of those actually happened. Yeah, no, we were totally wrong on all those counts, but nevertheless, Bellas is real. We were right about Bellas possessing someone, because we were also like, oh, if it's not Luz, it's definitely Hunter, right? Because it has to. I guess. I'm pretty sure... Like, I don't think we talked too much about Bunker. <laughs> I, I, no, we joked too much about collectibles to talk about Bunter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we see Tibbles three times in this episode, to be fair. <laughs> We're not yeah. free of him. He's died like eight times, and he's still here. <laughs> no, I mean, that's that's a little bit of an exaggeration. He's died three times, counting our one shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's died twice in show, three times if you include... Uh, these get uh, was it these get degrees? I forget. Or these get yes. Uh, yeah. These yeah, get the degrees. Little, the little side story. 
<laughs> I guess maybe three times in the show, depending on how strong you assume Amity is and the relative crushing force of her punches. But <laughs> Oh, I thought that was number two, because I thought number one was when he got eaten by the animals. Because he didn't die in episode six when he was first introduced. He just had his stand destroyed and you know had to either break away and get free. Yeah, what was... There was another one. <laughs> no, I think it was, I think it, because no, because like, I think he only had three proper appearances in the show because it was episode six when he was introduced, when he tried to get, uh, hand Anita to the cops, and then episode 14, really small problems when he was running the little zoo, and then it wasn't until season, like, the midway point of season two when he showed up again, having the scam with the Azura books. Uh, well, that's not true, because he was doing something else, I thought. Wasn't he involved no. with, um, no, I think uh, that's... the thing that, what's her name, Gwen was doing? No, no, that was, like, other little, like, gremlin-looking dudes who were doing the scam. Eh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Tibbles was only in those few. I'm... Let's see, we can figure this out. Yeah, it looks like you're right. I yeah. don't know what I'm remembering, then. But okay. Yeah, citing season one, he was in Hootie's Moving Hassle, which was his introduction. He was in Really Small Problems, and then he was he was pictured in Knock on Knock on Hootie's Door. Apparently, I don't remember where he was pictured in that, but he yeah, nor do I. Yeah, but he appeared in any Spore in the Storm because that was the Azura author stuff, and then like, yeah, he only appeared in this in three cameos with no speaking role. Well, dang. Yeah, so we've been really exaggerating his survivability, I guess. Yeah, um, but the keeps coming back his thing. When it's like, he would definitely be eaten by those animals, he definitely got killed by Amity's punch, and he also got frozen to death by Luce in our game. <laughs> and yet he doesn't die. He knows time magic, he just keeps on doing it. We established this, this is canon now. Because <laughs> there's no explanation. <laughs> I can't believe Tibbles is the bad guy for MCU Phase 5. <laughs> Uh, frickin' Tibbles. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so Luz wakes up in Bellos' throne room wearing Bellos' uniform and sort of falls out of the chair, and just because genre savvy is her one true power, immediately goes, is this a dream? That is a direct <laughs> quote. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Stringbean is there also, and Luz starts asking her questions as if Stringbean would know anything about the situation that Luz doesn't. But... I, I like how I like how Luz has had Stringbean for all the five minutes and she's already calling Stringbean cute pet names because she calls her a power noodle yeah for sure <laughs> uh loose doing the i've had stream bean for all the five minutes but if anything happened to her i would kill everyone in this room and then myself well i mean yeah look at her <laughs> yeah yeah stream bean is adorable the yeah, cutest uh... the cutest little dratini snake <laughs> Since uh, since Stringbean obviously doesn't know anything about what's happening either, they just sort of start exploring and find themselves... This is Bellos's castle, just totally empty, completely abandoned, until they head out the front door to the drawbridge, where they look down onto the moat, and everyone from the Isles has been petrified. It's the worst. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, this, is, this is back in Season 1, witches are petrified if they're wild witches petrification. This isn't, like, collector nonsense. Yeah, um, it's a it's a little interesting that like the petrification thing really hasn't shown up since the uh, season one finale, aside from like with Bellows, you know, threatening to petrify Luce at the end of season two. 
Well, that's like, true, like, but I mean, it, it used a big freaky machine and they blew it up, so... <laughs> yeah, but again, like, we in theory that that big freaky machine just had a bunch of, like, glyphs in it, which is how I was doing that stuff, because, like, yeah. one, one of the glyph combos that Luz found in the diary that was unfinished was petrification, which he's like, nope, not using this, <laughs> this is bad. For sure. Yeah, and somehow it took her, like, another, like, couple days to figure out, oh, that's why this was in here. <laughs> Rather than immediately being like, hmm, this and the weird meat magic is really similar to what Bellows does, uh-oh. <laughs> I do kind of regret that he stopped doing the weird meat magic. I miss that. Yeah, like he really didn't do the meat magic besides that one time, because ever since then he's just been a goop monster. Yeah, that was like his thing, and then from there it's just been goo. And yeah, like goo I mean, is cool and all, but it was such an aesthetic. Yeah, for like for what it's worth, like he, I mean, it was only in the very two, final two episodes of season one that he even actually appeared in, so. He only really had those two opportunities to use the meat magic stuff. Yeah. And and then, like, or not meat magic, the, uh, yeah, I guess meat magic. I guess it's just because a lot of people call his current stuff, like, meat magic or meat moss and stuff like that. That's why I'm like, eh, it's a little confusing. But I guess it's like, I guess it's like a, a form of it. It's just that it's become more deteriorated and more goopy based on his worsening condition, I guess. Yeah. Also, I mean, he hasn't really used his, like, artificial staff, like, really since that one time, because, like, the few times he's fought, he's really not even had it since season one. Yeah, you know, that's fair. It's hard to argue that. He doesn't have his, his artificial magic anymore, so he can't do the meat powers. I get it. Yeah, so he's just like, well, I guess I'm a goop monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so as Luz is recoiling in horror from, you know, seeing everyone she's ever loved and also hated in this pit petrified forever, uh, Amity shows up at the other end of the drawbridge. Uh, I guess she's like the only person who's not petrified. And she just starts in telling Luz that this is all her fault because she helped Bellos meet the Collector and by her actions directly caused the fall of the Boiling Isles. She has been the villain all along. And Luz protests, because her girlfriend is being really weird and mean, but Amity just attacks, insisting that uh, she has to take Luz down for the sake of everyone she's destroyed. And uh, rather than fight her girlfriend, Luz just flees back into the castle. (laughs) You you know it's going to be a good episode when in the first, like, two minutes they already had the really crisp animation going on. (laughs) (laughs) Because as soon as, like, Amity's on the bridge, it's like, oh yeah, there's, like, way more frames of animation for her, like, hair and clothes billowing in the wind and stuff like that. And it's like, oh yeah, this is this is where all the budget's gone. This episode. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. It's. I find it personally a little frustrating that the first seven minutes of the final episode are a dream sequence, but. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's 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 one of those things that's a little overdone in cartoons of the same nature, I'd say, but also just in media as a whole, really. But at least yeah. at least it doesn't linger for way too long. Well, that's the thing. I feel like it does. This is the last episode. We are really, really out on time here, and you spend seven minutes out of, what is it, 54 on a dream sequence? That's like 20% of your runtime. I guess. I mean, they they look. They clearly wanted to have watching as the first title, part of the title, so they had to think of something that sounded good with watching. So it's like, well, dreaming, and I guess we'll go with that to have like a nightmare <laughs> sequence. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Ida uh, elsewhere wakes up in the conformatorium, and these days she can get out of the conformatorium pretty easy thanks to her harpy form. She can just like kick the doors off. But as she's flying away, uh, she just gets netted out of the sky, and uh, she warns whoever netted her that. They absolutely will not keep her away from her family, which, you know, it's cute. She's, she misses her families. 
But uh, Lilith and Gwendolyn appear, and uh, they refuse to help her out of the net. Her family's here because uh, she's too dangerous to be free. Beasts must be caged. Which, frankly, Gwendolyn is a beast keeper, which I don't feel like this is... I mean, <laughs> she's not about cages, let's be real. Yeah, um, I, I mean, aside from, like, the one time when we actually did really meet Gwen as a character, when, like, she was trying to, like clearly restrain a beast of some sort <laughs> with trying to conv- control the curse and everything so but like it is a case of like that was resolved in that episode though with her learning yeah, that she was that was also doing like a very specific situation that wasn't her yeah. dealing with an animal that was her thinking of this as a curse that is plaguing my child yeah like I'm her being like oh that's good this part but she's yeah. not like yeah, that was to put an animal in a box here. <laughs> yeah, that that was my child is, uh, has something wrong with them and needs to be cured. And it's like, no, actually, because Ida already has found a way to deal with it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. I do, uh, just, I don't mean to get ahead of myself, but I do like that they just don't wave away the curse by the end. That it's actually just persistent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a good, it's a good analogy. Like, yeah, sometimes people just have, like, you know, chronic illnesses and they don't go away. Like, you can mitigate them, but they're just here to stay. And it's like, that's just true. Exactly, so yeah. I, I, like, I like that they just don't be like, and then the collector undid that, because fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Dell is also here, and he's got his other eye scratched out, and he's just begging Ida to understand why, because he forgave her. He doesn't know why she would do this again. And then the scene changes. Um, I gotta King. also say, like, the fact that this show, like, clearly has, like, dripping blood coming off his face is... Yeah, oh, oh. that was kind of it's, a shock yeah, to me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, again, like, Owl House is always kind of skewed a little bit more older, like, that, like, you know, 12 to 15 target demographic range, really, in terms of the viewers. But, like, I think, I feel like at that point, it's like, they also acknowledge that, like, yeah, this is really the show that is, like, really taken off with, like, 30-year-old queer adults like the creators and us so it's like they feel like they can get away with stuff and also by that point it's like well what's Disney gonna do cancel the show more <laughs> good <laughs> yeah, luck that's fair yeah. I don't know I don't feel like it's a concession to a 30 year old audience exactly I'm just surprised that it got past the uh, like, yeah yeah the that got past sensors. yeah yeah like just the fact that like even like cartoons of this ilk to this day like actually can have characters say kill yeah. <laughs> considering considering all the ways that like even shows like avatar the last airbender used to get around that was like oh destroy or defeat or he'll be no more and it's like what <laughs> <laughs> like you're do you're really stretching to get around saying yeah murder that kid <laughs> like even you even even Bellas uses an archaic term for hell in this episode, which is the closest we've ever really had to swear an owl house, because <laughs> he calls the boiling owls perdition later on. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I wouldn't. Perdition is definitely old timey Christian. So good call there. That's yeah. He, he is he is a sixteen hundred. He is like a four hundred year old Christian shithead. So of course he would use perdition. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't feel like it's a swear, that's all. In I, that it, form I mean, of Christianity, perdition is like a place. That's not... Yeah, well, I guess it's, it, it is a little bit of a synonym for hell, I think, though. Yeah, it, to a degree. It's complicated. But again, it's like... Hell is a situational swear, you know? It, it's <laughs> Hell the place is not uh, a, a swear word, it's just the name of a place. It, Using it yeah. as punctuation is where it becomes a swear. Oh, okay, I was thinking along the lines of tradition being a state of eternal punishment and damnation. <laughs> That's why I was thinking it was like hell. 
Yeah, no, it absolutely is. It's just like, again, it's it's a descriptor. It's not. A, he's not yeah. swearing there. He's just saying that this is what this is. Yeah, but hey, he's wrong. Let, but... let Bella let Bella say fuck. Also, let Ida say fuck. <laughs> I don't think they should let Bella say that. Only Ida. Uh, fair, yeah. I don't I mean, think Ida, they should Ida... let Ida say that. Only Streambean. <laughs> <laughs> Like, String Bean just hisses and Lisa's like, Well, watch your language, young lady. You were just born yesterday. No, that's the only English word she can say. <laughs> like, String Bean says, Hiss, 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 fuck. Hiss, yes, hiss. that's exactly what I want, yes. <laughs> like, String Bean just saying, You motherfucker to Bellas, but it says, Hiss, 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 fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I guess that brings up a good, that brings up a good question. How come the, uh, how come the Bat Queen, who is a palisman, can speak when other Bowser can't. <laughs> uh, she's super old. <laughs> oh, is she like the? Is she like Meow? She just really practiced hard one day. <laughs> I have to assume, because she definitely does have an accent that no one else on the islands has. Maybe yeah, that's just that, the yeah, leftover has... from her trying to learn how to talk. Yeah, she has that like kind of like Italian-y accent or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. I so King awakens in a, a, a stone room. Like we saw it sort of once before on Titan Trapper Islands, but it wasn't decorated like this last time mm-hmm. because now it is just full of skulls, and they all look basically exactly like his. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Bill, who you may recall from Titan Trapper Island way back <laughs> when and never again, just kind of shows up behind him, saying that uh, you know we we brought you here to show off our collection of dead titans. Isn't it great? We did such a great job killing all these titans, and uh, don't you recognize your siblings? Because all of them are related to you. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, we saved the best spot for you. We just wanted to show it off before we pulled your skull out. <laughs> yeah, definitely not at all fucked up too. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, way, way to have any, uh, you know, loyalty to your subjects who uh, treat you like a god collector for uh, having puppeted like, uh, Bill and uh, Tarek, I think is the other guy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, curious they, about that, all things considered. They, they do say that the Titan Trappers are a bit weird, though, so I guess maybe they were like, yeah, I didn't want them to do that kind of, like, you know, murder. I mean, because, like, yeah, because, like, later on the Collector does say they wanted to just be friends with the Titans, and the Titan Trappers are just, like, apparently interpreted as, like, we need to kill all of them that are left. Yeah, <laughs> like, what, what they'll specifically say is that the Titan Trappers, quote, started acting all weird, so I assume that at some point... The collector sort of set up this society to look for more titans because they wanted more friends. Yeah. And then the trappers took that to a, okay, well, let's hunt them. But I also yeah, don't like, super know how that's possible because the collector it, would have been trapped before they started this thing. And by that point, there shouldn't be any titans from what we learn in this episode. Yeah, like they they might have like realized that, oh, the collector was imprisoned by the titans because like in their understanding that collector was going around killing the titans and so they're like oh we need to help the collector out by killing the other titans even though if they killed king the collector wouldn't be able to get out (laughs) yeah i just don't know like they definitely do have some titan relics and bill claims to have killed a titan personally and i don't know how that's possible unless king really did have more siblings out there but that's just not something we're going to touch on in this episode we don't have time (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah, um, Luce is now racing through Bellos's castle. She's flying on Stringbean, and then suddenly finds herself transported to the forest that was in Willow's mind. 
Uh, Willow is here too, and though Luz is happy to see her, Willow talks a little bit about how Luz changed her. You know, made her believe in a future, made her believe in herself, and then Luz destroyed not just her home, but also her future by getting everyone in the Boiling Isles killed. Good job. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, false hope is the worst, right? But uh, yeah, Willow attacks with vines, and Luz flees, only to find herself on stage with Gus, who is announcing her to an audience as the biggest hypocrite ever, because, you know... Everyone helped her get back to her world and her mom, but uh, because of her, no one else will see their families ever again. Ta-da! Yay! <laughs> she does protest this a little bit, but Gus just sort of redirects, and then suddenly she's outside again, looking at Hunter, who is... He's just in a really bad way. This poor mm -hmm. kid. <laughs> he's, he's talking about how he never thought anything but following orders. Just friends a life weren't even a consideration. But then he met Flapjack, who taught him how to have friends and how to actually be a person until he died because of Luz. And now Luz gets her own palisman and he doesn't. And it's just, it's not fair. She gets to have it all. And and then Amity arrives and she apologizes, but challenges Luz to a witch's battle. And this is what shocks Luz back out of her panic because, you know, even though she knew that this was a dream she's still been pretty subject to the emotional manipulation behind it because it is saying exactly what she's been afraid of this whole time but uh amity challenging her to a witch's battle is what she needed to realize that this is fake because if you'll remember this is the azura quote that Luz used all the way back in convention to challenge green-haired amity to a witch's duel <laughs> and so yep. yes amity should know that it's a duel and not a battle so these two just being the most biggest dorks possible where it's like we know the quote you wouldn't get the quote wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah even though she knew this was a dream this is what gives her like the absolute certainty she needed that none of it's actually real and instead of like trying to take control of the dream she just invites her friends to attack her now that she knows the truth <laughs> which okay they were gonna do that anyway but good job loose but when they attack, though, I'm not super sure why this happens, but they're restrained by those same pink tendrils from the beginning of the episode, and they all seem to, like, wake up for just a moment. Amity tells Luz that the Collector got them, and Gus warns her that he's trying to keep Luz away from Ida and King, and Willow says that to get to them, she needs to wake up, and then Hunter gives her the answer how, because all you have to do when you wake up is turn on the lights. So Amity, like, palms Luz a light glyph. It's... I think they're trying to be really subtle about it, like, to make the Collector not notice, but it's super obvious. She's not good at oh, sleight of hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, these character being like, I want to try to sneak this to her, and the DM be like, alright, well, give me a sleight of hand, and she's like, shit, I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah, I think it's also implied that, like, because it is Titan magic, that really any glyph would have potentially done it, yeah, but it does make sense that's it's a glyph. that's my interpretation of this. Yeah, because, again, Titan magic just neutralizes Collector magic, so it's like, it makes it mad extensive to be the light glyph, because again, yeah, you would turn on the light rather than just shoot ice. <laughs> when you, as soon as you, oh, by the way, yeah, what if you're like a sorcerer and you have a nightmare and you wake up and you immediately just cast like frostbite at something nearby? <laughs> by accident. Oh, it's like kind of cold. Whoops, I hit the party. <laughs> what do you do when you wake up, Zeus? It's easy. Just set your house on fire. <laughs> <laughs> just immediately burn everything. <laughs> The nightmares can't get me if I just don't have a bed anymore, right? Exactly. <laughs> Incinerate it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you, know, you, got, you, got, you got to listen to Cricket. Not only do you not drink water, you also never go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Frickin' cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drink water! <laughs> yeah. Who's um, activates this glyph as her uh, her friends and girlfriend are just dragged upward helplessly into the sky, and they just kind of go limp like they're puppets as they're dragged away. And when she does activate this glyph, there's a big flash of light, and she finds herself standing on a gigantic Rubik's Cube littered with broken toys and floating in space. I'm not super sure what this is geographically speaking. I don't know if this is another reality or if it's just a room that the collector set up I think, to be I think all it, messed up and weird. But... Yeah, I think it, I think it's literally just like a playroom that they made in the archive house because it's like it, it rem, it's a little bit reminiscent of the bedroom that they and Tim yeah, have. Yeah, for sure. Cause it, like because that had like the like zero gravity stuff with like the little planetoid they were on. So I think it's yeah. another room like that in the archive house. Yeah, it's it's just very strange in terms of like architecture slash reality construction. And yeah. we, again, we don't get a ton of information for you. But I guess that's to be expected when you're dealing with something like the Collector. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so now that she's awake here, she can see King and Ida, who are being tormented by puppets. And in this version of the world, basically these puppets are just bouncing up and down in front of them <laughs> <laughs> as they lay on the ground moaning about how, oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> But their but eyes are also like unfocused a bit, so it's like yeah, yeah that's like the clearly shows like they're in this like nightmare sequence. But oh they're no, not, they like, definitely full... are. Just yeah. like the real world image of it. <laughs> yeah, but they're not like full, just like asleep or anything. Yeah, they're uh, just so... in like a trance, basically. Yeah, Luz uses her light glyphs to wake them up real quick, and King kind of comes to his senses first and just immediately tackle hugs Luz because he didn't think he'd ever see her again. He's thrilled. And then uh, Ida runs in to hug the both of them and giving them a bunch of kisses on their heads because she is absolutely unabashedly mom now. Um, yep. And this was the first time I cried in this episode. <laughs> At this reunion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we zoom out and elsewhere the collector is watching through a star-shaped TV. And they're pretty upset at Rain, because Rain had told them that these visions would make the Elk crew see the errors of their ways and want to be friends, but it didn't work, and now they're just going to hate him for, like, torturing them. Fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it turns out, when you decide, oh, how do I make people my friends? Oh, I'll make them live through their worst nightmares, where everybody they've ever met hates their guts, and wants to murder them in one case to take their skull. <laughs> Perfectly reasonable. That'll make, that'll make them my friends, right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out no. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sorry. I need to give myself a slap in the face, because I have said for sure like 30 times this episode, and I don't know why that's <laughs> happening. It's kind of been like a weird Saturday, I'd say, too. Cause like, <laughs> even, even here, like before we were going, I was like a little sleepy for some reason or another, even though I got plenty of sleep. So I actually was like drinking coffee at like two in the afternoon. Because <laughs> so, it's just, like, oh. it's like, what's going on? Eh. Yeah. I think it's just like that weird like sense of like it's April, but also it's felt a lot like summer already here. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, been, yeah. it's been weird. I'm kind of getting that as well. It's, like, really warm for Canada. Yeah. It is as hot now as it is supposed to ever get in this part of the country. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember just how hot it really got last summer that I was here. I think it didn't really get past, like, 90, but it's been, like, low 80s basically all week here, and so it's, like, it's uncomfortable enough. Yeah. Like, I did the research before I moved here, and it said that the hottest it ever got in 
London, where I am, is usually about 85 degrees, and that's what it is now, today in April, so I'm very afraid of what happens this summer. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that that's pretty much also, like, the average of, like, the worst it really gets here in Connecticut, of, like, you know, mid-80s or so, which is uh, definitely way better than uh, North Carolina, where it'd be like, well, it's uh, 100 degrees here every day for the summer, oh god, I'm gonna die. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, like... Don't get me wrong. I've been swimming pools in Texas. Yeah. Uh, 115 Wait. ahoy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fun. Don't you just love all the people in position of power that are pretending like global warming ain't a thing, even as we see the effects of it? It's really messed up how fast I adapted to Canada. Like, it was 75 degrees the other day, and I went out in a tank top, and I got sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's, that's pure adaption. That's not me getting used to the temperature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yes. Uh, so as just a brief refresher, in case anybody forgot in the past couple of months, uh, Rain is not actually Rain right now. They're a puppet that Bellows has possessed. So uh, I'm going to call him Bell Rain from here on out. And uh, Bell Rain asks why the Collector doesn't just, you know, kill these weird little owl creeps. But the Collector wants to be their friends, because he's a kid and doesn't want to just be murdering people. And, you know, besides, their power doesn't work on Titans. Uh, Bellows didn't actually know that King was a Titan, so that's fun. It absolutely I... does not impact the rest of this episode, but for this moment, it's fun to see him confused. Yeah, like being like, huh, what? The dog? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's the, the big more important thing is that he didn't know that Titan magic is good against Collector magic. Yeah. <laughs> so with this revelation, and also the Collector just goes ahead and, like, reminds him that the Titan heart is still in his throne room and beating. You know, just for narrative convenience. But uh, he comes up with a new plan. So, uh, you know, maybe the Collector should play with the Owl crew in person because that'll show them how much fun his games are. And uh, the Collector's super on board with this, but the instant he's gone, uh, Bell Rain steals a Kirby Warp Star from their dresser. <laughs> it really is just a Kirby Warp Star. <laughs> it really is, like, yeah. Imagining the voice actor of uh, freaking Wispy Woods from the Kirby anime going, Warp Star, every time. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, that's literally what happens every fucking episode of that Kirby anime. Because <laughs> they <laughs> store that there for some reason in fucking Wispy Woods compared to just leaving it in town. <laughs> I guess because it's like, I guess, well, if they left it somewhere obvious that King DDB could get to, he could just go and, like, send his wild beast to take it, I guess. Yeah. So you gotta put it in the tree, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, it's it's a little goofy. But uh <laughs> Yeah, it is also just incredibly funny to think about the fact that like in three like three hundred and fifty years of being on the boiling owls, Bellus never once considered that this heart here that still beats might actually be useful in terms of trying to do a <laughs> genocide. I mean it's also just like I mean, I feel like it's for the longest time he really wasn't being all a goop monster as much, but like once he started gooping and realized that he might be able to actually like body jack people, you would think he would actually consider like, hmm, maybe this thing could actually still control the Titan's corpse to just stand up and do a genocide that way, because everybody right. would just fall off into the boiling sea. Maybe I'm just extrapolating a little here, but I feel like Bellos didn't want 
this. This is like his absolute worst case scenario. He was trying to mm-hmm. stay as human as he possibly could. Yeah. So even if he did consider the heart before, he still had his draining spell plan. He was going to do that and then just leave the collector trapped and everything would be fine. That was his win. He killed all the witches. He's still human. He gets except, to go home. Except also not because there's, as we'll see, there's way more to the demon realm than just the Boiling Isles in terms of places. And it's like, <laughs> presumably he hasn't been going around the entire dimension slash planet maybe to get everybody marked to wipe out everybody so it's like oh cool you would do like a dent to like 10 percent of the population of this unit of this dimension that doesn't get rid of all witches and all demons my guy <laughs> i mean we don't know that maybe it does maybe nowhere else it, is witches the, ti- the titan trappers are perfectly fine and they cast magic so they're like witches and demons i guess <laughs> also, we we have the implication that there are actual other societies based on the fact that like the 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 what's it called the uh, card for blight industries specifying like that titan itself. So there again, we've established that there must be some sort of postal service between the different like partial titans and this titan. Yeah, for sure. But that doesn't mean that every society is witches. Yeah, but there but like even if not every other society is witches, like most of them probably do have demons. So it's like. Not just totally ordinary humans living on this other type. <laughs> <laughs> Which again brings up a bigger question of whether they're all doing for food if they're just regular humans. <laughs> we, we know Bellows has been just snacking on some uh, familiars this entire time, and Luce has like found some foods she can actually eat, <laughs> even though again early on we saw her with a full loaf of bread and apples. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh well, see, it turns out that this other continent down here that's just like Australia, it's super <laughs> between the two realities. Uh, so it doesn't. They don't have magic or witches or demons there. They just have to deal with all the other horrifying creatures of Australia, but mm-hmm. in the, yeah. the demon realm as well. <laughs> got, got to deal with the giant fucking uh like monster-sized crabs or whatever it is no that's not australia right with the coconut crabs or coconut yeah. crabs the ocean presumably <laughs> but coconut well, crabs are coconut usually crabs also are on like pacific islands area oh thanks google uh coconut crabs are found across the indo-pacific from islands off the coast of africa near zanzibar to the gambier islands in the okay Eastern i was way off. Ocean. okay yeah yeah they, well they were like Based on this map, it's like they kind of like are kind of like everywhere north, like between like Africa all the way to like northish of Australia and a little bit eastern past that, just not not around Australia itself. I guess at its furthest tip, that would include some of the Pacific Islands, but yeah, not, that's I was wrong saying that was the main place. Yeah. Um, yeah, those guys are just weird. They're just big. <laughs> they are good, and I love them. They are, but they also would be really fucking intimidating to see in person. Like, oh, that's a crab the size of a dog. I want to keep one for a pet and have it like a puppy. <laughs> you, you playing an artificer battlesmith in a D&D game just so you could have a coconut crab as your steel defender? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so up on the cube, our, our owl family tries to catch up a little bit, and they do very extremely brief not even real recaps, just, like, reacting to each other's new appearances. And, uh, you know, Stringbean gets to meet Albert, and it's very cute, but that's basically it for Albert this episode. <laughs> he gets a couple more he, scenes he near gets, the end. He get, yeah, like... he gets to see stuff at the end. 
yeah, he's. They had to remind just... us that Albert exists before he's in the montage at the end of the show. <laughs> Albert is my sweet little baby, but he gets almost nothing to do in this series. So yeah, he got to do stuff at least uh, early on in season one, but really not since. I mean, he's in the he's in the season one finale in a big way, just because he's helping yeah. loose with finding Bellos and everything. But then season two, it's like. Eh, forget Albert. <laughs> he gets to show up in Eclipse Lake, and that's it, really. <laughs> uh, so then the uh, then the collector shows up because they want to play. Uh, they're they're pretty confused because all this time he thought King liked playing with him, but uh, now King is just choosing these tiny people over the collector. And this is something I'm going to note now, but I'm not going to keep hitting on it whenever it happens. The collector keeps calling humans spiders, and I don't know why. Presumably, it is because they are small and insignificant, but there's, like... Yeah. Yeah. They ain't spiders. Also, also, we have to... You can't skip over the fact that King says that he wants to catch up with them over some hot choco milk. Because yeah, and... I realized what milk has to be because of the existence of the spider demon back in Escape from the Palace Men. So it is spider milk. It oh, I was thinking be. snake milk. No, I feel like if it was snake milk, they would call it snilk. That's fair, yeah. I mean, I'm also thinking of Snilk because of the uh, that one dropout sketch where uh, Brennan's giving them shit because they drew a snake with mammalian breasts, <laughs> and then they came up with the term Snilk because Snake Milk. But yeah, no, uh, the fact like that he... snitties, though. <laughs> but yeah, no, the fact that King said Smilk, and again, we we had that bit where one of the Back Queen's trials was reduced to milk the spider demon. I feel like Smilk has to be spider milk, right? <laughs> Because like I had in my notes here saying I don't know I don't want to know what milk is and then I thought about it the last couple of days being like oh no it would be spider milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, um. That's fair. But yes. Yeah, so for whatever reason the collector decides that they're spiders. Um. <laughs> so the king tries to step up and he like. He explains about how, you know, if it's not fun for everyone, it isn't fun for anyone. And Ida just says that the Collector is bad at games, so that's not really helping her <laughs> argument. But, yeah, um, the thing is, is that since the Collector almost killed everyone with the draining spell, they really don't want to play. But uh, he just doesn't get it, because, you know, toys break all the time and all you have to do is fix them. Which is not a good argument when you're trying to convince people to be friends. Oh yeah, I'm gonna rip your heads off, but I'll put them back on. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's de definitely the whole like, do you not know what death means to mortals? And it's like me just going like foreshadowing. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, collector. He's gonna, he's gonna learn in yeah. like ten minutes. <laughs> Liz realizes here the collector doesn't know what death is, which really seems to bother her actually. But uh, they don't have time for that because uh, they can all be friends now, so they're just going to show the Owl family some of his favorite games. Um, in the archive, Bell Rain is just sort of lurching through the halls, shedding Bellows goo the whole way. And See, Rain is fighting back now. I don't know why they weren't fighting back earlier, but they're doing it now. And they're fighting back so intensely that they actually burn out the puppet glyph by sheer force of will and go back to being an actual person and they're like ejecting bellows goo from their eyes it is super gross yep it's like uh, the worst freaking flu you've ever had having fluids come out of your eyes too yeah bellows wins the fight here and mentions that rain has always been annoyingly powerful which is like i don't know why but it just feels out of character in this moment for bellows to say this 
it's just kind of a non sequitur but either way i mean i i feel like it's like tied to like the uh the flashback episode we had last season of like when uh like a lot of the students were even saying that oh rain is really powerful despite being just a bard what the hell (laughs) kind of deal and it's like it, it is amusing that it's like Rain was not in a position of power as like the head of the Bard Coven until like near the, the midway point of season two, and it's like well, Bellus apparently always knew that Rain was just super fucking good at their job. Yeah, that's. <laughs> and I get. I, I guess what I'm. How do I say this? It's not that Rain isn't powerful, right? That has always been true. It just it feels weird for me to for Bellus to say it in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like they're trying to they have to remind us that oh yeah rain is actually really good at this <laughs> yeah that's despite knowing that rain was the one in charge of a secret rebellion <laughs> yeah and also having seen the bit when like rain was kicking ass back as a teenager <laughs> to the point where they even attacked terra <laughs> yeah uh so bellows manages to win for now and just takes off on the warp star and then we get a shot of Amity, Gus, Willow, and Hunter just turned into puppets and lying abandoned on the floor of the archive. Uh, clearly, Odalia isn't doing her cleanup job right now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Odalia's not doing shit in this episode besides standing there sulking in the end. <laughs> uh-huh, yep. <laughs> Which is a little bit of an oversight that, like, she's just not around during the rest of it, but also, fuck her. We don't need to see her anyway. She sucks. <laughs> 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 like she, she saw Rain get gooped last episode and apparently has just been like sitting in a room, I guess, for the last couple hours. <laughs> just being like, eh, not my problem. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's just a brief shot of them, and we see a light glyph just sort of inches away from Puppet Anime's fingers, and and then we got a montage of the L crew playing games with the collector, like a, a life-sized Pac-Man where his giant head is just straight up trying to eat them or a game of marbles with all of them trapped in spheres that are getting bounced around or a Jenga tower the size of a skyscraper. I, I, I do want to point out two things here from the marbles bit because I really like Ida's little comical fist shake towards the collector when she's in the marble. It, it's like, of all the things Ida could do, like with all the strength she has where she can break down like iron bars in uh, harpy form, you'd think that she could like break out the marble. But no, she just shakes her little fist. I, I guess it's the difference. But like, it's also notable that like when like the marbles that Luce and Ida are in hit each other, they both actually have like swirly eyes, which is the only time like any characters have like swirly eyes at all in the show (laughs) it's like it's like huh that's yeah you don't really think about it because that's usually like a cartoon thing but no they've never actually had that until this like weirdly like kind of partially comical scene (laughs) also what's up with us covering shows that the characters in a big like marble in like a scenario where they're bouncing all over the place because it also happened to tulip where she definitely should have also been dead that's true yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah um the trouble is, for the collector at least, that every single one of these games leads to them being hurt somehow. And it's never, like, major injuries, but when he full-on eats, lose, string beans, stings him on the tongue, and it's, you know, that hurts. Or during the marble game, King manages to roll his marble under the collector's foot to knock them over when they slip on it, and Ida just straight up pushes the Jenga tower over on top of them. <laughs> Which feels a little bit like cheating, because it was already going to fall down for their team to lose, and then she just redirects them instead. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> where it's like, well, you're not supposed to aim to just knock over the entire Jenga tower, and also I feel like using wings to <laughs> screw with it is also a little bit of a cheating. Well, I mean, it's like, their team still lost. They knocked over the tower. Yeah. It just fell on but the, the collector. collector. <laughs> but the collector also lost. Yeah, that's the thing. I do also like that people pointed out that, like, the moment that the collector loses, it's like a case of, like, being like, you're not playing right, I don't want to play this game anymore, let's play a different game, fuck you. <laughs> like, much like little kids would. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this this really disheartens him, and so they, there's a shot, they get back to the Rubik's Cube, and King is talking about how he's hurled about a dozen times, which thankfully they don't show us, and then Ida starts dangling him upside down to try and get him to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> For a lucky 13, yeah. <laughs> Prime, prime mom material, either cloth or <laughs> Yeah, we just got a shot of Luce realizing that the collector's really actually bothered by all this, so they're off in a corner, like, crying, and Luce starts to go to him, but Ida tries to stop her. The thing is, King trusts his sister, though, and insists that she should go, because if anyone can convince the collector to be cool, it's her. <laughs> it's... I truly adore how on board everyone is with Luz's weird ability to just talk to anyone. Like, I, I mean, it worked with both Lilith and Amity. <laughs> it did, it really did, but it's just so much And, like, and Hunter, yeah. <laughs> this is not a good idea, and no one should be doing it, but she's proven that this is, like, her thing, so yeah. I guess we'll do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she even technically did win over Bellis's trust there before she immediately stabbed her in the back with that uh, coven sigil. <laughs> So, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah she, she's usually good at actually appealing to some of these better senses, but then also at times she's like, this fucker's gonna die, and <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very... I don't know how to talk about it, really, because so much of the picture that's painted of Luz is like an awkward, vaguely antisocial person who has difficulty interacting with people. But then, like, her special power is just understanding folks and getting them to open up to her it's <laughs> I, I i read that as like you know she was really awkward at first with that but also because you didn't really know people but once she actually started to get to know people who actually like her for who she is she had more confidence to actually be able to talk to people more easily that's fair because also like again like the demon realm is where she belongs just because like everybody there is kind of an air quotes weirdo much like her because <laughs> it's like oh this is where people who are just different are compared to the normal human world where everything sucks <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> yeah um so this approaches the collector and you know they're upset because these these games can't last forever and they insist it's because the owl crew are gonna lose but he really just he wanted friends he wanted people that he could trust you know because bellows lied and King lied, and even his siblings, who are called the Archivists, lied, and he just can't trust anyone. And uh, Ida and King just walk up at this point, like, right behind Luz, which I feel like is maybe a tactical mistake in this moment, insofar as if you're trying to let her get through to him, you don't want to be standing yeah, it, behind it her be... ready to strike him down. Yeah, but... it could be interpreted as, like, ganging up on him kind it, of deal. It super looks like a threat, because she's still in her big harpy mode and all. It's... Yeah, she's not, she's not, like, crouched down to talk to the little kid kind of deal. Yeah, no. Like, like Ida not looking at the meme of like how to like handle kids, where it's like again she's like dangling her like son upside down and everything, trying to get him to puke, and like uh, standing upright to tower over a kid to talk to him rather than actually like <laughs> crouching down. Prime <laughs> <Frying> mom material. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh... Still better than Odalia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's very. Um... 
I'm sorry to do this again, but I'm dropping an image into our chat because this is the energy that I get from Ida as mom. She's she's oh, yeah, yeah, in this yeah, uh -huh, yep. I was I was thinking of that. I was like, wasn't there one for Adora and Catra with the with little uh, Finn? And it's like, yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Adora trying to get Finn to bench press some weights. <laughs> <laughs> Which Adora, uh, Adora is like a coin flip of whether she actually would do that or not. <laughs> like you would think she would have the sense of it, especially after the show. But at the same time, Adora is an idiot lesbian. <laughs> Adora just wants her baby to be strong. <laughs> yeah, got got to train them early. <laughs> yeah. Um. Either way, uh, the collector starts really talking about his history at this point because and so i'll be honest here some of what i'm about to say is my interpretation of the story because we only get the collector's side of it but yeah it, it is kind of brief it does at least give better context for the history of yeah the greater story of owl house but it's like yeah like constraints had to happen obviously <laughs> see essentially what happened is that the collector's siblings the archivists sent them down to the boiling isles to play hide and seek with the titans and it's not to my mind this is them sending the collector as a distraction so they can do what they're doing but they collector just thought that they were going to play a game with the titans and you know the titans were super welcoming and thrilled to play especially the babies but uh, while they were playing the archivists just took the rest of them uh, he says that they disappeared, but I am assuming they were killed given the sheer number of Titan corpses on this planet. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I interpreted it a little bit differently, just in terms of, like, why the Collector was sent to go hang out with the Titans. I kind of read that more as, like, the archivists are just, like, way older Collectors who were just annoyed with their little kid sibling, essentially. And just, like, we're like, just go hang out with those people instead. Like, very much like, you know, the older sibling who has their friends over and the younger sibling wants to hang out and they're like, go, go away, kind of deal. Like, oh. I kind of interpreted it that way. Like, go hang out with the Titans instead. Get out of here, kid. And then it's like, only once they, like, saw that the Titans actually could cancel Collector Magic, they were like, oh, fuck, we should probably deal with these things. <laughs> that makes sense. I guess my interpretation of this was that a little bit the same, right? Because the Collector is the annoying younger sibling. That also makes them naive and perfect for keeping the attention of the Titans while they're, you know, yeah. hunting them down. So, to my mind, the Collector was sent here as, like, a, essentially a distraction to keep the Titans focused on them while the Archivists could, you know, systematically assassinate the rest of the species. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh boy, oh no, the, the, the Mystery Shack just posted prototypes of the string being plushy. <laughs> Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> it is cute. She doesn't have eyes yet at the moment because it's mostly just getting the body type done, but <laughs> yeah. <it's> cute. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but either way, like, eventually there was only one Titan left, and he assumed that the Collector was the villain and trapped them, and they've just been stuck ever since. And, you know, they weren't even the bad guy. It's totally not fair. But uh, the Collector insists that he won because he found the last Titan and he made friends with King and the Archivists don't know anything. Maybe it's all pretend, but he'll pretend as long as he wants because he won. And Luz realizes that this isn't really what they want at all. That Elkru all know what it's like to be abandoned, alone, and misunderstood. And they offer to show the Collector how they became friends. 
He's kind of reluctant since King told him all these stories already, but Luce insists that it's different when you can see it as she pulls out a stack of photos. I assume that these are memory photos because some of yeah. them, there's no way that could yeah, have been like, taken. These, these clearly must be ones that she held on to when they were trying to get the memory of the uh, teleportation glyph from her head from the previous yeah. special. Yeah, because like, cause otherwise it's like, how does she have a photo of like her perched up on the ice pillar during her audition with Bumped again into Hexide? <laughs> like unless, like, unless either brought a camera just to watch Luce's potential failure just to Im- immortalize it being like, this is the day you failed to get into the magic school. It's like, thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Eda. Thanks. Yeah, that's right. There's also a uh, a picture of her being menaced by the puppets that Adagast brought, and like no oh, one was yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they have to be from her memories from the previous time when, like, I guess they just didn't have time to cram it back in just yet when they needed the teleportation <laughs> picture. So it's like, oh, we'll just hang on to these and hopefully don't have them destroyed, loose. <laughs> Don't burn yeah, them. I'm sure that this won't be a problem at all. Uh, yeah, you know, ideally those were not in her pocket uh, in like five minutes from now. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, implications. Yeah. Uh, Back in the castle, Rain finally manages to push Bellos out of their body by using a, a whistle spell. It's just like a wave of sonic force that forces Bellos out. But he was uh, he was ready for that, because he came here for a reason and doesn't actually need rain anymore. They were just, like, the vessel to get him here. And this... This leads to something I kind of want to talk about with Bellos, and I, I'd like to get your opinion on this, but I feel like... How do I... Every time that he shows up, it seems like he's so weak, right? It, it, yeah, after that initial he's fight, been... he's constantly falling apart and failing yeah. and like i get that this he's man has been slowly here, but yeah this man has been slowly dying he's been losing like one hit point every like 10 minutes or something and like somehow is still around <laughs> yeah see that's what the show keeps telling us but he doesn't act like it at all he's yeah, no, so he powerful def- he definitely out he somehow outspeeds rain getting to the throne room despite not having legs and holding himself with like basically one arm compared to rain perfectly able to run just fine <laughs> He is stronger now than he was before, and he's like a half-dead pile of slime. It yeah. just, it doesn't... Like, like, unless he's, like, somehow, like, siphoning some life force from a person that he possesses, and that's why he was able to, like, have a little bit more strength from hanging out in rain for a few hours, maybe? I don't know. That would make sense, I think, given that we've seen him possess corpses before and that didn't work super well for yeah, him. Yeah, and also like whenever he possesses a person they have like visible scarring on them because like Rain now has like scars uh, near their eyes. Yeah, the from the tear ducts that, where they no, were expelling Yeah, the like like not as much as uh, how much like uh, Hunter has scars on his arms and stuff from the possession. So they'll also Which have is also scars way shorter. on the, uh, the, the right forearm but that's not as visible. So. Oh, okay, I must have missed that. Yeah, I think it's just more noticeable on Hunter, and I wonder if that's just like a con- part of like Hunter's body technique being made of like wood and s- stuff compared that's to Rain possible, being like. But a I person. feel like it's also because Hunter wears more short sleeves. <laughs> yeah, also, I mean, and also he already has like a decent amount of scarring on him anyway, so it kind of like yeah. blends together, I guess. And also, like, he's got that one right across the front of his face. It's not. Yeah, it's it's very noticeable compared to like the little like tear duct tear duct ones that Rain has. Yeah, it does a way more subdued and look like they could just be like, kind of like more like not like tattoos, but some other sort of like, oh, this is like a choice that I do in my like presentation, like makeup wise or something. Yeah, compared to Hunter having like, no, those are those are clear scars, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, I don't know. I guess I just wanted to talk a little bit about how, like, mm-hmm. the visual language of the show tells us that Belos is just inches from death constantly, and he's always yeah. getting worse, and yet he is yeah, the most he, powerful he managed, thing. Yeah, he managed to outrun Rain, not just to the point where he can outrun Rain, but also manages to have time to hide in the throne room rather than mm-hmm. just immediately jump on the heart. <laughs> it's like, if you're that far ahead of Rain in terms of being able to outpace them, you could easily just already be grouped onto the heart. Oh, yeah. Rather than, rather than being like, alright, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna jump him. I'm gonna have advantage of my attack roll to possess so I have more time to crawl to the heart rather than just do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the, they, they, like, they're chasing him up into the throne room, but he basically jumps them and leaves a, another half of his body. He splits himself again to leave Rain grappling this goo blob while he infects the still-beating heart of the Titan. <laughs> And despite being just, like, roughly half a gallon of goop at this point, he's still got enough power to completely overwhelm the Titan's heart and start spreading himself across the island. I I assume he is drawing power from the Titan's heart here, but, like... Yeah, it's like such a turnaround. Like, like, like the like the sheer magical force of the heart is a, it enables him to like reproduce a bunch of his goop and stuff. Yeah, to do all the nonsense he does in like the next ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it is at least worth pointing out that like Rain does get really close to stopping him since they do smash their violin to create like a big uh, energy wave that makes like a shield around the heart and like Bellus just barely gets past it. Yeah, because because Rain whispers is uh, the best. <laughs> they rule. <laughs> it's i kind of feel like rain is the wharf of this show insofar as like they're incredibly powerful but they just get dunked on constantly yeah, yeah kind of yeah it, it is kind of a case of like oh similar energy to our cleric in uh, my current 5e game where like my our poor cleric has been knocked out like twice in last session and once during the, the initial session too when it's like what's going on you, you you're you're pretty tanky just like the rest of us you've got good hit points you just keep getting dunked on i guess <laughs> um uh. but yes uh so in the archive the the sort of just abandoned puppet amity manages to move just a little bit just enough to tap the light glyph with a finger which restores her and apparently all of the others at the same time they don't have to have their own glyphs yeah but... well she, she was actually moving already a little bit because when we saw that bit of the light glyph that was there on the floor it was because she was starting to scratch it with her hand like it wasn't like it was just there on the floor like during that initial bit when you saw it her it was her starting to draw it the previous time that we saw their puppet forms like it wasn't just on Um, the ground already uh like that's why she says like oh it worked because like she was actually she realized that based on what she told Luce to get to help get her out she knew that oh if i scratch another one into the ground and do that i'll get myself out you know i might have missed something here i We'll watch that scene again real quick. Okay, yeah. Uh, for some reason, I thought that this was one of the ones on paper, and that, like, she had dropped it when being taken back to the archive. Like, this was one that she was trying to give to lose. But no, you're right, it is just scratched into the dirt. Yeah, like... No, it, it's yeah. not scratched into the dirt, it's scratched into the stone. She has incredibly powerful fingers. Yeah, she, she's, <laughs> she's just doing it herself. Yeah, because you can see, like, she starts to, like, move a finger. Oh, there's not even the glyph there yet. She just moves a finger, but then it's like afterwards in this scene, you see that she's drawing a glyph. 
yeah, just sheer muscle strength digging into stone. Incredible. Yeah. She, she doesn't even too, have muscles right now. She's she's just too powerful. The gay the power of gay compels her to do this. Like it's, it's, <laughs> she can't be it, she can't be stopped as long as she's gay. <laughs> I guess yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's able to stop being a puppet and uh, have her own force of will just from remembering that she's a lesbian. <laughs> yeah, it's. it's... It is a little strange, though, because when they wake up, they don't know where they are, and they panic a little bit when they see all the puppets around them. So Amity seems to have some form of awareness in puppet form, but not enough to know... Like, she can't see or anything. She's yeah, just blindly like, scratching this glyph. Like, like she was cognizant enough to know that the, all of them have been collected and are being used to torment Luce, but like they weren't aware that Luce was in a different location than the rest of them at the time. Yeah, and yeah. Like, when they're laying here with their puppet eyes open, they apparently do not see where they are. They're just, like, lost in eternal darkness. <laughs> yeah. They're lost in the GameCube game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so with all of them awake, they, they do panic a little when they see the puppets hanging all over, but they realize Kamiya is there and just sort of spring into action. Except for Amity, who realizes that Luz isn't there with them and freaks out a little bit. Uh, elsewhere, we arrive at the Owl House, which has definitely seen better days. Um, Boost kind of thought that they were just going to show the collector of these pictures, but no, nah, they're actually doing a tour, so... <laughs> um, Ida apparently has not seen this place since they abandoned it, way back when it got raided, or before it got raided, so she, she didn't realize what bad shape it was in, but she talks about... Luz talks about how she wasn't really treated very well in the human realm because no one understood her, and so she came here and met Ida and King, and how none of them fit in, so they decided to fit in together. And the Collector scoffs a little bit, but you know, it, it's not easy, but having a couple people in your corner kind of leads to more people in your corner, and soon enough there's lots of people helping you. Mm -hmm. And she does show the Collector the memory photos here, and they, they really like the look of Grudgeby, so the gang heads off to the Hexside Grudgeby field. King mentions here that he doesn't super seem to like Grudgeby, uh, because the ball can bite you and the rules are kind of nonsense, but it's still a little fun. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> we, we've seen that the rules of Grudgeby are kind of just fucking Calvin Ball, of just, eh, anything fucking goes. <laughs> well, I certainly agree, but I, I just... To King, this would be normal, right? Because every sport has the catch the golden or the maybe, brass bird or maybe whatever King, it is. Maybe King just doesn't like Gresby because he's short, so he can't really play it well. That's fair. You know what it is? It's because he doesn't have a he doesn't have a palisman, so he can't fly. Um. Yeah. To be fair, he will be able to fly one day. <laughs> <laughs> In theory. Ain't he'll get wings one day. I In like theory. that. I like. I like that all those fan theories and fan comics of King as an adult having wings actually end up being true. <laughs> I still don't think we have enough evidence for that, but in theory, I, I mean, I mean, spoilers. Their parent has wings. <laughs> yeah, but Titans are an incredibly physically dimorphic species. They're not. I guess, but King looks just like their parent, so presumably King would get wings. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like if two Arakokra parents had a fucking penguin as a child instead. <laughs> like, what? We're, we're birds that have, have wings to fly. Why do we have a penguin? <laughs> I mean, yeah, to some degree, but it's also... Admittedly, we've only seen the two titans in their full titan form, but just from the corpses we've seen, they're very different sometimes. Yeah. And to my mind, that probably means that not... 
yes, King might end up with wings, but it's equally possible that he doesn't, surely because every Titan is, like, unique. I guess. But also, but, potentially, every Titan just asexually reproduces, so... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we kind of do have some evidence for that here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, is King literally just kind of a clone of their parents? Maybe, sense? yeah. <laughs> Don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Ida doesn't like King making fun of Grudgeby, because back in her day, it was the only magic sport, and she was the best at it. While they're, like, chatting and catching up a little bit, the Collector does seem a little left out, and then he spots Mythalemuel and Gerbo and, uh, I'm gonna say Moonheaded Girl, since her name was never officially used in the show. Is it, but isn't behind. her name hmm? Celine? Sorry? Officially? Isn't her name Celine? Wait, even though they haven't said it in the show? Uh, I believe some people have called her that. I don't know if that's an official name. Uh, let's see what the wiki says. Uh, da -da -da. Also known as Celine. Where is the credit for this? Uh, da -da -da. Drawing cartoons to save democracy from uh, Dana's stream, where he said that she's Celine. Uh, also, like, apparently there was some person on the team say, I'm not sure, to be honest, I've seen some people use Celine, but I can't confirm if that's the correct spelling or not. Yeah, so even I... the team doesn't know. <laughs> let, hang on, let me see when that tweet was dated. Uh, uh, October tweet... 2020. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that was October 4 of 2020, but the stream that Dana did of saving, drawing cartoons to save democracy was from a month earlier. Yeah, because yeah. that was with Spencer Juan, Dana Terrace, and Luz Batista. So, uh, who can say, I guess? So, yeah, I'm <laughs> some people on the crew say Celine. Until... <laughs> yeah, some, some people on the team say Celine, other people are like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, doesn't doesn't really matter. She's not really a character. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Either way, uh, yeah, the three of them freak out when the collector introduces themselves, and they just run in terror. So the collector's pretty uh, pretty disappointed by this, understandably. So they all head to the knee, where Luce first learned how to make a connection with the Isles. And I say that because while it's true she did learn a glyph earlier, that doesn't count. That was through a photo. Um, <laughs> Yeah, she shows off the ice glyph she learned from the Titan. The Collector is not super impressed. Like, this isn't very good magic in their eyes. But also, if they've never seen a human use Titan magic before, so he must really like Luce to have shown her that. You know, never told the Collector how to do that, even though I've been here way longer and, like, trapped inside his body. <laughs> I mean, he, the Collector wasn't even... Uh, the Collector... No, not the Collector. The Titan wasn't even showing Bellows, intentionally trying to hide it from Bellows, but he still figured it out. Yeah, thanks, Luce. Well, um, <laughs> he figured out three of the four on his own. Luce just accidentally happened to show him the last one. Yeah, not to not mention, knowing. like, those were some very impressive glyph combos for not using the fourth one. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess, yeah, I guess the teleportation one doesn't actually incorporate the light glyph. No. Uh, now I'm going to have to go back to the episode of Freeze Frame to see if he actually figured out that that's what he was missing from the teleportation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um... So the Collector asks Luz if she forced the Titan to be her friend like she did with Lilith and Amity, but they try to explain that Luz doesn't force anyone to do anything. People are complex, and sometimes they just need a little kindness and forgiveness. This seems like it really resonates with the Collector, but then they hear something. Uh, breathing. Because I guess the island breathes now that Bellos is taking it over, even though it doesn't have lungs anymore. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, we see some shots of a tiny nose and some coven guards fleeing the Bellows Goot infection as it, like, takes over the ribs. And the owl crew heads to the castle, where they can see the source of the spread. But as they arrive, the Bellows Goot envelops the castle to create a new body for him, which is sort of a... 
I want to say it's like a dragon slash titan hybrid. It's it's very Godzilla. It yeah, it, it is. I, it is very dragony. Also, freeze framing on the the teleportation glyph. It does not actually have any like glyphs, so he actually knew it ahead. Yeah. Uh huh. It's it's kind of interesting that it doesn't like you would think that like a teleportation glyph, which has like some like you know light association with it, with like turning matter into. Uh, to make it travel to a different location would I incorporate light somehow. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just ice, plant, and fire in this. Hmm. Interesting. He had to get really creative without that last one. I assume if you have all four, the teleportation glyph would be like half the size. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's like, oh, I gotta, gotta make up for some of these. Uh, I gotta use an extra amount of fire, I guess, if I can't do light. <laughs> have to add 15 more syllables to make up for this one that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're like oh shit I, kn I don't know how the i know there's a way to make this sentence in japanese so much easier but i don't know the phrasing here so i'll do a roundabout way to get the mm -hmm. same place even though it's a much longer <laughs> sentence now <laughs> well that's kind of exactly what it is because by this episode Luz is referring to the glyphs as the titan's language so <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> um also speaking from experience here with uh, me taking Spanish, uh, Japanese back in college, <laughs> and also Spanish, being like, uh, how do I do this again? <laughs> I, don't know, I, found, I know this other way to, to get the same point across. <laughs> yeah, um, so this, this, this dragon Godzilla monster, this, this titan Bellows, he is ready to finally cleanse this realm of all of its sin, and refers to burning them free of their perdition, which... Burning... This perdition, I'm sorry. It's yeah. He's, he, he uses I think the, the phrase a little strangely. That's not how it would be traditionally. I, yeah, I, I think. I think. If I'm remembering correctly, I think the the sentence he says is, "I can finally cleanse this perdition myself." Yeah, which and, is and the weird part. Godzilla, yeah, then he starts fucking Godzilla breathing everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, either way, it doesn't matter whether he knows how to use the word correctly because he has laser beams. So. Uh. Yeah, he, he's like, I have, I have power. It doesn't matter. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Grammar is irrelevant in the face of atomic breath. Exactly. Um, the L crew sort of panic for a second, because obviously there is no way they can take him out anymore. But the Collector insists that, yeah, there's a way to beat him, and uh, he knows how to do it. So he races up the body of Kaiju Bellows, which is just growing hands to like try and grab him this whole way, get in his face, and uh, say, actually, uh, I understand you, because, you know, all you need is kindness and forgiveness, just like so many other people. And the collector gives Titan the Bellows Titan, but I keep saying Titan because that is Dra generally Dra a word Dragon I use for Kaiju. Yeah. Like that's yeah. kind of accepted parlance, but it's not accurate. Hey, in you, this yeah, case. you want you want to talk about confusion here? Uh, just days after this episode aired is when they added a bunch of Attack on Titan stuff to Fortnite. So here, my friends talk about like, oh, like there's like a the Titan. Uh, like statue here that you can attack to finish a quest i'm like y'all have to stop saying titan right, right after the owl house finale please yeah. <laughs> you're, you're getting my wires crossed a lot <laughs> also i i just like that lose continues to just get all the best fucking reactions in this show it's <laughs> just based on her seeing the collector <laughs> hug him on the nose <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of a wonderful face that dang loose why is your mom let you have all the best reactions in this show let somebody else have some for once <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so after the hug, the collector just sort of floats back down to tell the others that, uh, okay, it's over, I hugged him, we can be buddies now. But uh, actually, Bellos is charging up his atomic breath, so Luz throws herself in the way of the beam to protect the collector, but uh, they're confused, because they thought they were doing the right thing, but Bellos still attacks them, and you know, Luz tells them that no, they, they did really good, they did a great job, but 
fact, people are just complicated. And anyway, it's he missed. She's fine. But uh, he didn't. <laughs> what? Yeah. So she starts to be overtaken by the bellows scoop because as much as this bellows atomic breath looks like Godzilla's radioactive fire, it's just spreading more of his mold infection. Which is it does an interesting thing because it's like it's like something like a combination of the goop and like petrification a bit to loose when it starts to cover her arm and stuff because like it looks a little bit like it's like dead coral in a sense yeah as it starts to spread it's not just like the meat moss that the rest of the stuff is like the green goo and everything but it's also not just like the full normal petrification yeah again I would love to have more information, but it'll never happen. <laughs> yeah, unless they like clarify stuff or just being like, well, it's like if it just hits like like normal organic matter, it's goop. But if it hits a person, then it just starts to do the petrification sh shit because Bellos is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's pretty upsetting as Luz is overtaken by this stuff and then she starts like glowing and she sort of apologizes to Ida and King a little bit for splitting them up again because as many times as it happens she should be used to it but she just doesn't know what to say and then she dissolves into a particle effect and floats away as a series of orbs as string beam clatters to the ground um. <laughs> I guess it, it has the implication that if a witch dies, their uh, talisman becomes inert, I guess? Because, like, Stringbeam was in, like, sneak form there a bit, but then turns back into the staff form when Luce dissolves, right? Well, I, we, we know for a fact that that's not true, because Flapjack... Oh, true, but then why would why would uh, Stringbeam revert back to staff form, then? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for the dramatic uh, scene later on when they untransform back into snake form to rejoin uh, someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somehow, somehow, Totes forgot about Flapjack there. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, no, Flapjack is still a bird for like a hun like hundreds of years afterwards. <laughs> yep. But the the collector asks where Luce went and. We see these little orbs of light that used to be loose flying all over the island, and we see people watch them go by as they're just overtaken by the goo. And I don't think anybody actually knows what these are, but they still seem pretty upset. And yeah, we, we get we get like at least a little bit of an instance that like one person in particular knows what they are, because like we see the Kamiya puppet who's crying when she sees them float by. Yeah, so that's like, very true. Yeah, like somehow Kamiya knows what that is. Amity even sure doesn't. <laughs> no, even, even though, again, like, uh, the kids were not aware of their surroundings when they were in puppet form, but somehow Kamiya can be a little bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the collector is still talking. He's, like, telling Luz that she can come out and stop hiding. The game's over, but there's no response. So since she broke, he tries to fix her because, you know, that's, that's what you do to toys. But even they can't do that. And well, the archivists couldn't have taken her because they're not here. So why, why, my, I should be able to bring them back. Just that's how my power works. Why well, can't? And as the collector realizes that Luce is really truly gone, Ida and King unleash rage mode. Um, that's the best way I can. Talk yeah, they, about they this. both take a level of barbarian. 
and go raids. <laughs> yeah, they, they both unlock new transformations here, more monstrous and horrible than ever before. And I say horrible, but also like... Mm. Fucking rat. Fucking sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Big monster, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, horrible, but also rad as hell because it's yeah. like just feral king and eat, like owl beast either with six wings. With yeah. Both of them having glowing fucking eyes and mouths and stuff. Her face also, like, stretches out into more of a, a beak sort of thing. She's very much a. I called her a six winged hell beast in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that, like. Uh, in this moment, like it's like when King is using his shout powers, he's not actually just still doing the usual comical wah. He's just like actually just full on roaring. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, oh boy, he is he is kind of lost it a bit here. And <laughs> like this the is other what, thing this is what... with King, like you mentioned, he goes feral, but also like he starts getting this fire effect inside his skull, yeah. and that is incredibly cool, but also. You know, fire inside your skull seems bad. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. He's fine. He's, his skull has been on the outside his entire life. It's cool. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I guess that's fair. He's got Ghost Rider powers. Um... Also, do you think that, like, uh, the little light balls that were loose intentionally floated to Hexide and her friends because those were the two places and groups of people that mattered the most to her on the Isles? I don't think Luce has enough conscious control at this point to do that, no. Okay, I just found it to be, like, pretty fitting that it's like, oh yeah, she floats past Hexide because that's where, like, the school that she likes, and then she floats to her friends because that's where she belongs kind of deal. Oh yeah, symbolically, absolutely. I just don't think yeah. it's a conscious decision on her part. Yeah, like, maybe it's like, oh, she's accidentally doing that but doesn't realize it. Yeah. And, Cause, yeah. Because she's, like, partially dead. <laughs> kind of hard to make decisions when you're partially dead. <laughs> so, uh, King and Ida charge in to fight bellows because now that they are enraged by the loss of their family member they they they're not holding back even if they don't think they can win so we follow as they charge the last of Luz's light particles to the in-between where it lands deep beneath the water and she becomes herself again and realizes that she should have thanked her friends for being there for her and begins to sink only to be pulled out by a giant furry hand uh there's a titan here and at first she mistakes him for king but actually this is just the titan this is king's parent uh <laughs> so he's... i guess at this point we should probably decide what pronouns we're using based on something that you know in the credits according to the credits papa titan says because it's like there is a line that it doesn't imply uh, uh not imply imply that this titan might be gender fluid yeah we might so <laughs> Like, they use he, him pronouns in the show, and they always call him parent, like, uh, like dad or pa papa yeah. or anything. Like, again, the credits say Papa Titan, but it's like, you know, there's interpretations based on the line that they say. Of, like, they repeat, like, King's whole, like, I am both king and queen, best of both things, but dad works fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very, um, I read parent titan as non-binary if not gender fluid mm -hmm. and to some level i even suspect he him lesbian but <laughs> <laughs> the show will always refer to him with he him pronouns and dad despite this declaration so to my mind he him are the appropriate pronouns to use for him because there are so many characters in this show that do use they them like if that was what they wanted they would use it yeah yeah it's like how like most characters use he him for the collector but loose exclusively uses they them so does king oh uh, no i think king uses he him for the collector not king goes them. back and forth he doesn't <laughs> oh okay. 
I'm forgetting when King uses his they them. Most specifically, the one that comes to mind is the scene where Ida is trying to stop Luz from going, and King says, if anyone can get them to behave, it's her. Oh, I think I, I, think I heard that as him. But I, I haven't watched the episode with subtitles, just because they haven't been available yet, yeah. for the most part. Except on, like, the not-great subtitles on the YouTube upload. Because yeah, they're, no, always, they're always, like, a few seconds past the actual dialogue. <laughs> yeah. King, King very specifically switches pronouns before them he okay. he's i believe is the only one who doesn't use a consistent pronoun <laughs> okay yeah because like, i know luce always uses they them and i'm pretty sure from my recollection Ida, lilith willow and bellows always have used he him the few times yeah. they've mentioned the collector outside of talking directly to the collector yeah, so i like i say i'll be using he him for king's parents mm -hmm. but that's just because to my mind if they wanted if they, the creators yeah. of the show, wanted him to use different pronouns, they would have. Like, yeah, at this okay. point, who would fight them on it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's also like, I mean, they're not in the show much at all. <laughs> they're here for like three minutes. King's parent is absolutely queer in some way. Uh, yeah. Maybe even... This is, this is I don't just, have a specific this is a, definition for it, just like... This, this, on, on their final day of quasi-life, it was a he-him day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and honestly, like, Parent Titan is wearing jammy pants patterned with <laughs> his glyphs and a bad girl coven t-shirt and a bathrobe and, like... And the hoodie eye. <laughs> and the hoodie Which, eye, yeah. At this point, I'll bring up the things I've seen people talk about with hoodie... Because there's two theories I've heard so far about the meaning of Hootie being in Parentinen's eye here. Mm -hmm. One of them is that Parentinen is able to basically, like, is kind of has some of their subconsciousness in Hootie, and that's how they've been keeping tabs on King, besides using the, the cubes to watch. And so, like, Hootie is basically, like, a set, uh, form of themselves there to, like, keep King safe. The other and more popular one I've seen people say is that people think that Hootie's species are just parasites that emerge from the corpse of the dead titans. <laughs> I mean, that was my interpretation of this, yes. Yeah, which is, which is why... Corpse worms yeah, which is why, which is why Hootie's hanging out of the eye here. But, like, this Hootie doesn't talk. To be fair, our Hootie doesn't talk in the credits either yeah. when Hootie shows up. Well, this one <laughs> does look a lot more dead than ours. <laughs> yeah, so, like, people think it's like, oh, maybe Hootie's weird bird tube species are parasites that feast upon the corpses of the titans and our hoodie just somehow fucking forgot that shit yeah. <laughs> and also is now in the house <laughs> to my mind like i don't think hoodie is a titan's way of keeping track of king surely yeah. because hoodie would have been alive for thousands of years and then king just showed up eight years ago like if that was your way of tracking your kid, maybe put it where your kid is, you know? <laughs> well, that's what John Luke is for. <laughs> Rip John Luke, we never found out what happened to you, and also what your whole deal was. <laughs> Besides, they're the discard king. But a little bit of a bummer that John Luke didn't get like reactivated to help fight or something. I guess. I haven't felt like significant emotional connection to Jean-Luc, but... Yeah, I, I, I kind of just felt like it was like setting up something larger when like they actually brought Jean-Luc to the Owl House, even though he deactivated once they took him out of the tower. 
Yeah. I felt like that was like setting up something rather than just being like, oh, let's just bring John Luke along because King likes him, <laughs> even if he's just going to be this like dead construct hanging yeah. out in Luce's room. <laughs> and again, why put him in Luce's room? King wanted him. Put him in like somewhere where King would sleep <laughs> or just in like the living room. <laughs> no, just keep the weird, just keep the gross and nerd goop construct in Luce's room in the corner, I guess, and put a hat on him. <laughs> I feel like King probably sleeps in Luce's room most nights anyway, so. <laughs> he, he was in that case, yeah. He was in there that one time. Because he was being tucked into, like, Luce's bed or whatever to, yeah. to help him out. <laughs> is it a little bit... Is it defiling a corpse to put a hat on that guy if he's dead? Or inert? <laughs> uh, it depends on if he was alive and if he might come back. <laughs> <laughs> like, John but, Luke comes back to life and is like, why do you all dress me up? <laughs> like, if that's a robot, then no, it's not defiling a corpse at all. But if it's a living thing... <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> The, the the biggest Owl House mystery, what the fuck is up with John Luke, and not, like, everything related to what we didn't get clarified for Philip, uh, Caleb, and Evelyn. Huh. <laughs> or Parent Titan. <laughs> no, it's John Luke is the big mystery. <laughs> yeah, um, so Parent Titan is the one who pulled Luce out of the goop, and despite our entire discussion just now, I guess I'm not calling him Papa Titan, so... <laughs> yeah, like, again, like, I, I feel like just, like, because in my notes I wrote it as Parent Titan as one word. I feel like that's yeah. just that's just nice uh, blending of Parent and Titan, just to write it like that. And also because, yeah. again, like, yeah, it's still a case of, like, yeah, it's like, again, they use he, him, and so they use dad and everything, but, like, that line, uh, reprisal of king and queen best of both things, really does... Yeah, a lot to people like us, where we're like we're all immediately just like gender fluid. <laughs> if you non-binary are dying in the next ten minutes and meet a new person and introduce yourself with that line, there's no way you're not. <laughs> yeah, some it's sort like of trans person. it's like it's like look when y'all write the history books on this whole shit about bellows and all, you gotta get my pronouns right. I know uh -huh. I'm like ten minutes from death here, and I have a lot of shit I need to talk to you about, but that's important. Yeah, <laughs> make exactly. sure you use the right stuff in the book when you mention me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Parent Titan having the whole like they're gonna dig on my corpse one day and they're gonna f see gender bones or whatever the whole fucking <laughs> thing on Twitter is. Yeah. It's like no, you gotta remember, guys, gender is a construct. <laughs> like, look, I know I'm like dying and being taken over by Velstone, but remember, gender is fucking stupid. <laughs> Listen, Parent Titan, nobody's gonna dig up your bones. They're not buried. <laughs> Fair. Except. <laughs> <laughs> Alador making Alador making underwater survival gear to survive the boiling sea to go look at the, the, the crotch of the fucking corpse. <laughs> uh, that's bad. <laughs> but there's somebody out there that would think that because of the whole like Jay can tell your gender based on your skeleton. It's like no, they fucking can't. <laughs> that's archaeologists have been consistently wrong with assumptions based on that stuff, digging up old bones. Forensics are weird and frustrating but it is a science so theoretically it will get better eventually <laughs> yep. because it is an actual science and not mumbo jumbo <laughs> um but regardless uh he is just thrilled to meet Luz, and she's a little flabbergasted to meet him on account of he's you know a corpse and so that also that definitely means that she's dead too right but yeah, sure, sir, that as long as she doesn't go under the water without a portal is the phrase he uses here. So mm -hmm. I assume, I don't know. Uh, uh, anyway, as long as she doesn't go under the water without a portal, she'll be fine. So 
Yeah, this is where it clicks to her that he's King's dad, and we get the line about him being both king and queen. Uh, which also is a tacit agreement, or admission, that he's been spying on King, because he's quoting him, so... Yeah, 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 he's... And also, like, it's never, like, fully said, but, like, it is heavily implied that the form that he's in is, like, basically, like, a form that Luce is comfortable with, like, that whole trope, because, like, again, it's, like, he's taking elements of her, Ida, and King, basically, here, plus Hootie, in this appearance. Yeah. But then we'll see what he actually looks like as he's, like, falling under the water to be full dead and everything, and it's like, oh, that's that's just a big skeleton, man, that's, like, really tall <laughs> compared to this, where it's, like, he's just, like, basically Ida's height and just has a bad bod. <laughs> yeah, it's a little... It's hard to say, because Titans are just so unbelievably magically powerful, but I don't know if this is, like, a form that he is actually wearing, or if this is a mind construct that he is projecting, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, is this and a polymorph, or is this an illusion? <laughs> yeah, considering that we also saw the same form in the start of the previous episode when he was trying to run to loose. Yeah. So, I, I feel like this is just full-on shape-shifting. This is him taking a body he's comfortable with, but we will yeah, never to, know to, that for sure. To, to better talk to Luz rather than being like a like hundred-foot-tall skeleton, being like, hey, what's up? <laughs> well, I don't even think it's specific for Luz. I think this is just the form he wears a lot of the time, because as that hundred-foot-tall skeleton, it would be awful hard to watch the cubes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you'd have to really focus on looking at these little things and hold them right up to your face. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get my glasses made of cube. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Luce here admits that she's been having some pretty unpleasant and uncharitable feelings. Uh, she says that she was hoping the Collector would just blast Bellos away for good. And the Titan really emphasizes, because empathizes, not emphasizes. You know, after all, he thought that the Collector was the bad guy and trapped the wrong person for who knows how many thousands of years because he thought that they were a bad person. And she's worried that this makes them as bad as Bellos because that's what she's been worried about this whole time, but the Titan reminds her that Bellos is a fraud. D despite his words, all he cares about is his own need to be the hero and right. He doesn't... people around him don't matter. He's not fighting to protect anything. It can hurt to want to hurt someone, but if you're doing it to protect people, it's still a noble goal that Bellos can never, ever share. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do like that that comes up because it's like, you know, like, Parent Titan is like, oh, I've been, like, uh, using the cubes to watch my son and saw the people who's been nice to him. And Luce is like, yeah, you know, kind of had my moments of not feeling a bit nice with wanting to see this uh, giant goop monster man die. Yeah. <laughs> And like to even be fair, like, everybody was at least a little mean to King at the beginning, so... I mean, to be fair, King was also a bit of a dick at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he I mean, he's technically was not wrong for being important. He just thought he was the King of Demons and not the literal son of the Boiling Isles, who is, you know, an uh, incredibly powerful magical being who just yeah. happens to be a child. <laughs> but again, like, King is eight. And, like, it's also... Kids are jackasses at times. <laughs> Yeah, that's... Yeah. Also, kind of partly Ida's fault for feeding into his little delusions and being like, oh, yeah, no, I'm king of everything. I rule. I'm awesome. Fuck all of you. And, <laughs> and then... If Bill is to be believed, like, the whole arrogance thing is just a natural trait for Titan children, so... <laughs> <laughs> 
Not that it's not for human children, but... <laughs> yeah, children uh, in general will get pretty arrogant and think they're the best, and that everybody else has to serve them. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's what learning to be a person is for kids, because they're so yeah. focused on the self, they don't have empathy. It's the parents' job to teach them that. Yeah, like, they, I mean, they're literally not able to understand that at the moment when they're just kids because, like, they've only been alive for a few years. That's not exactly. time. Um, yeah. So, uh, moving away from the amateur child psychology. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Please note, again, viewers, uh, for, like, the 20th time on this show, neither of us are a doctor. <laughs> neither of us are experts at anything, except maybe watching really gay cartoons. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got a monopoly on that. <laughs> That's true. No one else can do it. We're the only ones. Yeah. yeah. Nobody else. Uh, definitely, nope. I mean, nobody else is allowed. Nope. Nobody. <laughs> Ignore all the other uh, podcasts and like video series I know about people being like, here's why queer cartoons rule. And it's like, nope, uh, too bad. That's ours. Yeah, <laughs> Don't like me do this well before us, but that's us. <laughs> yep. Nope, you can't talk about this. This is us. <laughs> Very funny that in my YouTube recommendations, I keep seeing a like Infinity Train uh, retrospective. And it's like, no, that's us. You can't take that. <laughs> yeah. The timing, the timing of that it's... going live like two weeks ago. And it's like, we just started Infinity Train. <laughs> Like, at the time we started this show, we were the only Owl House podcast that I'm aware of. And I don't think that's true anymore, uh, but, like... I definitely it, know This is of, our uh, territory. I definitely know of other podcasts that have covered Owl House, but it's, like... I know, like, the overly animated podcast has covered other shows, and at one point they started covering Owl House. I think before us, technically, but also they weren't, like, focused on Owl House entirely at the start. Yeah. Like, they got their episode talking about this episode, like, up hours after the episode aired. <laughs> so they, they don't go as in detail. They mostly just talk about, like, highlights and stuff. They don't go through, like, the plot and talk about it nearly yeah. as deeply as we do. But also, they have, like, four people on their show. So yeah. there's that. Well, I mean, like, we're maybe halfway through, and we're at yeah, two yeah, hours yeah. already. Uh -huh. I was looking at that being like, oh, fuck, we're, like, we're at the halfway point of this episode, and we're already at two hours, fuck. Yep. <laughs> Makes sense. It is the finale. We knew this is going to be the the longest one, possibly. Yeah, it surely is. Um, at, at any rate, uh, what Luz takes from this is that the fear Bellows has in his heart, the fear of things that he can't control, is going to win. And the Titan's about to respond to that, but then just a hole full of Bellows goo appears in his chest, which, like, I don't know what he was about to say, but boy, that sure belies his argument, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gotta speed up the timetable here. Uh, just remember, Luz, remember that they get my pronouns and stuff right in the books. Uh, we gotta hurry through the rest of the shit. <laughs> yeah. He really hoped that they would have more time to talk, but since they don't, he asks if Luz is ready to, you know, save everybody and finish this. Is, is she ready to take the last of his power and use it to save the Isles? And she's unsure that she's fit to wield this power on account of she still kind of feels like this is all her fault, but... He tells her that from everything he's seen, she looks like a good witch, and, you know, he can't give her anything unless she chooses to accept it, so the question isn't does he want to give her the power, but does she choose herself? And so she takes his hand, which is glowing and covered in the most elaborate glyph web we've ever seen, which would be a rad tattoo if you had thousands of dollars and the patience for it. <laughs> yeah, but... and also willing to deal with a lot of pain on your fingers and hands. <laughs> <laughs> And wrist. <laughs> yeah, uh, she gets sealed in this, like, 
yellow bubble shield, and he warns her that his power won't last forever, so she'll have to beat Bellows fast, and to give his regards to Ida, because he's a big fan, but as she's floating back up out of the in-between, she, like, drags herself down, because doesn't he want to say anything to King? This is, like, their only chance to communicate, and he thinks for a second and whispers something in her ear, and then she, uh, she says she'll love it and wipes a tear away, and then this form of the Titan is gone, and we see the true, huge, island-sized skeleton Titan, and even now... This skeleton doesn't look like the skeleton that is the island. The, the head is different. It's shaped wrong. But he sinks down into the darkness and bids her goodbye forever. And that is the, um... That's the end of my, uh, last part Your of part. House. <laughs> Yeah, and now we get to, like, my, like, five pages of notes the other half. Yeah, I just. Uh, I'm sorry. So I have a <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's like that moment where you realize, it's like, oh, I'm not gonna do a synopsis of an Alhouse episode anymore. Yeah, that's uh, that's just not gonna happen again for me. Yeah, at least I know still we've still another... got your entire half left. Yeah, but, uh... yeah, you got like another four and a half pages of my description at least. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, just so the audience knows, there's two whole pages just on the epilogue that I have written down. <laughs> Just in the last five minutes of the show, I guess, to fill on two pages. We're going to be here for a while, folks. <laughs> Alright, uh, in any case, uh, we shift over to Gus waking up Camilla when she immediately asks where Luz is, but the, at that point the archives start to rumble and partially collapse a little bit. Not like full-on like ceiling falling apart, but just enough to make them a little cautious. And much like at King's Tide, Emily tries using her abomination goop to like basically make like a goop shield above her. To, like she used to protect herself and lose but the goop just basically falls right onto her head just because like Camille explains that the kids haven't rested in days and are just too tired so their magic's just not working as well and that's like just, a good reason yeah it is a little bit amusing just seeing Amity have a goop <laughs> slider on her head though for a bit throughout the scene <laughs> Uh, and when they ask what they can do uh, to help and what about Luce, uh, Camille assures them that Luce will be alright because she's in Oseda. And at this point she's also explaining this while she has an arm tied around Amity who is very embarrassed because she's like touch starved and also she's like, this is my girlfriend's mom, this is a bit embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but she also explains that Luce is too stubborn to let, I guess, the literal end of the world get her down. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she brushes aside some tears away and says that she has an idea of how they can help even without their magic because she came prepared with a pencil and, pa and pad of paper. Because, because, yeah, she's actually... Which is interesting that it's like she, you know, as she's in this, it's like, and also gonna obviously happen, it's like, it's interesting that Camille is like, oh, I have paper to write down the glyph. And meanwhile, she just wrote a glyph in the previous episode, like, trying to do the ice glyph and kind of messed up. But I guess because that was, like, more, like, life and death immediate with Kikimura that she messed it up compared to this where it's yeah. like well we could follow our deaths but it might be fine <laughs> I can at least take a little bit more time drawing these I guess a little bit <laughs> that's fair but also like I don't know this is the way that she can contribute right so yeah to me it makes sense that she'd be like not practicing exactly but going over them and the mm -hmm. kids definitely know more about the glyphs because Luz was working with them while they were in the other place but together yeah, like, i think that they've got a lot better chance of making this work then <laughs> true yeah i mean there was that scene uh, in the credits of thanks to them when like Luz and amity were teaching can about the glyphs but like at yeah. the same time the kids also know how to use the glyphs like amity knows how to draw both the plant and the light glyph at a minimum because we saw her try to do the plant one back in reaching out and she did the light glyph just now yeah 
That makes and sense. And then the thing where she made the abomination goo glyph. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Wait, when when did you do that? I don't remember. It honestly might have been a Morning Mark comic. <laughs> I, I know that was a Morning Mark comic, yeah, with her drawing glyphs to fight somebody with that out of abomination goo. I don't think that happened in the show. Unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot of stuff where it's like, was this in the show or was this a Morning Mark comic? Well, it turns out a lot of them actually has overlap because Morning Mark actually got a lot of stuff right. He's too powerful. <laughs> yeah, one would think one would think he's actually secretly Dana Terrace or something in disguise. <laughs> so again, he predicted that Titans have wings. Uh, yeah. In any case, uh, King and Nita continue to just Harry Bellows, but cannot do much to him, and basically the two of them end up crashing near the Collector because they're just trying to avoid getting lasered. Uh, the Collector tries to get them to run away and cannot use their own magic to help at all because the, the ghost meat goop stuff got on their hands at some point during all this and it's interfering with their magic. this is when they were like, when Luce was dissolving, they were like holding hers. I think it sort of jumped. Uh, yeah, like maybe a little bit got on their wrist or something and now it's yeah. starting to grow a lot. But yeah, uh... That happens and they're just fran going a bit frantic saying they don't want to lose anyone else and it's sorry for everything. And at this point, the Collector's taken aback by the fact that they're crying for apparently the first time ever because they don't know what tears are. It's like, <laughs> oh boy. Gotta say, there's really good voice acting in this episode. Like, earlier on with, like, Hunter's whole, like, why do you get to have everything loose when he was talking about, like, the yeah. stuff. And this being like, what is this stuff? And, like, just the Frida Wolf doing a really good job of playing, like, a frantic little kid. Uh, but... Hmm? Oh, it's just, like... It's so fast in a frustrating way. Collector, I love their development here, mm -hmm. but they kind of go from zero to 100 real fast in terms of being an antagonist to being a child. Yeah, it's, it kind of especially with like how the previous episode ended when it was like really ominous with the Collector being like, I want to play a new game. And then it turns out it was like, okay, well, it's this still them being like, but I want to be friends anyway. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like understandably, like it is a case of like, the Collector was not actually planned from the start because they confirmed that that The Collector was an idea they came up with when they realized they had a shorter show run time. Because again, originally the plan was that the Day of Uni was going to be the season 3 finale. <laughs> and The Collector was just not a thing and then they had to rewrite a bunch of stuff when they found out Disney fucked them over. But like, with the time constraint and everything, and this will get into like a lot of our conversation with one of our questions, I think they did the best they could with it and I still like it. Like, because, again, we, we basically had both been like, yeah, there's no way they're going to just, like, have to, like, do, like, a fight the Collector storyline. Yeah. How would they do that? It's like, we were both, like, pretty sure. It's like, yeah, the Collector's going to be redeemed in some way. So they're not going to fight him. They're going to fight Bellos because Bellos is a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, Bellos is a dick. <laughs> yeah. In any case, uh... Bellos at this point raises a hand to basically just slap them all, which uh, me having watched uh, a certain other TV show with queer witches at the moment just makes you go like, uh oh, oh no, <laughs> that's for uh, that's for the fans in the anime thread of our uh, Discord <laughs> to know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when he goes to slap down on the uh, burst of purple magic, burns a hole in his hand to protect them all. And this is when Owl House just gets peak anime time, because <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, there's a figure in the smoke that creates a massive light glyph in the air, which uh, summons Stringbean to them, who, you know, turns back out of uh, staff form to fly to them. And this person has multiple glyphs floating about them with a ball of light at the tip of their hat. Doing my best to try to describe this person because it's rad as fuck. <laughs> uh, and we see that they have a glyph combo on their chest of some sort. Uh, bony clawed hands with light glyphs on the palms and more glyph combos on the fingers. 
the ability to just like create glyphs in midair with a simple wave of their hands and multiple glyphs in their eyes which have black sclera and yellow irises i'm now realizing this is the first time i ever said the word sclera <laughs> i hope i pronounced that right <laughs> i actually had to google being like which is the sclera and which is the irises when i was writing my notes being like i want to make sure i get this right <laughs> it's an educational show <laughs> yeah thanks uh show for teaching me uh what sclera actually are <laughs> The white part it's typically the white part of your eye but this person has black sclera <laughs> and then they grab a hold of the string bean staff and we finally had the camera pan out to see that this is loose merge with the titan's power i totally forgot my notes that she also has horns and it's fucking sick and she also has a little fang how did like, you knows. forget the horns the horns are i don't the best know how part. i for- i don't know how i forgot the best parts which are the horns and the fang <laughs> uh-huh. oh no no my notes through here i also say she also no no my notes here i actually you have it right my notes after this is she also has a single fang much like Ida, a pair of horns poking through her hat, bony legs and feet that are have two clawed toes, and her Azura costume is fading, taking on like a black and dark purple look, and she is just incredibly gender. God, it's <laughs> that's my that's my look. that's my literal sentence. So I did remember. I did mention it at first, but yeah, she does have horns and she has a little fangy. <laughs> I want yep. to be tiny loose so bad. We all want to be loose and when we grow up. Give me the Fucking... finger skeleton surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I think I feel like the the leg bone surgery would be way worse though if you want if you had to get that too because like you only have two toes. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty tricky. That's I think. that's really that's not well balanced that, unless you're like a bird. But like even then, like birds are designed for that and also have their weird like backwards knees and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like it would definitely take some getting used to, but I think it's certainly viable. It's not like there aren't people who don't have toes. <laughs> I fair, yeah. It feels like it would just be a little bit unbalanced with trying to walk if you only had two toes. Especially if they were, like, too large toes. Maybe if, since the fact that they're too large toes and not just, like, the size of, like, normal human toes, maybe that helps her. Yeah, they are, like, half the size of the whole foot. Not that not that she'll be walking around a lot because she's mostly just flying around during the sequence that she's... This is true. This. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, in any case, she uh, just does a whole declaration that she's back, but immediately gets embarrassed that we're not saying something cooler for her reintroduction, with coming back to life, which this immediately clues in Ida and King that it's a real lose. <laughs> just being like, oh yeah, that's our dork. Yep, she would. that's definitely her, because she fucked up an introduction and saying something cool. <laughs> I will say, like, I love Titan Moose desperately, and I'm glad that this happened, but it does feel a little bit like... Luz died, and that taught the Collector what death was, and mm-hmm. now she's just back. Like, death yeah. is fine, don't worry about it. You can get better. <laughs> yeah, it, it, is, it is a little bit uh, amusing that it's like, yeah, the Collector just finally learned what death is, but she comes back on the technicality. <laughs> yeah, like, not... I think in universe time, this is maybe a minute or two later. <laughs> yeah, it's not very long. <laughs> it's like immediate being like, oh yeah, okay, boom, gone, done. So, Back. Yeah. The, I, yeah. I, I appreciate the lesson that you're trying to teach here. I'm not sure it's going to go over as well as it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah, like maybe it's like they sat down with the collector later on being like, here's what happened and why I'm back again, even though it's like, yes, I was definitely actually dead. <laughs> Just God gets come back on a technicality. <laughs> But yeah, in any case, uh, Bellows continues to gain control over the Titan and is able to like eventually like actually turn its head a little bit towards them. So Luz creates that same like bubble of magic and glyphs that both. Oh yeah, we totally skipped that. King also didn't do this bubble seal thing because uh, when uh, when he first like went like feral mode and everything to protect the, the collector, he also summoned up this little bubble to protect him. <laughs> but yeah, both both King and his parent can do this, and Luz creates the same now because she has the Titan power. And she uses it to encase herself, Ida, King, and the Collector, and they just go rocket up in the sky with Luz having really no control over it because she just bonks her head into the side of it at one point. 
Once again, uh, people in giant marbles. <laughs> yeah. It's also just worth noting that she does this by drawing a spell circle with her staff in order to actually create this bubble. I don't think she does it as much at times at other points when she has to make the bubble, but yeah, it's it's, it's at least it's the first time she does a spell circle. Technically. <laughs> Uh, Bellus' control threatens to cause the archives to collapse because, like, moving the skull around is starting to actually just break little bits of it off. So the Collector flies off to take care of it on, again, a Kirby Warp Star that they just have, uh, despite the meat mods growing on their arms a bit more. And at this, Luce decides to take them down to... I'm trying to remember which place this is or if it was the same place as both, because it's either where the Petrification of Vita took place in Season 1 or the Day of Unity Gathering in Season 2. I don't know if that was Unity the same Gathering place. Pedestal. That's what I thought, but also I thought it looked a little bit similar to where Bellos was doing the like whole like Children of the Isles declaration after like Lucida and King and Lilith had escaped. Because uh, I, I thought it, I thought it was, but that's that's like at the castle too, and I don't. Yeah. Oh yeah, be, right. Because the uh, the day of unity stuff is closer to the skull, right? Yeah, so, no, yeah this I guess is definitely the day of unity place. Because if you pay attention as what's about to happen happens, you can see the six different um, regions of the circle around the tower. So. Oh, gotcha. Okay, but yeah. So it's that at least. But yeah, they land there basically to help fight off some of Bellus' goop stuff because it starts to advance on them in kind of like ghostly, like slime creature looks and stuff. Like it's not just like his like goop in general. It looks like it's like got faces and it's just like kind of yeah. bite them and stuff. It's yeah. getting much grosser. Yeah, uh, but Luz tries to blast them, but it's still unsure how to use their full powers. But with Ida's guidance to concentrate on what she wants, they're able to basically just create a big uh, shield of light against the tide of meat monsters. To blast him away, and this is when the fucking sick ass reprisal of the uh, Owl House opening starts up <laughs> with a sick guitar riff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when they blast all that stuff away, it causes the red glass of the aisles to regrow everywhere that the meat moss was, kind of just uncontrollably at times. Yeah, this is uh, what I was referring to when I was saying the thing that's about to happen, because you see very specifically one of those sections get overgrown with grass while the rest of them uh, stay needy. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, uh, more monsters start to appear, so Luce and King combine their shop magic to blast them away, because Luce can do that too now. Uh, before the three of them take off to create a larger spell circle that engulfs all the meat moss in their vicinity in a big ol' light glyph. It's fucking sick. <laughs> uh, but at this, Bellus begins to raise the left arm of the Titan up. I, and I interpret this as like he's just is gonna like eventually just bring it to smash along the rest of the body to crush people. I feel like that is the plan, yes. Yeah, like he doesn't move it elsewhere besides just moving it up, but I think that's where it, it's like, yeah, he's getting control over it to lift it up just to smash people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but they go in uh, back into the bubble shield thing to propel upwards towards the fingertips. And while this all goes on, Kamiya and the Hex Squad use glyphs drawn by the former to grab the puppet civilians and blast away strong, falling structure parts to protect themselves. Uh, but at one point, the skull, like, roars a bit, and it fully just cracks the spot on the horn where the archives is balanced upon, because the Collector apparently doesn't actually properly balance things. Well, just on... I mean, it's literally it's magic. one part of the archive that is balanced on the very edge of the horn. Like, there is yeah. no way this would stay up without magic. Yeah, but uh, apparently not strong enough magic. I guess the I guess the Titan magic is starting to neutralize the Collector balancing magic. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the, the Collector appears at that point with magical tethers to hold the archives up and discloses in, into everybody that the fact that they're here to help them rather than try to blast them or puppet them. 
uh, Lucina and King reach uh, basically just low atmosphere to look over the entire planet dimension. Whatever we we're still not really sure what the planet. what the demon. Yeah, it it does look like a planet, but they always say demon realm. So it's like I guess there's other planets in the demon realm besides this one. That I never think gets that's names? probably the case. Yes, because the collector yeah. portrayed this place as a planet too when he was talking about how the the other ones sent oh, him down true. here. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. It showed like the little like caricature of him running along the side of a planet, basically. Yeah. yeah. I do yeah. want to say, though, looking at this space shot, I think it's very important to note that the, the Titan is here. It's beautiful. I love this shot. But it's also, like, there's other places nearby that's just, like, regular land and not corpses yeah, at all. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Yeah, there's, like, there's a few, like, parcel skeletons, just like they said uh, back in the text of, like, that uh, unofficial history of the Boiling Owls book that King had from the season one finale. But yeah, like there are just straight up like normal land masses, and it's like oh yeah, well, like a lot of them, in fact. Spin-off material there. What the fuck's been going on elsewhere in the demon realm? <laughs> yeah, I would argue that there is more actual landmass visible in this shot than there is Titan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, there's only one intact Titan corpse, and that Titan corpse is currently getting a bit fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in any case, they are up there, and yeah, I also have in my notes here that we can also see actual landmass. So, spin-off material of what's going on elsewhere on the planet during this time. <laughs> uh, Velusa's chest glyph starts to dim a bit, so she says that they have to cut off time, uh, Bellas from the Titan's power, and they all, like, have a call back to way back to episode 4, that magic comes from the heart, so they all just fucking, like, meteor rocket all the way just down the slam into Bellas' meat dragon heart, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really what they do. It's like, they just are like, okay, well, fuck it, we're just gonna blast into this fucker. <laughs> fuck him. <yeah. laughs> uh... I hope you enjoy the power of orbital re-entry. <laughs> yeah. No, interesting to note that uh, the dragon does actually roar in pain when they do that, so it's like, I guess they are hurting Bellos, even if it's not him himself, and it's just this dragon form he has. Because there's, there's a lot of questions about this, where it's like, he's, I mean, we'll get to it in a little bit, but he's on the heart, but he also is able to make the dragon do stuff and roar, but also making the titan skull roar, and our moving arm so it's it's yeah. it's a real it's a real complicated issue of like how is bellos essentially in three places more or less to do individual things at times well i don't think it's like i perceive bellos in this moment to be everywhere the moss is i think the moss specifically is him like mm -hmm. he isn't these aren't separate bodies it's all one thing this is his entire consciousness spread out over the island so while maybe the core of him is in the heart, like he's also the dragon and he's also the moss. It's it's all one him. Yeah, that that's fair, yeah. It's just amusing that it's like, you know, you can like actually just slam into the heart of the dragon and apparently it hurts him but not him him. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts dragon moss him but not him him. <laughs> In any case, uh, Rain, meanwhile, if we forgot about Rain, he has just been hanging out stuck in the meat wall, but yeah. it's basically just right nearby where the others crash into the castle through the dragon's heart, I guess. Just <laughs> barrel through that thing. Uh, Ida gives them their glasses, frees them from the moss, and gives them some forehead kisses because uh, they don't confirm anything in the show, but heavily imply that they do become a couple again. Uh, but yeah. Uh, it's it... rumple. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 fair, because of uh, earrings, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, they do admit that they're still kind of used to harpy form, but it's happy that she's here nonetheless. And then they remark upon Luce's newfound fluffiness. 
wondering how long they've been out for. <laughs> and it's like, not long, Rain. A lot should have happened. Like, uh, we've seen them together before, but I think this is the first time that they have both been just, like, standing there next to each other. Mm-hmm. Because the last time Ida and Rain were in the same shot and she turned into the harpy, they were, like, laying on the ground. So, yeah. like, she is fully a head and a half taller than them. <laughs> yeah, it's... like, Rain would have... Rain actually would have probably only seen Harpy either once because it was when either went Harpy mode to try to fly to King to get yeah. him from the collector. Yeah. At the it, you know, technically during the events of uh King's Tide, but at the at the intro of uh thanks to them. Oh not thanks uh for the future. This is also yeah. the scene where you can see that Rain now has some scarring on their right arm just up there at the elbow. Oh uh, yeah it, it, also a little bit on their ear it looks like yeah, it's, it's yeah, in the right ear. Yeah. Hard to see because they do wear long sleeves, but it's definitely there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but at this, uh, the glyph on Lucy's chest uh, like winds again, just being like, "Hey, you don't have a lot of time." So she hurries the group along to the throne room, where they find Bellows just fully consumed the heart in there in his goop. Uh, I have a question about this because like Luce blasts the floor clear of the goop, but then also like freezes the floor, but doesn't use that to like run faster because she just uses her staff to barrel towards him. But like she has like an ice platform near him, so <laughs> it's like her freezing the floor would just make it harder for other people to follow. I guess it's it's a neat effect that like she's like yeah just fuck this guy entirely to like change up the environment and everything, and she needs that platform, but like. She doesn't need to freeze the entire floor, especially when she's not actually using it to, like, slide to get to him yeah. faster, because she just flies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole get... point to this is just to get that platform, but... Yeah, I... but she also could just make a nice platform near him rather than freezing everything else around, too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how her uh, ice glyphs have always worked anyway, and she just has actual ice magic now, but she just does <laughs> this way anyway. <laughs> Yeah, in any case, she does that to basically have a platform there and uh, grabs onto his gross chest cavity while uh, strengthening her weak nerd arms with a bunch of glyphs around them. Basically, like, whole, like, uh, power floaty kind of feel. <laughs> and she starts to try to rip him off of the heart, because fuck him, huh? said, why, you've never wanted to grab a colonist by his nasty exposed ribcage? <laughs> Uh, well, and usually a colonist, if he has a nasty exposed ribcage, would be implied to be dead, so probably not, because I wouldn't <laughs> want to touch a corpse. <laughs> also, to be fair, this man is basically also a corpse, and is gross, because <laughs> he's a bunch of weird, sentient meat goop. Uh, I mean, like, what on this island isn't kind of a corpse? <laughs> <laughs> fair, this entire island is a corpse. <laughs> But it's like, well, there's slightly this organic stuff growing off of it, and like, not every place you step on would be just all bones and decaying flesh. <laughs> Some of it just looks like regular ground. <laughs> but yeah, in in any case, uh, he tries to claim that they can't defeat him, but either runs interference by slashing his goop arms away that he basically summons near him to try to grab loose, while Rain and King basically whistle and wah various meat monsters away to keep them also off of loose. And at this point, Luce gives her uh, callback all the way back to episode 1 with doing her own spin on the Azura quote. Do not underestimate her, because she's the good witch Luce, child of the human realm, student of the demon realm, and warrior of peace. Because, you know, Luce is a total dork, even when she has superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she and Velos then... The best I can describe this is like they basically summoned all their glyph power to their aid, because like, she has like a lot more like glyphs that seem like they're just kind of shattering into being around her arms, and like Velos has like a glyph sigil that basically appears in front of him more or less to strengthen himself or something it's it's interesting I, I don't really know how to fully articulate that because it's <laughs> like 
we get that shot plus like Bellus's like dragon form roaring and like the Titan's mouth roaring as well with him being like no fuck you yeah, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, during this, uh, some of the collector's tethers holding up the archive starts to snap. Uh, so they all start to fall a little bit. But Luce gives one last pull while shouting her, uh, well, Slash Azura's quote of now eat this sucker, which is fucking rad, and just rips him free of the heart in a whole big dramatic fashion, which frees the Titan from his influence, though leaving the left arm still raised up. Because, well, I guess that's just stuck there now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's unfortunate, gonna fall. but uh, I guess we're just going to have to deal with that. Oh, they deal with it in a way, because, like, in the epilogue, they show that there's actually some buildings built into the side of it, so people actually have moved up to the arm. <laughs> Which is brave of them, because you would think that it's like, well, what if the thing falls down one day? <laughs> yeah, it definitely does not have a lot of structural support. No. But, Someday yeah, the ligaments are, just... are going to decay, and that thing is just going <laughs> to... Well, we'll worry about that at the time, I guess. People have the ability to fly, so maybe they'll be fine. Uh, but yeah. For the moment, though, uh, Bellus's meat dragon form turns to ash, and as well as all the rest of the meat group across the aisles, and they all dissolve. And the Collector is able to lower the archives down into the skull, and plops down the floor exhausted near the others. And while they're initially afraid of them, they see that Amity reaches a hand out to them, and they just are relieved that they're accepted amongst them, and they all go and look out at the rest of the aisles as the moss goes away. And during this, we also get a shot of Maddie, Scara, Viney, and Jervo at the school as they like exit because they're no longer trapped inside from the meat moss. Uh, but we immediately cut over back to the castle where everybody else emerges from the rebble. <laughs> and Lu Luce is standing over the last remaining goop pile that is slash was Velos, who tries to take the form of Philip and claims that she freed him of a curse of dark magic, much like the owl beast that afflicts Ida. Yeah, and I'll give but him this much, he certainly thinks <clears throat> on his feet. Yeah, like, he, he, it's not a very good lie, like, he's stumbling over a little bit of his words and thinking on the fly, but he's, like, he's trying one last attempt to not just get got here because he sucks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but he's just blatantly lying to her face, and Luz can only give him a death glare, <laughs> basically, during this entire point. Uh, but noticeable that clouds start rolling in, which people have theories about this, too. Uh, and as he claims that the curse caused him to do all those horrible things, the boiling rain start, and basically just start melting away his face in a pretty grisly fashion to reveal that he's still just a goop monster and not actually a person. Uh, uh, I mean, hmm? like, how do I put this? I, he's always been a goop monster, right? That's a yeah, thing he yeah. did to himself. Yeah, like, he's just trying to claim that he was cursed, and that's why he was doing this all, and now he's back to normal, but the rain clearly is like, nope, <laughs> you are you are a goop monster, you are not actually a person, really. Like, you're trying curse to put... Or no you're... curse, like, I don't think there's any version of this, where even if he turns out, yeah, he was being influenced or whatever, he's still a goop monster. I, even if yeah. he's... Even in the Disney Channel redeem the bad guy good ending, he's still a goop monster. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, this, yeah, he would still be a goop monster. <laughs> it's just that like either loose or the t latent powers of the Titan calls in the rain to just to start dissolving this man because of like nope, screw you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, in a... yeah. Mm -hmm. it's hard to yeah. like this is the end, but it's also given how often he's come back from being dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like kind of kind of had to. There. Yeah, but kind of got to be a little bit definitive this time by just actually melting this man. <laughs> but yeah, he starts to try to plead with her to make peace, but the rain doesn't affect her because again, Titan magic it makes sense that she's not affected by it, and he just melts into 
basically being able to just barely move at all. He's like even even more somehow dissolved as a skeleton, if you can believe it, with Bellos at this point. <laughs> but, uh, he tries to argue that she'll just be as just as evil and conniving as the witches uh, if he if she basically goes through with this and everything. Uh, and he tries to also be like, we're human, we're better than this, but Luce just steps back as either King of Rain approach, being like, well, we're not <laughs> in both regards. <laughs> Which is, again, just them doing that and then proceeding to stomp on his skull till he's just no more. <laughs> just re real, uh, again, real dark a little bit where it's like, King is eight and he is taking part in a murder, but to be fair, it's a justified murder. <laughs> Like this man literally tried to wipe out all of the people on the boiling owls. He got he got to die. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't disagree, but like that is a lot to put on an eight year old is to stomp a yeah. to death with your bare feet. <laughs> yeah, gets <laughs> on his claws a bit too. Uh, but yeah, but in any case, at this, loose goes. Uh, uh, loose grows. Loose glows bright yellow and lifts up to the sky in order to release the time's powers. And King is happy to have at least seen his parent at least once in person. But then Luce immediately starts to plummet to the ground because she's not held up because String Bean's not helping her, apparently. Yeah, thanks, uh, Titan. But, yeah. <laughs> you could have released your power to go back off and dissolve again fully in any other way. You didn't have to lift me up here and make me drop 20 feet, but sure. <laughs> but it's fine. Eden can catch her anyway. Hmm. Uh, but then she remembers about uh, King's parents' message, which is, I loaf you, which he loves because it's a bread pun. <laughs> if anybody remembers when King was doing bread puns a lot back in, I believe, also really small problems. <laughs> it sure was, because that was the one where he was jealous of Gus and Willow. Yeah. He, the bread puns haven't been a thing throughout. It was just like that one episode, if my recollection is. So I'm like, at first I was like, wait, loaf and bread pun? And I was like, oh, okay, right, this thing. I from think Will, it has come up very briefly, like, a couple times, but it's never been a big call-out as much as just a thing he said, you know? Yeah, like, it, it demanded came up once, I think, in, like, uh, Follies at the Coven Day Parade or something, yeah, potentially, that's, that's but, yeah, of. yeah, I think it hasn't shown up nearly as much for it to be, like, oh, it's something that you'd easily remember, because, again, like, for the most part, we're thinking back to an episode that released in, like, mid-2020, <laughs> a while ago, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. In any case, it do where was I? Uh, yeah, the three of them are just relieved it's all over and that they managed to stick together, which then leads us into some narration by Luce uh, over these scenes. And she talks about how they basically just uh, saved the Boiling Isles while admitting it'll take some work and have some irreparable changes, like the left arm, obviously. <laughs> Can't do anything about that. <laughs> uh, the Collector basically just goes ahead and unpuppets everyone from the archives, with everyone being reunited. Where it's like we get a little bit with Steve reuniting with Lilith, Amity with Alador as Odalia just sulks in the corner because fucker, nobody cares. <laughs> Good riddance, get lost. Uh, Gus with his dad, Willow with her dad, so you actually get an on screen kiss, so hooray! More more representation. Uh, and even Hunter gets greeted by Darius and Neverwolf, who he excitedly just tells about wolves based on his uh, notion because they notice his shirt that he created himself because Darius is teaching him how to sew, and he's just excited to teach him about wolves apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very goofy and it's just it's 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 very funny to just see how far hunter has come just in terms of him like just being able to be a teenager now where he's like let me tell you about wolves they're fucking cool <laughs> like 
but yeah, we get other scenes like Bump returning to Hexide, along with Bash's teammates who she hugs, uh, Morton and Tibble's stands being fully wrecked, so again, Tibble's count at two as of this, <laughs> and uh, another scene where Darius and Eberwolf have to scare off Terra, Adrian, and Vidimir, whose name I had to look up because I definitely did not remember Vidimir being the potions guy who never got named in the show. Yeah, well, just because they never said his name, you didn't remember? Like, Yeah, please. gee, weird. Yeah, it turns out when Rebecca Rose happened to say their names on like a tweet once like half a year ago, how dare I fucking forget Vidimir? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's because they're trying to make a grab for the throne, which is like one of the few things that actually survived the destruction of the castle, which the the fact that the castle's fully toast kind of does also imply that the titan's heart was also destroyed in that whole deal right i would assume we, so yes we don't we don't get a shot of it afterwards and like again the castle is fully destroyed if only the throne left behind so i think it's implied that yeah the heart got burst at some point well like uh, the but... titan's power is gone so even if the heart is still there it's certainly not beating anymore yeah it would just be inert at this point but yeah uh, this is going on with Lusa mentioning that like while not everyone was keen on change, there were others that were willing to try, and this is showcased by Steve and the bats helping to move a tree that some Emperor's Coven scouts couldn't move because I guess they don't think to use magic themselves even though they're Emperor's Coven guys and would have all their magic. The Emperor's Coven uh, are bad at their jobs, okay? They've historically always been bad at their jobs, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why most of them seem like they just have like spears and stuff. I guess maybe they're just stuck at magic even though they can use all magic. <laughs> they're, 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 uh, they're warlocks that focus more on strength and dex rather than charisma. They can use magic, but it's just not as good as them just being able to stab a person, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in any case, uh, Steve uh, initially glares at them all, but they do remember, like, decide to remove their helmets, and they all offer to shake hands to demonstrate their willingness to try to move forward and not just cling to the old ways. So that's yeah. good, at least. We I never get, say, like, a full... One of, mm -hmm. these, uh, one of these coven guards is one of the crew members. There's a bunch of... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah there's a lot... Yeah, like, there's a bit uh, during the epilogue that we get, like, a shot of both Rebecca Rose and uh, Dana Terrace's characters, who are both students at Hexide. Oh, like, there this, are so yeah. many of them. There are so many. There are too many to name. I just know them, too, because, like, it's, like, clearly, yes, that is Dana Terrace right there, and, like, Rebecca Rose pointing herself out. But, yeah, there's a bunch of them that are, like clearly like being like this is my on-screen appearance in the finale because it's cool i count 19 crew members getting on-screen appearances here <laughs> jeez <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> just for like one and done character designs uh -huh. <laughs> you get to design and animate <laughs> but yeah in any case uh back over at the owl house Ida, rain loose and king hang out on basically just a little version of Ida's nest as the collector rides with the others uh, Ida's reunited with Lilith as Amity and Kamiya enter, and uh, this gives us actually a proper, like, direct uh, side view of Ida, of uh, Luce and Ida, not that, ah, not Luce and Ida, Luce and Amity kissing, rather than the, like, behind-the-shot kiss from Clouds on the Horizon. <laughs> so yay, we get that. It's it's not as well animated compared to the big uh, Ilkraki moment, but it, we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, there's that moment is so big and so much it would be difficult to to yeah to replicate it or uh like pass it or something yeah to come up with something that had the same emotional impact i think because they yeah. did that thing right like true yeah it's like it's it's good that it happened at least where it's not obscured a little bit by just based on the fact that it's like from amity's back so most of lucy's face was also obscured right so at least we got it we didn't get them saying i love you so that's a bummer <laughs> Maybe, yeah. maybe that happened during a time skip. <laughs> in any case, uh, Kamiya hugs her daughter and then finally gets to meet Ina and King, who are both very awkward and nervous. Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey, we kind of adopted your daughter in a sense, sorry. <laughs> but uh, Kamiya also hugs them and, you know, it's just 
happy to meet them finally. Yeah, and I imagine she's heard quite a lot of stories about them by this point, so she knows yeah, I mean, that, that they're she, uh, her she kids' did, family. She did, yeah, she did at the least hear about King because when she saw King in the previous episode, she was like, "Oh, is that the little bone boy you mentioned? Oh, he's cute." <laughs> or whatever. Like. Uh, the collector also gives Lilith that cootie, who, when he reawakens, has the most like beautiful anime face, and he happily hugs her. And... Yeah, this is Hootie's cover girl shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, the only Hootie we really get in this episode. Uh, he he's in like some scenes, but he never says anything. Unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know what's uh, up with that. It seems very strange for him to just like not be here for these final three episodes, basically. Well, he's too well. Hootie's too powerful. He would solve everything, so you got to take him out of commission. <laughs> Hootie well, would be the Hootie would solve everything immediately. <laughs> I see what you're saying with that, but it's also like he's a pretty integral character, right? He's yeah, he part he of is the actual family. house. Yeah, he, he is the actual house. <laughs> that's like his whole deal is that he's weird and annoying and doesn't fit in, but he fits in with them, even though he's also weird and annoying to them. Like he's a part of that family, and he's just not here. Yeah, it's a little interesting that he's really omitted. Which is also made more interesting by, like, the credits actually do credit Alex Hirsch for voicing both King and Hootie when Hootie doesn't say anything in this episode. Well, yeah, but it's the final credits. You gotta... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Like, for a moment there, I was like, oh, I was forgetting to, like, credit Del Clothorn, but Del didn't say anything, and then I forgot about the nightmare sequence. <laughs> it's like, oh, right, he did say something there. Gwen didn't. <laughs> Sorry, Gwen's voice actors, you don't get brought back for this. <laughs> uh, but yeah. In any case, I need to stop saying, but yeah, I see that a lot. Uh, the Collector also gives uh, King Francois back, because I guess he grabbed him from the archives for King. And Which is Luce's very sweet. Yay. And Luce's narration explains that the Collector decided to return to the stars because they had a lot of growing up to do, still, even yeah. though they're like 500 years old. That also feels a little abrupt to me, but, you know, last episode yeah, it, I get it. It, it, it would have been cool if the Collector just decided to hang out and just was like, Basically, like, Ida's, uh, another one of Ida's adopted kids, of which he has many. <laughs> that, or, like, even just a little bit more room for it to be organic would be nice. Because as it is, it just kind of, whoops, I'm out of here, bye. <laughs> yeah, like, that. But the story is done with me, everybody, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Deal. Yeah. But in any case, before they leave, King decides to actually give them Francois, and wishes that they'll see each other again, which is really cute. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. And they probably will, because you know they're gonna live forever. Oh yeah, <laughs> two of them at the least. <laughs> uh, Luce then walks out of the house while saying that she realized that the moment that at that moment that the glyphs no longer work though, because there's nobody to speak their language to anymore, which just confirms a lot of what people were talking about, like how remember way back when when Bellows claimed that he speaks for the Titan, and it's like no, Luce is the one that's actually the speaker of the Titan all this time, even though Bellows could he was stealing that lot not knowledge from the titan <laughs> and she actually deserved it uh but yeah but she goes on to say that while she is sad that the glyphs are gone she is at least happy that they helped her learn her way and that that string being joins her as she emphasizes that a chapter of life is over but a new one is just beginning which then leads me into the last two fucking note, uh, pages of my notes because this is just again the epilogue here yeah. <laughs> the actual epilogue epilogue because it's like five minutes long <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this leads us into the epilogue, where four years later, Lisa's is packing up her room in her home, and she puts an Azura statue in a box along with her Goodwitch Azura books, the, the Tamagotchi that she used to talk to Amity, so maybe at one point they actually fixed Amity's Tamagotchi, <laughs> uh, as well as Hida's old jersey. 
And we see, based on like some stuff on like a corkboard, that she was accepted to a college and an assortment of mostly new photos, some old ones still. Uh, but new photos are stuff like her and V's high school graduation. Brings up a lot of questions of how they actually proved like V's uh, birth certificate and stuff like that. <laughs> Specifically, <laughs> thinking of a more and more comic in particular from today as well that brought up like she doesn't have any evidence that she's actually in Noseda or her birth certificate, but she somehow managed to actually enroll in the school proper. Don't worry about it. Honestly, I feel like that is the easiest thing in the world. Just the people I mean, they if know, you get the magic, powers they yeah. have. If you got All magic, they need yeah. If you got magic, yeah. See a birth certificate, and they can probably yeah. make a flawless e either has either has both proficiency and expertise in forgery kits. Yeah, she can exactly. make that easily. Yeah, either has the criminal backstory and background. It's just that uh, the GM let her replace like, uh, what is the one? Um, no, she she probably wouldn't need thieves tools. She probably swapped that out <laughs> with forgery kit. <laughs> But yeah, in any case, it's uh, ones like that, uh, like a writing scholarship that she has, which seemingly was signed by Dana Terrace herself. <laughs> which is cheating IMO, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also one of a visit where Amity and Hootie apparently came to the human realm because Hootie's freaking out the barista from yesterday's lie. Seemingly <laughs> with like seeds in her hand, so it looks like she's feeding him. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I get the feeling that this is maybe part of the human realm outreach project, right? Well, yeah, no, I shouldn't he... say that yet. We haven't talked about it yet. Yeah, but it feels like that's, like, some part of it, because it's, like, you know, because, like, the barista kind of does already know yeah. at least some things because of the weird rats outside the, uh, outside the, the what's it called, the coffee shop, even if the rats aren't directly speaking. Yeah, this is her, a human who's been directly exposed to magic. Why not talk to her first? Like, if anyone's gonna get it. Yeah, but of course, like, first contact with the human realm proper is, uh, with Hootie, of all people. <laughs> this won't go wrong at all. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in other, uh, other photos, we see, like, Ida introducing Kamiya to Appleblood, so, <laughs> cool. Because they are uh, girlfriends. <laughs> yep. And King finally getting to cat play catch, but with Ida and Hootie, because uh, Ida is her, uh, is his actual parents. <laughs> That's sweet. And then also an updated Grom photo that has both V and Hunter in it, so they both got to actually go to that and have fun as teenagers. Amity's still just making that obnoxious camera face that she makes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it is kind of just the same one that she had in her Instagram pictures from way back in episode six, huh? <laughs> yeah, she does this a lot. It's, it's like it's like the little like uh, sideways peace sign with the kissy face or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this can be. Uh, yeah, yeah. This <laughs> is just that. Yeah, this is the same. I also really like this news expression here. That is very much a, I'm going to do yeah. a crime expression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's always getting all the best facial reactions and stuff? Uh, but at this point, Kimia enters asking for help with wrapping Maduros, which I'll show my ignorance. I don't know what Maduros are. I know they're kind of Spanish food, but I don't know what they are exactly. Uh, delicious. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and she also says that she cannot believe that Luce is ready to head for college and casually asks what major she's taking again. And of course, in true Luce fashion, she's taking everything, which if you uh, pause at here, you see that. Oh, oh, they're like those apple, th uh, no, not like banana things? Mm hmm Oh, okay, cool. Okay, I've seen these before. I just not know what they were called. Cool. But yeah, but like I was saying, uh, if you look at the, uh, list of majors that Luce has, you see that she's enrolled in the University of Wild Magic. So somebody let Ida teach. <laughs> Ida, Ida is probably not capable. Well, no, she's actually qualified for teaching. We've seen oh. that. But uh, at the same time, you probably don't want to have her in charge of the school, but sure, whatever. Yeah, there's but no, there's, there's no accreditation th system in the aisles. So. Yeah. Well, we don't even know what kind of form of government they have anymore at this point, so they True. might not just be having any sort of oversight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
In any case, we get a good look at Luce's 18-year-old appearance here, where she has added another piercing in one earring. She has, like, way more black mascara on. Uh, she has a uh, jacket that has a design of a purple snake going around it, which at first I thought was String Bean in disguise, but no, String Bean's just also hanging out here. Yeah. Uh, her, she's wearing her uh, purple and white Beta Luce shirt, again, <laughs> as a nice callback that it's here. It's apparently, again, still been passed off from Kimbia to her <laughs> over the course of, like, 20 years. <laughs> uh... She has yellow pants on that have the track logo stitched on. Uh, her hair is slightly poofier. It's not like super long or anything, It's but it's definitely a little mm. bit more thicker than before. In fact, I'd say it's pretty short as far as hair goes. Yeah. It's she fluffy, has... but it's not long. Yeah, like it, it's actually a little bit shorter, I think, than where her hair was going towards in yeah, the, near the end of season two through season three, because like she had like that bit where her hair was going enough to have a little ponytail at times. Uh, but yeah, she's also wearing Abadie's moon necklace, because of course. <laughs> yeah. And she has the tattoo of Flapjack on her upper left arm, which all of the Hex Squad are going to have. I'll just say that now, rather than always specifying that they all have Flapjack <laughs> tattoos. In a bunch uh, of different places, but yeah. Yeah. I think I don't think we see it on Gus. I think, they conf I think somebody on Twitter from the crew confirmed it's actually on one of his legs, I think. Um, my understanding is that we do get a shot. Oh, maybe I just didn't notice it then. Let me see if I can find it. But yeah, I'm pretty sure we see it. It's like on the inside of his ankle. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh yeah, while you look for that, I'll just continue on. Because uh, Kamiya asks Luz how she's able to do that without her glyphs anymore. But Luz says that she and Spring Bean found their own way without them. Which I kind of interpret as being similar to how Hunter can use magic via his artificial staff. And then later on Flapjack. Because <laughs> like... I mean, Luz clearly can use magic with String Bean because we see that in the previous special when she was blasting off all those like purple blasts of magical energy and stuff. Yeah. So I think it's I think that's how she's really being like, yeah, like there's obviously like some uh, ways I need to work around it because I don't have like actual authentic magic, but at least I have a palisman to help me out. Uh, and at that, Luz then says it'll be nice to see everyone again after all this time, but Camilla basically just dryly says that she saw them last week, but Luz said that doesn't count because she was studying for finals. <laughs> okay, yes, I very... found Gus's tattoo. Mm -hmm. It's visible in, a, like, one shot near the very end, and you can barely tell it's him, because <laughs> he is standing behind Ida, and you see his leg sticking out from behind her. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> just very, very not noticeable, then. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Me... Um... Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, real hard to notice that then. Yep. <laughs> but it is there. Uh, yeah, in any case... Uh, fuck, I keep saying in any case. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's a long episode, it's fine. It's, it's yeah, we're at, we're at almost three hours now. Uh, yeah. Uh, Luz then said, oh yeah, no, there we got that. Uh, v and Albert are listening in, and with her, uh, with V now having an ear and nose piercing, and much longer fluffier hair, and a uh, black jacket with brown pants, <laughs> and she's noticeably wearing a red shirt with a design that's half the Titan Skull and the other half having Earth. I love this shirt so much. Yeah, that's inevitable fan merch. Somebody's already made that at this point, probably. <laughs> I want three of them so I can customize them. <laughs> And she tells Albert that it's time and for him to go get the others, and he goes and flies out her window to the old house, which was bought by Camilla and renovated once more with a pink starry door on it, which Albert touches the knob of to reveal that this is a new portal door that's heavily implied to have been just created by the Collector before they departed, because like they, yeah. their voice greets those who are entering it. 
so pretty, you go too pretty much, much farther hmm? i do just want to say about lose like I, I should have said this earlier but i got distracted because we were talking about tattoos and appearances but yeah lose signed up for every major that this university offers like uh-huh. yep. i don't know what this school is like so maybe it's completely different but if it's anything like human school I don't think even Luz is going to be able to pull through this. She's going to be so burned out by the end of the second semester. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, exactly. <laughs> like, even just, like, having one major <laughs> can be a lot. Two majors is just insane at times. I never I never tried to do two majors because I... Or I didn't even have a minor because I also feel like it's a lot just to do, like, one major. Yep. <laughs> Taking, like, there's, like, something like eight or ten majors on this list that she has is like what the fuck i count seven but one of them is just etc so (laughs) (laughs) it's it's the like well here's like here's here's everything else like you learn math and computer science in this class (laughs) doesn't know other stuff yeah i don't know i I did do a major and two minors i actually double minored and that meant that i had to take an extra year i was in my undergrad for five years so yeah, like, I mean, I only took my one major, and I only just barely graduated in the four years, but that's also because, like, I had to drop Japanese 212, so I had to, like, frantically take the two, like, introductory Spanish classes during the summer before my last year and take Spanish 211 and then 212 in my last year yeah. to be able to still graduate on time rather than going for an extra semester or two. <laughs> so that was a little bit specific but also i mean i only also had 121 credits total because sometimes it's like well this doesn't count because i had to drop this class great cool yeah. <laughs> fun <laughs> oh yeah getting back to it uh albert first runs into willow who's playing flyer derby and she basically just has like an updated jersey and a uh, short sporty haircut like I, I don't really know how to describe willow's new appearance like it's really just like it's just willow but a little older honestly like, yeah, it's, it's kind of a linear progression <laughs> yeah like her, her like i said her hair is like a little bit shorter it's less poofy in sense with like not having like the uh the, what's it called the uh side stuff i don't know how to describe it like it, it's definitely like cut shorter in a sense yeah. uh but she flies down over to where hunter is carving an axolotl talisman for braxis who is now studying beastkeeping and healing and Hunter now has like a little like his whole like, look is basically just as a craftsman. He has like a pair of overalls that, for some reason, have the Abomination, Illusion, and Emerald Entrails logo sewn on. Not plants. <laughs> he, yeah. He has. Well, I guess Emerald Entrails is how he has his like representation of Willow on there because he does have Amity and Gus otherwise. But oh, also that's... Gus is on the em- Gus is on the Emerald Entrails too though. <laughs> yeah, but so is Hunter's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Hunter probably not now because it's like probably still more like a high school club still at this point even though willow's probably also in college at this point too so who knows it's just it's strange that he doesn't have a plant sigil uh tattooed or not tattooed uh sewn onto his apron yeah. i feel like yeah. he th- like grunchby was his thing right that was the thing that really helped him to break out of the cult mentality so i don't yeah, see him stopping really playing kids. it because he really enjoyed it yeah, he said that he wanted to play uh, Flyer Derby and Carve Talisman when he was talking to Bellows to try to get them out of him back yeah. in uh, Thanks to Them. Yeah, it's 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 interesting that there's just no plant uh, logo on him because you would think it would because he has other representations of the rest of his friends. And obviously, like, Luce is like kind of more of a, like, grab bag of all things. Like, he could have a snake somewhere on there, too, to represent <laughs> her. And, and, like, also, like, I guess, like, another snake for V because snake, V is also a snake. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I really like Future V's hair. It's very big and poofy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. 
but also noticeable with Hunter is that he has a new Blue Jay Palisman, who Dana Terrace confirmed on Twitter is named Waffles, because she's <laughs> Flapjack's little sister, which is also cute. Uh, and he's heavily implied to have been learning under Dell and Gwen Clawthorne, and that they've been helping the Bat Queen to repopulate the Palestrum forests in this time, since they're all just hanging out with the Bat Queen. Yeah, uh, I guess yeah. like they definitely had to have. As of what we last heard, Palestrum Wood was almost extinct. So clearly, yeah, they've been like, doing a lot of regrowing if they have the ability to just be carving palismen like this. Yeah, they they've probably been enlisting people like Willow to help with like plant stuff to try to help them grow better and faster to repopulate the forests or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, but he takes off with Willow, basically like the two of them having a really nicely animated like slide down a hill with Hunter at one point almost eating shit, but then Willow has to grab him and like I, I like the little like look on Hunter's face where his eyes are animated entirely differently of him being like, oh, that's <laughs> like holding him up. Uh, but they come in to the stop in front of a tombstone that they'd made for Flapjack, which Willow covers in flowers, and that's also when I cried <laughs> because Flapjack. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they next fly over Bonesboro, which, weirdly enough, they wave to Morton, of all people. <laughs> Morton shoots them and waves at them. I don't know why Morton doesn't know who they are, really. I guess he knows that they're friends of Luce and Ida, but still. Yeah. It's a little weird. But, like, during this, we also see that Basha apparently just sell, like, runs a stand selling Grudby equipment. She's not actually playing professional Grudby. <laughs> Yeah. Which is, like, a, a little harsh towards Basha, because it's, like, they seem like they really tried to want to, like, redeem Basha a bit in the previous episode, and also in this one with her, like, actually going and hugging her teammates. But, yeah, I guess yeah. she doesn't get to play professional Gretby. They really just didn't have the time they needed to give her a good redemption. Yeah, even, I mean... like, neutralization. Yeah, m- mostly just because, like, Basha really wasn't much of a thing back in Season 2 at all. Like, she had, like, a few moments back in, like, Hunting Palisman when she's like, can you even be a witch in the human realm? Kind of deal with just being mm-hmm. mean girl. But, like, she really wasn't a factor at all in Season 2. So, like, they kind of do speed up a little bit to her being like, why can't we just hang out again? It's like, because I'm not like you. Get that <laughs> kind of deal back in uh, For the Future. Oh, yeah. But in any case, they land at the museum being renovated, where Lilith and Hootie are in charge of the additions. And Lilith's also a de- uh, new design I can't really describe that well. Like, she basically has, like, I think she- her earring is new, and she has, like, a like very professional, like, museum curator look to her kind of deal. Yeah, she's definitely like, got the uh, stereotypical librarian thing going on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, like, interesting to try to explain, because, like, I feel like a lot of her, like, season two outfit, at least season two B, was also that kind of vibe of her just being, like, I'm the smart librarian lady yeah. <laughs> kind of deal, Com- compared to, like, her in her, like, low battery <laughs> outfit, which I still like that shirt <laughs> yeah for sure yeah uh and apparently Mithalium is also here acting as a foreman commanding kikimura to work so i guess kikimura didn't get any redemption at all whatsoever but so they're just forcing her to work off a lot of her shit that she did <laughs> i guess uh, yeah. it feels a little strange but yeah it is at least fitting that maddie's a foreman because he is part of the construction coven in a sense oh yeah no that least... i had no problem yeah. with i just uh potential yeah. for indentured labor bothers me <laughs> <laughs> yeah a little bit but kikimura is also a jackass so it's like maybe she's actually been like hey i've been a dick i'll help <laughs> okay yeah if it's volunteer maybe. that's fine yeah we, we just don't know because like we didn't see kikimura at all besides this one shot here in this whole episode so we don't know how the kids being the shit out of her really went <laughs> besides implied that they beat the shit out of her <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I also do like that Maddie's growing actual facial hair compared to the Sharpie ones he did. <laughs> I like that he has a cool ass tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also that. People notice that he has the cool ass. 
uh, again. But at this, Amity lands in a cat-themed abomination airship, and she just looks like a freaking mix of her dad's engineering and the swashbuckler, basically. I like, absolutely this is, adore new Amity. Yeah, th this is like very much like lesbian pirate Amity look, <laughs> while also having a bit of like the engineering look to her with like the gloves and stuff. <laughs> this is also one of the very few characters I can now cosplay without a wig. <laughs> Yay! She finally got a real undercut. She did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, she heavily was implied to have an undercut based on her disguise as the Mighty Middens, but also that could have been because of the disguise mm -hmm. uh, gems that she was using from N and M that did that. Yeah. But like. I don't know, I, I feel like that that was like a thing that people also thought for a long time when ever since Lavender Amity became a thing that people thought she might have had an undercut. And I, I feel like it's like, could go either way of whether it was confirmed in that episode or not if she did, but she definitely does here, because oh, yeah. she definitely has one. She also has like a long ponytail head in, held in place by a headband that she made out of her grand tiara, just <laughs> to prove that she's even more of a lesbian. <laughs> uh, and... Again, this is something I would have liked to see in the show proper, because, like, when she, like, swings down from the airship, she and Lilith hug. So it's like, they at least, like, repaired their relationship after, like, Lilith was basically using her to try to get one over on Ida way back in episode 5. Because yeah. they they never interact past that point, and it's like, it was always a little bit of a bummer that they didn't have that, and that's something that a lot of people in, like, the fandom made, like, fanfic of being like oh i want to see them get back together again or let it be in like more like a mom figure to her when they found out Adalia sucks yeah so that, yeah it's at least nice to see that in the, the time skip they did actually like uh you know that she did actually earn amity's forgiveness at least yeah i will say and this is just me having done my own research for my own reasons but amity here this is commenting on her appearance i guess mm -hmm. she has a flapjack tattoo like the others but unlike the others hers actually changes places during this episode <laughs> like in this first scene where she shows up on the airship it's on the inside of her arm right below the elbow but later in the episode it's on the outside of her arm like it just rotates around yeah her arm. <laughs> look it's magic don't worry about it it's yeah, definitely not so... an animation error it's just magic <laughs> yeah definitely no specific reason I was paying extra close attention to her tattoo, but like... <laughs> yeah, de definitely not you and like a thousand people on Twitter being like, okay, guys, how do we design this flatjack tattoo? <laughs> definitely, definitely for no reason. Definitely looking for a way to reward myself after graduation. And also, <laughs> <laughs> and also as, uh, you know, to symbolize this show. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Just a, just a, just a whole coincidence. <laughs> Yeah, in any case, uh, Amity does hand Lilith a book of some sort, which I kind of interpret this as a little bit like maybe one of the things Amity is doing is she's going and recovering like various bits like lore about the Boiling Owls that Bellis's regime was trying to intentionally hide. Because again, she does have a very like piratey look to her in a sense, like she is like adventuring in some regard. Yeah. So it's like I, I and also this book is like not it doesn't from like the cover that we see it doesn't look like it's like just like an engineering book or anything. It really looks like it's like here's like some hidden history that Bellos was trying to hide and this is being used to like be brought to the museum to help teach people the actual history of the Boiling Owls and not Bellos's uh, version. Well, how closely did you look at the cover? Because I sure did. Uh, I looked at it briefly, but not all the way. Does it uh, actually have full detail? Yeah, it actually has some fairly important details if you look at it real close like. Uh, let okay. me see if I can... Yeah, I'm bringing up that part of the episode, too, to see. Come on, Owl Club, don't freak out. <laughs> I had to, like, edit the image a little bit to get it to work the way I needed it to. But mm -hmm. when you really zoom in on this cover, you'll see that 
what it is at the top is um, three hooded figures that look very, very much like the Collector standing ominously over a Titan skull. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, this is a book about the archivists. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let, I, I'm almost at that point. I want to see this myself. Kind of deal. Uh... I just oh, dropped... yeah. Yeah, yeah that, is, that is very much like, yeah, this is about the collector's kind of deal. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Again, uh, Owl House Future. One season dealing with the archivists, maybe? That would be lovely. Yeah, we get we gotta make that we gotta make Morningmark be just completely a prophet here by having them show up in that one comic they did recently where uh Lucen King practiced to be able to have uh Lucen be a thing again, so this way Amity can have more of a gay panic seeing Lucen be a <laughs> magical girl monster. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. Yes, it, this it, Titan skull is also different than every other Titan skull we've seen. So once also again. true. Yeah, yeah. It, it so again, it is probably one of those things that's like again something that Bellis was trying to keep hidden away, and Amity's been helping to recover some of it for the museum. But yeah, uh, they go and pass the book to Maddie. Well, uh, Lilith pe- goes to head out with the others, showcasing that she also has come to terms with the cursing and now turned into a harpy. Which again, pity we never got yeah. to see that in the show proper. <laughs> also, Hootie stayed with her, which I love. Yeah, we never actually. Here's something else that happens in this epilogue. We never see Hootie on the Owl House again because. We we'll get we'll get to it in a sec here, but like, it seems pretty heavily implied that the front door of the Owl House is now the portal door because it doesn't look like they walk out into the like the backyard or like the side of the Owl House when they do have that scene. Mm-hmm. So it could potentially be that just like the Owl House has basically been renovated, but nobody's living there necessarily. Which, yeah, I kind of don't think they do because I mean, it we would see make where Ida's staying would, later, and it's not the Owl yeah. House. Yeah, Ida seems like she's staying at the university, and Lilith would be like in town to help with the the museum. So, and like, does Hootie have like a different place that he hangs out in if he's not just hanging out in the backpack? Because we don't see Hootie outside the backpack in this episode. I think he just stays with Lilith full time. I think she got custody. <laughs> she she sued her sister for custody of her house <laughs> demon, <laughs> not child. <laughs> I don't know. In any case, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh god, I keep saying that shit. Uh, it's okay. It's fine. I know. I know. I just need to think. I, like, it always reminds me of like way back in like an old Yogscast episode of Minecraft when Simon was just being like, uh, saying like some phrase uh, all the time, and he was like, "Shit, I gotta stop saying that." <laughs> if anybody listening to this remembers the Yogscast, I don't know if the Yogscast is still a thing. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. It's been ages. I feel like a different age of YouTubers came about. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they go and head off past Texade now with seemingly Skara as a bar teacher. Like, we don't see, like, we definitely see Barkus as, like, a teacher of some sort because he has a hat on. Like, it looks like a teacher. But, like, Skara, we don't really get the sense if she's just, like, a student still. But I don't think so because she would also be, like, 18 at this point. So I she might like also Skara be a teacher. I feel like Skara is in charge of the baby class. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. She's, like, playing music for, like, little kids, it seems. Yeah, at this we also see Rebecca Rose's own OC because apparently she had like a bad plant potion experiment that Barkus is comforting her about. <laughs> and also Dana's OC who is held up at like the front of the school by, I think that's the illusion teacher, I think is. Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah, I think that's the illusion teacher. I don't think and she ever the... got a name. <laughs> no, definitely not. Barely any teachers did. For the longest time we didn't even know that like uh, Professor Homunculus had a name. <laughs> yeah. I think it was Homunculus. <laughs> no, you're right, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty sure. We only got his name, like, once. 
but yeah, they look, they and Bump look up and see them and like wave and everything. It looks like Bump is also retired and just taking up gardening on the premise. It doesn't look like he's actually being the principal anymore. Yeah, you know, good for him. He deserves it. Yeah. Once upon a time, I mean, he said he had a hundred years until retirement, and I'm yeah, glad he got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's been like the principal for like three hundred years or something. <laughs> well, they not that never... long, because it was Faust before him when Ito was a kid. Oh, uh, so. tr- true, true. Yeah, but he he's also been old for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he he was like mid, he was like near like fifty or something like that back when Ito was a teenager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like ninety now, and he had like another like hundred fifty years of servitude. <laughs> I guess maybe they let him off early because of the, you know, Bellis' regime ending and also him, like, and the teachers sacrificing themselves to try to protect the kids back when the Collector first hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He also noticeably has a hoodie uh, lo- <laughs> stitched onto his uh, apron. <laughs> he just has hoodie's face on there for some reason. Uh, but we move over to an experiment that Elder is conducting with Rain, Darius, Everwolf, and Durbo in attendance. And he basically has, like, just a straight-up Iron Man-looking glove that's, like, hooked up... Uh, to like a pipeline that is being used with help of healers like M and Viney, because they're using this in an attempt to remove the Coven sigils from the same kid that we saw got branded with an illusion sigil all the way back in Covention. Yeah, if you remember that guy. This is, I assume it's at least moderately deliberate, but this is very much a scene in Iron Man Two, like when he's in his basement trying to synthesize the new. the new element that his dad left behind this is like the new the new element that definitely isn't his own creation but he takes credit for it because it exists in uh wakanda just natively <laughs> uh, it's not vibranium it's a new thing i thought he makes vibranium nah did he not no nah, it's make... like some radioactive nonsense but stably radioactive so it won't poison him hang on i'm looking up what element he made i don't think it got a name uh, no, they say Vibranium. In the Iron Man 2 novelization, the new element created by Tony Stark in re- to replace Palladium in the arc reactor is called Vibranium. Yeah, but that doesn't count. The novelization is fake. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I always just interpret it as also Vibranium, and then it's like, wait, but this thing already exists because his dad had made a shield of it 70 years prior, and also there's a whole country that just, it grows. <laughs> like fucking plants and stuff. Yeah, Whatever. like the, the MCU wiki page calls it Tony Stark's new element. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know he definitely just called it Tonium then in that case. <laughs> Alias Badassium. <laughs> Stupid. Uh-huh. MCU is, MCU is dumb. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they are doing that experiment and it works. And uh, they're all impressed with Darius being the most impressed to the point where he like just shakes out the door in like surprise and everything and excitement and is actually like embarrassed about it so of course everybody immediately latched on to oh they were definitely dating right maybe <laughs> well obviously yes <laughs> yeah uh yep and rain has Jerbo take some notes before they also notice albert so everybody heads outside to uh, with uh darius and everwolf greeting hunter while amity hugs her dad and rain Willif, and hootie split off in the group to head elsewhere there and... is one specific shot in this scene mm-hmm. that's um during the Darius is grabbing Hunter thing, he mm-hmm. looks at him in a very, very specific way, and I definitely did see a bunch of edits floating around Twitter of just like moving them a couple inches closer together, mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, I don't even know how to. Darius is doing a kiss face while he's grabbing Elador. <laughs> is the thing. And yeah. so these Twitter edits just, like, scooched them close together and pretended that it was a thing that was happening in the show. 
You see yeah, what I'm doing I, here, yeah? Yeah, 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 no. I mean, people have been shipping Darius and uh, uh, Elador for a while now, ever since, like, they had their little rivalry, uh, rivalry? rivalry get mentioned in the show. And especially more so when it's like, okay, he's definitely divorced from Odalia now, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> but you don't get full confirmation, but it's heavily implied because, again, Odalia doesn't show up at all during this, besides that bit where she's just off on the side. Nobody paying attention <laughs> to her. So it's like, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're definitely, she is the most divorced woman on the Boiling Isles now. <laughs> God, she really is just the Elon Musk of the Boiling Isles, huh? <laughs> Yeah, just an, ass an asshole just willing to go and uh, curry favor from fascists in the hopes that she gets uh, made exemptions for. Yeah. <laughs> and then gets left behind when everybody else is like, fuck you, you suck. <laughs> uh, yeah, we also get a few shots of the Boiling Owls during this with it having a cover of Bellis' attack. And we see stuff like the Sliver Beast having a child now, if people remember the Sliver Beast from the one. Or no, it showed up twice, right? Yeah, yeah it, was in it was in that one episode quickly in season two. Uh, but we also see the Sokidamas and her child comfortable enough to swim near the shores now, so hooray. Uh, and this is also when we can see, if you look deeply in the background, you can see that people have built buildings up on the raised up arm to show yeah. that people, you know, they're doing the best they can with the situation. It's like, yeah, shit has gone bad. I think for the most part, that arm was actually submerged in the Boiling Seas, so in a sense, there's actually more territory on the Boiling Isles to live on. It's uh, just, this one's vertical. <laughs> maybe... <laughs> I think it was. I think if I think there were like some like zoomed out shots throughout the season a little bit where you could see it was submerged. It might be from the the bit with the race that uh, Luce and King were doing back in Eda's Requiem. I think there was like a know. shot like, where you could see it was submerged. There's definitely a forest on that arm, and you don't get forests where it's submerged. Oh, true, true, yeah. Well, hopefully there was nobody on there at the time when <laughs> it got raised up. Well, there was one uh, person on there at the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, rip, uh. rip to them. Uh, Good old yeah. Bannock yeah. already lost in the woods. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you said Bannock is fine. Like Bannock just got uh, moved around in their cave a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell you what Verity was up to. I didn't decide what Verity was up to during that. Maybe they were just at the school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forgetting Verity's pronouns now. It's been like since July since we did that. <laughs> uh, I think Pretty Verity, sure Verity was, was she her. I think Verity was she her. Yeah, or she they. I forget. <laughs> That didn't come up as much because like there were only just two of us, so there weren't weren't as many opportunities for other people to refer to me out of, out of like indirectly or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we do also see in the years since Bells' defeat that they basically managed to grow a big tree right where his castle used to be, uh, which now also houses the university, where Edric and the the Looking Glass Ruins guy, who also doesn't have a name, but he's there. They all they're both working in some capacity with like the caretaker seemingly just teaching people about the Looking Glass Ruins. Not sure what Edric's really teaching people, but he has Patrick there with him. So. <laughs> Still okay. never fully confirmed whether Patrick is his palisman or not. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. I no, he looks say, like he's just there a bat. Is a shot of the, uh, the the skull, like before mm -hmm. we get down into the tree, and it seems like they've rebalance the archives because when it crash landed it was pretty it was like balanced directly on the head yeah yeah and now in this shot it's placed as though it's a proper crown it's not just sort of hanging off the side so oh well that, they, that's they what happened renovation there uh, that that actually happened when the collector lowered it down when they let go of the tethers to like when uh Bellis was defeated yeah that was part I mean, of... when the collector dropped yeah. it it wasn't placed like this it was all haphazard and hanging off the head oh okay yeah they must have adjusted a little bit just to make yeah. sure it was actually more accurate and flat compared to what it was before it's just like yeah i just had to drop this thing as best i could because i was about to lose my grip yeah <laughs> yeah 
Uh, and we also see that this is where Gus is working, because he's running a Demon Realm, Human Realm exchange program, which is what we see is the logo, that half-skull, half-earth, uh, as he's explaining to some kids what paperclips are, because that happened before, and turns out not enough kids at school paid attention because they were eating paperclips thinking they were human food back in the previous episode. <laughs> and uh, he now wears glasses and has dreadlocks and a little bit of facial hair, and yeah, as you said, his that that guy too is on his ankle barely visible at all i'm pretty like even mm -hmm. there is a shot that you can see his ankles in this mm -hmm. teaching moment and his tattoo is not there it shows up <laughs> later <laughs> yeah oh uh, he was he had his uh he was the last one to get his appointment he was doing it that afternoon right before the party because <laughs> <laughs> you want that covered at least a little bit for like a day my guy you don't want it just exposed like that <laughs> well it's magic i do so maybe they can actually do it better that's true yeah uh, but then we see Ida emerge from the headmaster's office, and she once again has her long hair, but it's like actually more like tied back a little bit. It's like in like uh, a band rather than just uh, everywhere. And she just fully looks like a pirate, even more so than Amity, because like she straight <laughs> up has like a swashbuckler look to her too, with like a coat and everything. And she just straight up has a hook hand. Yeah. <laughs> like like the whole like I like that a lot of people are like, oh, Aldo's gonna make her mechanical hand, and like you can just imagine it being like he might have actually offered that heard that, but Ida was like, yeah, but well, what if I just had a hook to stab people with? <laughs> People aren't going to give me shit and try to, like, make me not do crime if I just can stab them, right? <laughs> I do think it's very fun. Right outside the door to, uh, to Ida's office, there are not one, but two little pictures of Rain just kind of hanging there in the tree. Oh, I think, I think, I think there's one of Rain, and I think the other one is loose anatomy, because it looks like one half of it is, like, brown, and the other half is pink or purple. Is so it? I, I thought that that was a very tiny Ida hugging Rain. <laughs> Oh, I, I, th I, I was, like, so sure that it looked like it was just, like, Amity and Luce a little bit, and it was just, like, you could see more of their hair than anything of their, like, faces in it. I need to look this up real quick again. Let's see. I thought it was both, because, like, it's it like that one is in a heart frame, and I thought it was, like, oh, right, like, she has one picture of her, like, partner and the other of her adopted daughter and her adopted daughter's girlfriend. <laughs> Let me drop it in the chat because that's yeah. the best shot I could get of it. You can't really blow it up at all. <laughs> yeah, like that. That's why again, like I interpreted it as lucinamity in a sense because it also looks like it's a little bit more like the person on the left could be a cat or something. Yeah, it sure does. But, that's a cat. But from... I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I thought that that was lucinamity just for sure because it's like yeah, it makes sense that she would have a frame photo with them too. Honestly, it might they're... be Ghost and Albert. <laughs> oh yeah, it might it might be Ghost and Albert, yeah, or Ghost and Stringbean, and oh maybe it's like Ghost Stringbean and Albert, like it might be Stringbean on the bottom, yeah, yeah, Ghost yeah. on okay. the side, and yeah, Albert off sense. to the side, yeah, because like it looks it like it's a little, cause it looks a little purple on the bottom, that might be Stringbean, and then like Ghost is a white cat and Albert is brown. Yeah, there we go. All right, there we go. We figured it out. <laughs> we solved the riddle. Yeah. Yeah, she has framed photos of her palisman and her adopted daughter's palisman and her adopted daughter's girlfriend's palisman, but not her actual kids, I guess. Also, in the, uh, in the office directly behind her, she's got that framed photo of them as, like, the, the, the horrible family photo. It's Oh, great. <laughs> like her wanted poster is right behind her head, and to the left of that is the, the, the terrible sweater photo. <laughs> Awesome, great. Okay, so she does have a figure of Lucian King at least. <laughs> All right, yeah, but yeah. Uh, we also see a few of the escaped basilisks hanging out by her office, so they yeah. apparently just live here too. They're I just chilling there know... playing guitar. It's yeah. delightful. 
we we didn't know that well then besides v actually survives when they got out because <laughs> like v never brought up like what happened to the others she just said that she and some other basilisk managed to escape and she got separated from them somehow at some point to be able to sneak through either's portal door but we never got any indication of what happened to the others i guess right. they survived and they managed to come here <laughs> and yeah and at last we head over to the owl house where a 12 year old lanky teen king which it, it's it's so funny just how they were like how can we make king look older he's like stretched out a little bit <laughs> it's really just the only difference he does have his initials uh scratched onto his collar now which is a little bit silly that he has like yeah i gotta let everybody know i'm king fucking clawthorn motherfucker you would think people would know immediately who he is because he's the titan <laughs> but yeah. i guess not <laughs> listen maybe this is just me but it feels really weird to me that he's still not wearing clothes four years later. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Especially, Especially now like, that we... we've met his parent, who was yeah, wearing clothes. Yeah, we, we, saw, we saw a parent Titan wearing, like, pajama, glyph pants, and a bad girl coven shirt. And, and a bathrobe. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, hmm, King, put on clothes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's always been just, like, one, again, one of those things where it's like, when King didn't have the collar, he looked weirdly naked, and now he still looks just as weakly, weirdly naked, even with a collar on again because he's just stressed out more <laughs> yeah he's basically just uh, giving out instructions to others and at that the portal door opens with Fee and Kamiya entering with Luz having her eyes covered because uh, basically almost freaking everybody from the show that's still alive has been working on her uh, king scenario as they called it <laughs> which kind of also is a little bit weird phrasing because it's like it kind of makes it sound like it's about king and not Luz <laughs> I get that it's a pun on king scenario but it's like it still has king's name in there just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, King <laughs> It's just yeah, it just makes it sound like it's about King rather than Luz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and this Amity runs up to, to her hugs her and kisses her as the others explain that since Luz spent her fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth birthdays helping them fix up the aisles, they wanted to give her her overdue King Tinera, which again was like a fanfic people really wanted because they were like, Oh please let us have the King Tinera and they wanted to actually do that in the show proper too, if they had time, but they <laughs> yeah, the the shortened uh so season at least at least they get to have a wink and nod towards it here <laughs> and they all follow Camille's instructions in a very boiling owls way with having a pain yada which hey is the snaggleback which is a character that also hasn't been in the show since like season one well i mean they brought what's his name back so they had to include his other character yeah they, yeah they brought back aaron hansen because aaron hansen voices papa titan so it makes sense uh he's also voiced like other side characters but mostly the snaggleback until papa titan now uh, hey, I just they also noticed this, but I love this. Mm -hmm. Look at this little mm -hmm. guy. He's got a little guy hanging out in his pocket. Yeah, he does. I see. I seen people post on Twitter too, being like, "What's up with that little guy?" <laughs> I mean, it's like it's it again. Darius was the one having the little abomination guy delivering the message to Rain. So <laughs> I, maybe that's Darius's little abomination hanging out with Adalador. Uh, Adalador. <laughs> now that I see that this little guy is in Elador's pocket in the earlier scene where. Uh, Darius is grabbing him. He really is just smushing the little abomination guy. Oh no! Oh yeah, yeah. His hands around on top of him. No, <laughs> he's a he's a little good guy. He's fine. Poor Don't worry about it. Guy. <laughs> yeah, he did, he took like one bludgeoning damage. He's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. They also have like a gross, like fleshy dress that. Hey, turns out the uh, the Echo Mouse survived. The Echo Mouse isn't dead. We we didn't know what happened to the Echo yeah, Mouse yeah, ever Echo since Mouse. the Owl House was raided because he's helping out with making the dress. 
and a cake full of bugs that uh, Steve just carves into and so happily and has bugs crawl in his mouth. So <laughs> but, the, uh, uh, the Bat Queen's babies are here, and each of them has gotten a different yeah. style. One of them is emo, one of them is punk, and one of them is alt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like really good luck for them. <laughs> like there's the, the Bat Queen's babies haven't grown at all. They're still the same size. They just have hairdos. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, d despite all this, like uh, Kamiya is like great work, everyone. <laughs> like, very forest, but still like trying to get them positive reinforcement. <laughs> uh, and King then demonstrates that his powers have been getting stronger to the point where his own glyph language is starting to develop, as he shows her the new like glyph that really just looked like him. <laughs> it is very much like it looks like it's him with his arms outstretched because it has like his horns at the top too, and it looks like it even has his uh, collar in it. <laughs> So I guess I guess maybe King gets to ever decide how these look, or is doing it like uh, subconsciously or something like that. And he's like, yeah, of course, the first one that Lucy's cover would be the one I recreate, and it looks just like me. Because <laughs> like none of the other glyphs look anything like a Titan, or right, I guess I would have been spoiled. I guess I would have spoiled early on if they actually. Well, no, they actually did establish that it comes from the Titan back in yeah. uh, Adventures in the Elements. So I guess it wouldn't have, but it would have been a neat little Easter egg if they showed that earlier. Especially because, like, the plant glyph and the fire glyph really just look like a plant and a flame, anyway. <laughs> like, the the ice one looks like a little bit, like, it has a little ice design in it, but the light glyph really... I think the light glyph, people said, looks like, actually, the design, like, the, uh, like, element design of phosphorus or something, which, you know, it, you know, makes sense with light and stuff. I, it's, like, some part of it that it's, like, yeah, people said it's drawn like that or something. Uh... Yeah, I had no idea. I wouldn't know about alchemical notations for phosphorus. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to see. Uh, I think phosphorus symbol is what I'm looking for. Uh, da -da -da -da. Where is it? Yeah, because it has like a triangle and then a line going down with two lines across. Which, as I look at my shoulder, has a triangle with the two well diagonal lines inside the triangle. But it has that line going down it a little bit. So it's like, it's reminiscent. <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah, because again, phosphorus is used in like light stuff. Uh, but then as a last surprise, the collector apparently uh, was in the area and swings by to give off like a meteor shower in sign light of Luce's birthday that everybody watches. And at this, Luce thanks King and Edith for everything and they hold hands as like weirdos <laughs> because they reaffirm that. <laughs> and then uh, Luce leads everyone in saying bye to the collector, but since they're facing the camera because the camera faces around them, they're really just doing it to us because they know what they were doing and they want us to cry once more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And that's that fucking show. Owl House is done, and it's fucking bummer, but it's also nice that it happens. Yeah. It really, yep. really, really this. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Thanks, Dana and the crew. <laughs> You're probably never going to hear this, but, you know, we can still say thanks. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. They've been spying on us this whole time. Oh, uh, dude, Dana has, but Dana doesn't have to anymore because there's no more show for the change. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I actually do have a question about the final shot here, if you will mm -hmm. indulge me. Uh-huh. So most of the stuff that's in the shot, they're, they're just, like, characters, and there's a couple weird monsters from the show, like, there's a rat snake in there, and some of the fairies that want to eat yeah, your skin. So, yeah, some of, the, some of the choices are like, why would they invite these people to the party? <laughs> but very specifically, there's one thing that I don't... What is that? Do you know what that is? Oh, <laughs> that oh looks... that's... That's the kid from uh, the bounty that they went after so easily in the start of season one, uh, season two. Oh, it's, oh, that's right. Yeah, What's his yeah, name? The, the terrible. 
Okay. Yeah, it's the one that Ida's like, oh, well, we could do this instead of the Selkie Domus because this looks real hard. Look at this guy. And then, like, he's just, like, crawling up on the statue of Bellus and Lucis grabs him. He's like, you caught me. Oh, no. That's right. Okay. Thank you for being <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> Don't know why that guy would be here if uh, they captured him and, like, immediately sat on him and then traded him in for a bounty or whatever. But yeah, also Tibbles is there, too. <laughs> yeah, but also Tibbles is there, too. So who knows? <laughs> Tibbles, Tibbles and Basha got invited, which again, like, makes sense with Basha in a sense because it's like, oh, maybe she just mellowed that a lot, especially when she found out that Luz saved the fucking world. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you probably, you probably can't throw shade at Luz after she does that, in a sense. I mean, so this maybe... is Basha. She absolutely can. Uh, yeah, but maybe they, like, actually, like, were able to convince her enough to be like, hey, just fucking just come to this. Just chill out. Don't do shit. <laughs> like, look, just... It's complicated, but you're and you're invited if you want. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, there's also like some other char- again, like there's characters where it's like, why is like the weird like bird with the mouth uh, invited? This <laughs> is <just> there <laughs> for the reason. But yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Salty's here too. Yeah, yeah, Salty, yeah. He at least, is. like Sal- Salty deserves to be invited though. Like he he tried to be like a dick and sell him out to the Emperor's Coven back in the season two premiere. But like after that, like his crew were like, oh fuck you, my guy, and like he learned <laughs> that he did a shitty thing. So you know he helps them out to go to Titan Trapper Island. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, Salty deserves to be here. <laughs> and you know, just minor like. <sighs> Yes, it's true that Darius and Elidor are obviously dating, but also Darius and Everwolf are dating. They haven't set, like, Everwolf is still sitting on Darius' shoulder four years later. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Also, we did not mention that in the uh, epilogue, uh, Rain and Ida have exchanged earrings, and Kamiya seems to have an earring that's the blend of the two. Yep. So, yeah. of course, people were like, immediately I sounded that as like, polycule. <laughs> They're absolutely a polycule. Rate of Mia confirmed. <laughs> in, in fact, like, just based on their positioning in the final shot, I would actually argue that uh, Ida Mia is stronger in that polycule because rain is like off to the side back there while they're standing right next to each other well yeah but like you have to have either like you can need to have loose's two moms right near loose is the thing <laughs> yeah because it's like yeah it's like it is a case of like uh amity should probably be a little closer to where loose is but she's like right off to the side of where camilla is <laughs> so it's like it's close enough but it's like you have to have loose's two moms there <laughs> one of Ida's arms the one with the hand is entirely obscured by loose's body and i guarantee you she's grabbing camilla's butt <laughs> <laughs> She's like, now's my chance. Oh, Lilith might be able to see you, but Lilith's looking upwards. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that he's also doing like a bit of like anime eyes here in this tattoo. <laughs> yeah, he sure is. <laughs> <laughs> just being like, oh, who do you <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to get into the one question we have? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should absolutely get into the one question, but before we do. I'm not going to do the whole thing today. I know I say that every week, but uh, Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash usweirdoscast, and we have shoutouts, because one of our things is when you subscribe, we do a patron shoutout in every episode. Normally we do that in the middle of the episode, but we didn't want to interrupt this one, so... Yeah, it was uh, kind of a meaty episode, huh? <laughs> yeah, that, and, like, normally we have two episodes that we cover, and this is just the one. It would be more of a, a weird divergence. Mm-hmm. So, uh, very much thank you to Absolute Champion Aurora Borealis, who has been with us from the very beginning. And uh, if you want to hear our other show, The Axe Files, it's uh, going to be on that Patreon. 
And we have been discussing it behind the scenes, and we're talking about releasing it on a free feed three months later. So if you do want to hear the show, but you're not interested in paying money, I get it. And you'll be able to get the show eventually, just kind of behind the times. So as long yeah, as you know think... that up front, we want to make sure that you've got all the information available. <laughs> yeah, I think there might be like a month till then when we release the first one. Right? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Because it was like sometime in February when we I think it's like three more weeks before the next, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that's the only as far as I'm going to take that plug today because it's already been a huge episode. So thank you very much, Aurora. (laughs) And let's get to our questions. If you have questions, you can send them to us at usweirdoscast on Twitter or usweirdoscast at gmail.com or at usweirdos on co-host. This week, I believe we just have the two questions uh, from M of Healy, at M of Healy on Twitter. Is it a satisfying ending? <laughs> I, I, um, I think, I feel like uh, you already broached this topic a little bit, just based on like the time constraint they have once they found out that they were getting a much shorter season three. But I think based on the fact that they knew early enough that they were getting the show shortened a lot, I think they did a really good job with the time they had. I very like, much I, agree, yeah. Like, there are obviously, like, things that we were like, oh, I wish this was in the show. Like, we wish that, like, we had seen, like, Amity and Lilith make up and, like, actually have, like, a bit of a friendship in the show. Like, we wish that we had seen Harpy Lilith proper in the show rather than just in the epilogue. Yeah. Like, we, 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 I've seen people be like, oh, we need to way more about, like, Bellows and his history with Caleb and Evelyn. And it's like, I feel like we got enough there that you can basically figure it out because it's like, it's so heavily implied based on like the pictures that we saw in hollow mind and the bit from near the end of thanks to them where it's like yeah obviously caleb was into the witch hunting thing but when he actually met proper witches realized they're people and over time got to know evelyn fell in love with evelyn and that pissed off bellows enough to the point where he murdered his brother because like oh you're betraying us whatever and like People also like where'd the portal door come from? It's like obviously Evelyn had it because it was hidden on the property of the Clawthorn home. She obviously hid it to make sure that Philip couldn't get back to the human room after he murdered Caleb. And like she must have at one point also had put it that like vial of Titan blood on Earth just in case if she was there visiting at one point and the Titan the door got destroyed somehow or lost or stolen, so she's a way she could still get back. So it's like I've definitely, you know, it's like people have been like, oh, we could have more about that, but it's like, I feel like we got just enough that it's like, there's still a little bit of mystery there, but there's enough of of an explanation that you can figure it out, basically, based on that. Well, I do agree, but that's also from the perspective of us as people who go super deep on all of this. Yeah, 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 obviously, yeah. (laughs) If we weren't, I'm going to be real here, if we didn't do the show the way we do, I wouldn't have known any of that. Oh, yeah. Like it's I like, doubt I, mean, I would have I, even noticed those pictures in his mind. They're so yeah, fast. Like, you have to like frame by frame it if you want the real story. Yeah, like th- there were plenty of times that like since I got my mom hooked on the show like almost two years ago now, like when I was back visiting the last time in Pennsylvania, when like, you know, there, there's been times when she's asked me like, can you clarify this? Because like she was also like, can you clarify like why the collector, I thought the collector was evil. And it's like, well, no, if you remember from previous episodes, it's like, you know, T- King says that he's realized that the collector is just a sad, lonely kid who's never really grown up. So that explains a lot of like why the collector isn't a dick <laughs> compared to Bellows, who is a dick who's been around for like 400 years and is an asshole. Because <laughs> he- he's an asshole. <laughs> but yeah, it's like yeah, it's like they- I mean, because again, like it's like 
her being like the kind of person where she she said she wants to like rewatch all of season three in a row just to like get the full context just to remember like where things were leading in from season two and all but it's like there's definitely been times when she's like can you explain this to me and stuff like that and it's like yeah no because that i'm i have i don't want to say i have more free time but like it's like i also real watch and rewatch things compared yeah. to like her she usually doesn't actually really watch like tv shows that tell a story really she mostly just watches like game show reruns <laughs> that's certainly a way to be i get it yeah <laughs> yeah no like, like i said like with the amount of time they had and like they got to they they had like different plans for the story obviously because they've said so but i think with the time they had they were able to at least like pivot away to a story that works and it's good and yeah no pretty satisfying yeah i i absolutely agree don't get me wrong there's even within this episode there's stuff i would have liked more time with more elaboration yeah. on but that's a function of me wanting to know more about the world in the story that's not on the ending yeah, the like, ending like, is as satisfying as it could be i think yeah like like we're like what the fuck else is going on elsewhere in the demon realm and it's just like well that's that doesn't necessarily really fully matter because the story is about the boiling isles in particular but it's like we would like to know more about the rest of what this world is like because we don't know well even just like the, the whole collector suddenly decides to leave during a uh, voiceover montage yeah I, I would have appreciated if maybe if they had 30 seconds to explain themselves that they were leaving and not just have yeah Bruce like tell us like that. yeah like maybe if it wasn't like from loose narration like maybe if the loose narration was just her being like and i realized that the glyphs don't work anymore rather than like explaining other stuff yeah. and like had it actually have like proper dialogue there because I'm gonna get who do you actually have a word to say? <laughs> Even if it was probably just Lulu, probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it would have been at least entertaining to and nice to see the collector be like, "Hey, I've realized that I messed up big time. I got a lot to learn still because I'm kind of a kid. I need I need to figure out stuff. So I'm gonna head back off to space and maybe beat the shit out of my shitty siblings because <laughs> yeah. they suck." So yeah, I, yeah. I think it is very satisfying. I just there's some frustration in how it had to end that's all yeah i mean because like again like the crew were really expecting at least like 10 episodes for season three they were kind of hoping for 20 but 10 would have been yeah. the minimum they wanted and they just did not get nearly that much like at the least they got to like have these episodes be double length for the first two and like almost kind of triple length for the last one that's not so that like long. Uh, it's 55 minutes. It's like it's like two and a half episodes, I guess. <laughs> That's like, yeah, still, we only got like five, six and a half episodes for the third and final season, yeah. which had to have changes happen. But yeah, no, it's like, it, basically, it's like, if the, if the finale can make me cry, I consider it a win. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And I think that leads us pretty nicely into M's second question. Would it have been improved if it was another season instead of a movie? Uh, I'm kind of a split mind with that because I feel like even though there are like some parts of these specials where it's like it would be like a clear cutoff point if it was separate episodes, right. I feel like it would lose a little bit of the impact if you were just like being like, oh, okay, well, I mean, I guess it would have been like, oh, loose dies in their quotes and that's the end of the episode and it gives like a to be continued much like the like Eda's captured and like yeah. loose has to walk back to the Owl House by herself sadly kind of deal. But I don't know if the other two would be as, like, I don't think the other two episodes would have really been improved if it did 
if they were split into two episodes kind of deal. Like yeah. maybe, like maybe the first one would have been a little bit if it's like if they like had things rearranged a little bit and it's like it's like the kids well, just find the like initially like find the Rebus but it cuts off the episode there of like oh what's this thing, but I don't think the ep- I don't think uh, for the future would have been better if it was two episodes instead of one. Uh, sorry, Cause... to be clear, I believe what Em is asking here mm-hmm. is, do you think this would have been better as a full season rather than three specials? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Honestly, I'm not sure I do. Like, yeah, yeah. Again, I think I think it being like a lot of stuff happening in each of these specials, I guess less so in for the future. I think it I think it works a little bit better with like here's the story we want to tell with the short duration that we have, and it, I think it just works better that like the yeah like the entirety of this 55 minute episode was all this stuff at the end of like here's the solution with the collector and also. Mm-hmm. Here's Bellows being a dick as always. Let's fucking finally get his ass. Like, I'm absolutely certain that a third season would have been incredible. Don't get me wrong, but I yeah. don't know that it would have been better because, as like this story, as we've discussed, is born of not having that third season, and I don't yeah. think if we had spent all that time focusing on Bellows in the Day of Unity, I don't think I would have liked that as much, honestly. This yeah, it's a little bit. It's, it's a better story, in my opinion, even if it's not. Yeah, like it's it's a story that does better in a sense based on the circumstance in a way because like Dana also had said like if they did have like the full three seasons, we actually would not have gotten any Earth episode. Like probably yeah. still would have gotten yesterday's lie, but like we wouldn't have gotten like the kids just hanging out on Earth for like the entire episode kind of deal. Which, it was very fun for that episode to be that, because I still feel like, thanks to them, it's the strongest of the three specials as a result, because it's like, a good part of that episode is just them hanging out trying to figure out things, and it's like, it's just fun seeing these kids on Earth being like, what What do we do here? <laughs> uh, fucking fuck up, we know. Because <laughs> again, yeah. it's like, that that episode gives us so many like fun little bits of them just like, wandering off into the town trying to figure out stuff about the Rebus and like getting the bit with like Amity just eating shit on the floor <laughs> because she just slips on a, on a candy. So it's like, well, that wouldn't have happened if we had the the full season three. <laughs> poor, yeah. poor Amity. Like, I, being like, oh, like, pity we wouldn't have Amity Blight eating shit face first if we had that. <laughs> but it's like, we wouldn't have gotten them hanging out with V. And it's like, again, V didn't get a whole lot to do in the specials besides the first one. And it's like, we would have gotten, like, possibly less V as a result. Yeah, we would and, have gotten less V because yeah. without a human realm episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, we got, like, one sighting of V between Yesterday's Lie and Thanks to Them, which was just the uh reaching out bit where she's just in the background making pudding or whatever <laughs> just like mixing a bowl oh, yeah. like, ultimately oh, but... i feel like if there's anything i would have wanted to adjust about this i feel like i would have liked them to have a little bit longer runtime each make them all like an hour 10 and i yeah. think that would have been enough to solve all of my issues with the finale series yeah like like maybe if it was like uh like if all three episodes were basically like the length of like the steaming universe future movie or i guess technically steaming universe movie because like future is after the movie itself yeah where it's like yeah that's like a like something like 120 minutes i think movie or maybe it's like it's like something like 80 minutes or so roughly the one with spinel and it's like that's like a like that really does feel like it's just like th- like three full episodes of Seeing Universe all put together, but like it also like doesn't have breaks really as much, and it yeah. just works really well because like 
You really can't stop at any point with Spinel's fucking horrifying character <laughs> origin and motivation, because Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> in just like 80 minutes, in 80 minutes, they make you feel so bad for Spinel, and she's the villain. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, actually, if this were a season, I think I would... Well, let me clarify. If this were a season and they kept the Basha at Hexside plot from For the Future, I would have been a lot less happy about it. Because if they made that two episodes, yeah, that, Lord, yeah, that would have that would have been like two, probably the better part. Yeah, probably even close to like three episodes total. Because they would have had to put have more so in there. Ugh. Yeah, because like I mean, because like we're not the only ones that are like For the Future is definitely the weakest of these <laughs> specials. Because it's like <laughs> there's just there's just too much at the school in that one. I find. Yeah, like, it's, it's just, not. There's just too I don't much have an issue with them wanting to do stuff at the school. It's just that it's very. Yeah, like I, I wonder if maybe if they had a little bit less with the school stuff, and like we had the previous episode end after the nightmare sequence, and so like this one would have like been immediately starting with them waking up in like the the board game room, of yeah. like being like, oh, this is like, oh, this is the Star Collector's new game. They managed to get out of this nightmare, but what's gonna happen now? And then it's like. Okay, well, we're in this like weird, like puzzly room stuff, and now we got to deal with that because then we would have had more time with like stuff like being able to potentially get like clarification if Bellus was actually seeing real ghosts of Caleb and the <laughs> Grimwalkers, or if he's still just. I, I interpret that as hallucinating, but at the same time, we know ghosts do exist on the Boiling House, so who knows? Yeah, I really feel like that was just him being haunted by his guilt. So <laughs> yeah, that that's what I read it as because like I feel like. I think it's like something where it's like you probably have to ha be like a like witch to actually be able to become a ghost. I think I don't know. That's how I, that's how I'm interpreting like how ghosts in the Boiling House exist because we don't even really see many ghosts. Really, is the thing. Nope. Like we see like one in like the episode when Lucy's starting to go to Hexide, and then like another like allusion to one with like Abby being like, "Oh, there's there's like a hot ghost in that room," trying to distract Basha away from like looking at the photos <laughs> and understanding Willow and like. Basha, be, Basha being at least the queer ally, being like, well, tell them they're cute. <laughs> or like, I want to see them or see if they're cute or whatever it was. <laughs> being like, yeah. okay, Basha's at least not assuming the ghost gender. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah, we did. There, there's a lot of stuff like that that it's like, well, I don't think we're meant to really examine that as much because it's it's a show meant for teenagers. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah, but that's yeah. what we do here. <laughs> Us and a lot of people on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I so have. That's all our questions for today. So thank you very much, Em. Yep, thank you, Em. I have just a few bits of trivia. I've mentioned some of this stuff already, just in going along with this. But there's a few things I still have. Uh, obviously, like we, I didn't mention in my description here, but Luce does have a pin of Polly from Amphibia on her corkboard, and people have made plenty of comparisons between the hardest thing and watching and dreaming, <laughs> both because like both protagonists, air quotes, die, which definitely was not going to stick. Both got super forums, both had uh, help from a reformed antagonist, and both speak to an actual god. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny that they go in like very different ways, though, with the actual uh, villain, in a sense. Because, again, like, uh, spoilers for Amphibia, Andreas does get redeemed, but, like, the core super does not. And, like, the main actual villain of that overall really was Andreas for the longest time. But, like, Bellows sure doesn't get redeemed. Thank fucking Christ, because that guy's a shitty genocidal colonist. <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. I was kind of trying to talk myself out of the possibility that he might die in this episode last time around, but clearly. Oh uh, no, we, we we I mean we were both like pretty sure based on that. So again, I need to uh, specify I did fucking lose the death count because uh, you put all your cash on Bellows. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I, I did was like, yeah, cheat there. Yeah. 
Well, and that was like the easiest option, I think, because, but at the same time, I was like, well, I could also see like the slight chance that maybe Kamiya and or Ida would die. Again, to give Luffy, I mean, in my case, it was like, well, it would give you, it would give Luffy a really easy explanation to stay at the Boiling Isles if Kamiya died. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, yeah, other things I have real quick is that uh, people compare Luffy's indifferent glare towards Bellows as being a mirror of the like ghost slash hallucination of the Caleb glaring at him from the previous episode, since they're both just seeing him for what he really is in a sense of just being like you suck, man. Uh. Funny little parallel here, we'd skip this entirely when Bellus' meat monsters are starting to take over, but Tiny Nose being kicked out of a hole in the wall by a mouse is a mirror to episode 4, where the reverse happened, because she kicked the mouse out of that hole to seek refuge from the boiling rains. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we, I did briefly mention that, like, King was able to make that same bubble shield to protect the collector, but if you freeze frame at that, you can actually see that his version of the light glyph is on the bubble shield and not the usual light glyph. So that's already him starting to have his own glyph language developed. But all the other glyphs are still his dad's, so <laughs> not his. And uh, also, I do like that parallel uh, between episode two and the finale of having to choose your future since someone will just hand it to you. Because again, like, Papa Tynan is like, oh, well, I can't just force you to save his power. You need to choose it for yourself. That's like how Ida was like, if we just sat around waiting for somebody to give us our future, we'd die waiting kind of deal, and you need to decide for yourself. Right. So, yeah, nice little, like, lesson to bring that back around in the end. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's all I really had, because, again, we already brought up Aaron Hansen being the voice of Parent Titan and the Snaggleback, so. Yeah, fair enough. That's really everything. Yeah, this episode didn't have as much time for trivia, because it's like, well, it's just fucking go time. <laughs> time to deal with fucking weird meat moss dragon bellows. Yeah, we had to go so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh. Uh well we got one more thing. That's true, yeah, we surely do. <laughs> At three hours fifty three minutes. <laughs> Listen, we'll deal with it. The longest episode. I was right, we're gonna have five star runtime. Not five hours, but four <laughs> four hours at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh we we mentioned this way in the past of like what our favorite episodes were and uh we wanna quickly just go down the ones oh. we like the most, right? Oh, that wasn't what I thought you were going to do at all. Hmm? What did you think? Hmm? What did you think I was going to do? Well, okay, so way back in the first episode, we did a thing where we totaled up how much we'd spent on Owl House merch. Oh, no, I, I already and mentioned earlier on. We've been talking like, for the past couple of weeks about reprising that and seeing how the numbers oh, had no, changed but since no, then. I meant, so I, I, br that I was... brought up. No, I brought it to you about top five episode thing, too. I, I mentioned at the top of this episode that I did not figure out that calculation because I fucking lost how much I've spent at this point. Oh, well, I mean, more fool me, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you could you could, uh, you could could reveal how much you spent on stuff because at the time it was zero. Yeah, yeah. You, you may remember that big fat zero at the beginning of this series. Uh, as of right now, not counting the tattoo that I am probably almost certainly going to get the instant I have a job. I am sitting at $258.88. However, Yay. that does not include shipping. <laughs> oh, no. With shipping, <laughs> that comes out to $338. Ah, $80 yeah. is on shipping from America to Canada. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so 80 bucks of my Jeez. total is just shipping. <laughs> Fuck. Uh-huh. Like... If I'm remembering correctly, I think I was around like 480 or so at the time. I think I might be like close to 600 because that since then I've gotten the season two Lucinamity Couchins plushies. Yeah. Uh, I supported the uh, 
boost figurine on Kickstarter, which is like 26. Uh, I think that's mostly it, because like I haven't really gotten any more shirts since last time. And, <laughs> yeah, I haven't bought it nearly. I haven't really bought like a lot of like street, uh, not street cast stuff, mystery shack stuff recently either. Like I didn't, I didn't get the uh, the tarot cards or anything from uh, Omijan. I think well, it was. I tell you, I did. Yeah, <laughs> they I look got, nice. It's... I got both decks. I don't usually oh, buy got... decks that are only major arcana, but I got them. Oh, I've got the two decks, yeah. Yeah, because there was one deck that was the full seventy-eight cards, and then there was one that was just the arcana. And gotcha. Yeah, like the like personal ones of like the twenty-two or whatever, or twenty-four. Uh, I forget that. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah, because there's like 22 normally in Persona, and then like at the end it's like, and here's the world arcana, because you get the real ending or whatever. Yeah, there's there's 22 numbered cards, and then there's also a zero, so. Yeah, yeah, like in those cases it's always just like, well, now you can summon Satan with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Not joking, that is really the final Persona in Persona 5. You summon Satan with a gun to save Christmas <laughs> by shooting God in the face. <laughs> huh. Alright. Spoilers for a 2017 game, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, straight up Satan L, aka Satan. <laughs> to save Christmas. From God. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I didn't get the uh, Hexus Hold'em cards either, but that's also because, like, I don't think I really had as much of an uh, opportunity to really play it as much. And also because, like, you mentioned, you had bought them before when I really had decided, and you also said you need, like, two decks to actually properly play it. That kind yeah, of sucks. But you sure do. It. That's yeah. part of how I got to as high as I did, because I had to buy a second deck, so it cost me and 40 then, bucks and, for that Yeah, game. and then, and then yeah, paying for shipping twice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I remember, like, during the uh, the last week or so, I mentioned that if you, wanted, if you wanted to mention, like, top five favorite episodes deal, and you had said yes to that. Well, That's yeah, what I was aiming okay. for. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't expect us to not do that, I just... I thought we were doing the money yeah, thing. Yeah, no, no. At some point, I just fucking lost how much my previous total was, and I just don't <laughs> want to do the effort of being like, how much was it on these? Like, basically, I was like, do I really want that to try to figure out exactly how many hundreds of dollars I spent on Lumini plushies? <laughs> 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 yes, but also no. Because <laughs> again, like those plushies are like fifty bucks each, ninety as a set from Kaiochen's. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, <laughs> not including shipping and handling. <laughs> They're very cute. I also, I do want season 3 versions, but also please don't do that to me, guys, and don't stop taking my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, did, you, did you want to go first with that, or should I? Uh, by all means, if you don't mind. Okay, uh, easily number one, I think, with Bullet, it's still knock, knock, knocking on Hootie's door, because there's just so fucking much stuff that happens in that episode. It's just like, holy shit, so much stuff happens in that episode. Like, that <laughs> king developing his, like, powers that, you know, as we suspected at the time and later confirmed were titan powers. Yeah. That's fucking Harpy Ida. <laughs> and, uh, of course, that's, you know, Lumity becoming canon way earlier in the show than people thought would actually happen. Like, that just so freaking much happens that. In, and it's the fucking Hootie episode. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, it's gonna be a fucking filler episode because it's about Hootie. No, very much not. Barely actually about Hootie. <laughs> it's just freaking crazy with that. Uh, and I think episode uh, two, my second favorite, would be thanks to them because I just really like the vibe of that episode. Like, I like the kids being on Earth, not knowing what to do, but like. 
at least like most of them trying to at least make the best of the situation. Like I, I like the bit with just them hanging out trying to learn Spanish and like Amity being bummed out that V is better at Spanish than her because he's like, I was top student once too. <laughs> so it's like, Amity, just let it go. <laughs> you don't need this. Uh... And yeah, and like again, I like I like that that was like an episode that would never have happened if the show actually had its full run that they wanted. Yeah, it's just nice. Like everybody wanted like the human realm stuff, and at least we got like indications that they did have like that like nice little date that they did, even if we only got to see it in like pictures and stuff. <laughs> uh, three, I think I will say is Hollow Minds because again, Jesus fucking Christ, so much shit happens in Hollow Minds. <laughs> Like, Jesus Christ. Turns out one of the episodes I like the most is the one that traumatizes kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we get so much of that. It's like, everybody just, like, on Twitter being like, yo, fucking look at the backgrounds. Don't pay attention to what's actually going on in the episode. Look back at it and see what's going on in these photos. Get to tell so much of a goddamn story. Like, seeing the bits there where it's like, oh, yeah, you see, like, the imagery of Caleb dead on the ground with, like... Uh, Philip's face reflected in a bloody knife and it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like, just so fucking much happens in that. It's like, and also it's the start of Hunter learning that he's been helping a bad guy and that he has to actually do something good and better with his life. <laughs> uh, four, I'm gonna say is Enchanting Grand Fright, because that's the episode that I first heard about the Owl House with. That's it's, fair, it's yeah. very, It's very gay. Somehow it ends up being that the sports episode next is even gayer, but I still like, uh, Grom more than uh, Winged Like Witches. Just because, again, it's like, it's it's just such a cute little episode. It's like the first time that the show has, like, really good animation during the dance fight against Grom and everything. And it's, again, it's like the first time we get, like, full confirmation that, like, yeah, that Luce is bi and Amity is a lesbian and, <laughs> and Amity has the biggest fucking crush on Luce. It's just cute. And then, number five, I'd say, is the finale. Because it's again, it's a satisfying finale. It's a little rushed in places, you know, and obviously, like, it's not like the most story heavy because it's less like, well, we gotta figure out how to make friends with the collector and then just beat the shit out of Bellows. But it's still at least a satisfying conclusion. It made me cry like three or four times. So again, you know, it's good to discuss on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I, I again, I was really hoping for like a much larger time skip. I know we basically had like talked about that being like, oh, maybe we get like a t time skip for like a year in the future of just like where they are now. I think that like having that four year time skip is still like a good middle ground of like, okay, yeah, it's been a few years. They're going to start college and stuff. So like this, these character story goes on. It's just that we're not going to be privy to that, obviously. But it's nice to see like just how much the dials change after like 50 years of Bellos being a shithead to everybody and fucking <laughs> things up. Yeah, it's also just nice to see, like, you know, Hunter also being, like, a goofball and ha being happy and doing what he wants to do, which is helping Carve Palisman. So it's, like, it's nice to see that boy get something happy to do. It really Kind of would have liked if he was the left, the person that got the last stomp on Bellows, but it also makes sense that, like, the Hex Squad are mostly helping with, like, other stuff, while the main <laughs> three characters are the ones that do the fighting. Yeah, you're right, yeah. It would have been it would have been cathartic if he got if he was there and he got the last stomp. <laughs> like, hey, you deserve this kid. Go go nuts. <laughs> yeah, I think that's my top five. Yeah, sounds good. Um I actually think I'm gonna go backwards. I'm gonna count down from five to one. So Yeah, I was I was mostly everyone. like in I did I hadn't written it down, so I was mostly in my mind being like which was the one I wanted first. Oh right, yeah, Hootie. <laughs> that's why I went that way. <laughs> in descending order. Yeah, uh, so I think at number five, I've got uh, Through the Looking Glass Ruins, which... 
Uh, yeah, that was like, but yeah. Yeah, that that was like close and like number five. That's basically number six on my list, I think, because again, it's like it's the gay episode. <laughs> it is, but it's also very heavy Gus focused, and that's not a thing we get a lot of. So I True, love that yeah. he gets room to stretch his wings while yeah, we're we... also getting the gay episode, and yeah, also it's really... a library episode and. <laughs> Oh, true, yeah. We we really only get, like, three episodes about Gus, really, overall, because, like, there's, like, the one when he sneaks loose in the school, there's that one, and then there's the Hunter and him episode yeah. in, near the end of a season two. Yeah, the, Gus doesn't get a lot to do in the final three, but it also makes sense that it's, like, it's mostly focused heavily on Luce and then Ida and King afterwards, too. Because they are the main three characters, it makes yeah. sense that they're the focal <laughs> point of the finale parts. Yeah. It is kind of, it is a little bit of a bummer that a lot of people really do just, like, kind of overlook the Gus plotline of that episode, though, <laughs> to be like, but purple amity and gay! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, to be fair, we have done at times, because it's like, well, it's the, it's the cheek kiss, and also lavender amity. <laughs> purple amity, good. <laughs> yeah, and then at four, of course, I've got thanks to them, because it's just a lovely, fun episode. Uh, no oh, yeah. real comments on it that was in my opinion probably one of the most perfectly designed episodes of the series yeah it's it's like we had basically like already had predicted that too when we finished season two of like oh what if the first special is just entirely earth and we see nothing of the demon realm and i think that's it, it, it works really well that it's that that they literally have no idea and even the audience has no idea what's going on there <laughs> and it's just entirely yeah. earth and it's just like how do the kids deal with the fallout of all the shit they've been through uh, turns out some of them better adjusted a little bit. Uh, loose, not so much. <laughs> right. Uh, clocking in at number three, I've got Adventures in the Elements, which I really love for a lot of reasons, but chiefly because it's the first time we really see Loose start to adjust to and understand the Isles as a place. Like. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's her like learning patience and like actually like trying to make a connection to the Isles rather than just being like, but how magic though. <laughs> yeah, like not to say she didn't fit in before, but up to that point, she's very much trying to. She's still treating it like a fantasy novel. And this is the yeah. first time she seems to really make the connection that oh this isn't this isn't fiction this is like a real place and people are here and it's 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 uh yeah it's like it's it's like one of the first times that she actually like really like directly accidentally like upset Amity too by stealing her training wands because like all the other times that she's like upset Amity were not like not intentional things just yeah. like happenstance or you know circumstance being like oh sorry I, I snuck into the school this day didn't know you were going to be here and make a big deal about it sorry but like it's like no she does legitimately just go and sneak and take her book and training one to just try stuff <laughs> Inter interesting that like her orange spell circles didn't persist when she actually got string bean because like all of her like magic effects are like more like uh purple with some like yellow accents to it but yeah. that also like the yellow is like part of like the tiny magic it's mostly purple when she does other stuff. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess. I, I guess it, well, I mean, Ghost isn't pink, but Amity's still circles are pink. <laughs> I guess that's just. I guess that was just foreshadowing uh, Amity's true lesbianism when she had to change her hair color to match. Naturally. <laughs> Slice abomination magic, I guess. Um. Yeah, and then at uh, number two, I've got Grom Pride, of course, because it's Grom. How yeah, could? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, it is the episode that made me hear about Owl House first. I think I actually might have seen the Lilith and Ida fight from convention beforehand, but I didn't know what that was from, and it wasn't until when Grom Fright aired that I was like, oh, okay, I should pay attention to this because it's a gay 
yeah. Witch show. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely not my first experience with the show because I had seen like the first three episodes pretty early, and then mm-hmm. I kind of fell off for a little bit because there was no more available at the time. Uh, but... Yeah, because I mean, the show started airing back in like January 2020, like right yeah. at the start of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, what it really is for me. I mean, obviously it's the gay episode. Obviously, it's the episode where Amity saw the moon when she danced with a girl and made a necklace of it. But yeah, it's... yeah. Again, like people pointing out, it's like that is like, just exactly the face of the moon from that dance, huh? <laughs> yeah. But it's also the episode where Luce starts to really. I feel like this is where she starts to grow as a person, because yeah. we've already talked about how she starts to connect to the Isles and such. But this is her really confronting her fears about why she's not talking to her mom and why she's really so intent on staying here even though she knows she shouldn't it's so yeah it's, it's also the episode where we get the first tease of v because of the letters that's true which yeah. i just re- i just remember that that's like oh yeah that's how that episode ends of like who the fuck is impersonating loose what's going on <laughs> and somehow camille doesn't realize that her supposed daughter wrote her name wrong <laughs> <laughs> and then uh like this is maybe not the pick you would have expected, but the one I've got down here for number one is Lost in Language. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, <laughs> it, is, it, is the, it is the first episode that, like, starts to actually establish Luce and Amity as potentially being friends, because, like, it's the it first is, time yeah. that she laughs at her antics, and it's, like, it is, again, like, it's a good moral lesson of, like, you know, like, Luce is, again, like, accidentally causing issues that affect Amity, even though it's really Ed and M. She's kind of just uh, there by circumstance doing that but then like again it's like loose at least like trying to make it up to her by helping her out and offering the book and stuff yeah this is a a big part of what i love about this episode is just how much early loose is so desperate for human contact that she's willing to go anywhere with anyone to do anything if she thinks it'll make her a friend yeah like like her whole thing is like oh if i befriend her her siblings first then i can befriend her right and i'm pretty sure at that point if i remember correctly she refers to her as first i befriend the siblings then i befriend the amity yes i believe <laughs> that's like, correct don't don't use the in front of her name loose <laughs> <laughs> just call it then i befriend the cute witch girl i don't know <laughs> yeah she just learns so much as a person in this episode that it really strikes me and when you add that to the fact that it's the first time that she and amity really work together for anything and the fact that it's another library episode it (laughs) yeah i was about to to be like because it's another library episode too (laughs) it's like yes so yeah that's uh that's me uh fun fun bit what's the worst episode is it the body swap episode? <laughs> I thought the body swap episode was fine. Like, I know you hate it beyond all reason, but it's... I think it's just because it's the first... It's, like, the only episode that doesn't really advance anything is why I don't like it. Also, I just find body swap stories to be a little weirding me out now at this point in my life, I'd say. Because, like, again, it's, like, a whole, like... I guess it's part of a, like, body dysphoria thing. If I was swapped into someone's body that didn't like suit my own i'd be like this is this is not good i mean that's certainly fair i just especially in the case of this one where it's uh a consensual body swap that they're all into like fair yeah like they all do that as it's like not part a freaky of friday thing they're not being forced to do no. it they... yeah they're they're like let's do this as a way of proving who has the hardest time and turns out oh we all have a hard time because i'm a, the hu- only human on the aisles i'm a small dog child and i'm a wanted criminal yeah. 
one of those three having a little bit more of a negative effect on things, probably being one of the criminal. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if it's the worst episode, but I think Hootie's Moving Hassle is probably my least favorite. Because while it's yeah, true that Luce forges some connection with Gus and Willow there, it's also her, again, deliberately ignoring Ida and... Yeah, Hootie's Moving Castle is probably one of the weaker ones too. Like it's it's one that like when I was first when I was first introducing my mom to the show, I told her she could skip, and I basically just explained the big part of it, which is that like it establishes that Willow and Amity used to be friends. Yeah. But there's really not a whole lot else in that episode necessarily. I guess it's the introduction to Tibbles, who keeps showing the fuck up no matter what we do. Yeah, and <laughs> but... the monster hunters. Yeah, but the monster hunters don't even come back as monster hunters. They're just like. Uh, animal care like they're like animal uh control afterwards and i don't think they really show up much since right uh, maybe one i think one of them was running like the uh the bone zero brawl i believe that's correct yes yeah but like they're really just like they're kind of just incremental characters just off to the side at times yeah um yeah, I I I kind of also put like uh, something ventured someone framed also kind of there as like one of the weaker episodes too because it's it's again it's just like it's the episode that just is like Luce gets to go to school in a sense like it is a gut it is a bummer that it's one of the few Gus episodes when it's like it's really just more about Gus learning yeah. to put people over his status as the head of the human appreciation society or whatever it was <laughs> but it's like it it is it is at least the introduction of Bartholomew who. He's not in a whole lot of episodes, but when he's there, like at least Maddie chills out over time, like more so than Basha, really. <laughs> like Maddie, Maddie is like the the bully character that's actually done a little bit better than Basha, just because he immediately mellows out after that too. But like, to be fair, so did Amity really after convention, where Amity started to like chill out, but like still a little tense in episode <laughs> seven. Yeah, um, shows a lot of this show has a lot of characters. <laughs> it turns it out, sure does. <laughs> Even the bunch of them that are just, like, not named characters, it's like, well, there's a lot of characters that they just use again and again as background characters, but, like, even when it comes to, like, named characters, there's, like, easily something like 50 or so, I think, just as a rough estimate, <laughs> right? Bummer bummer that we never got, like, names for V's other friends and that Masha didn't get to do something after just the little bit that they were in. Yeah, it would thanks be to nice them. to but have like, them back. Yeah, I, I, but, like, I feel like at the least, like... Yeah, Masha would definitely be into like demon realm shit and be like, "Yes, I would still love you, V, if you were a worm, which you, know you are." <laughs> so far, it's just if Masha was there for the King Senyera. Yeah, even just if like, there was oh, no it's... other like them yeah, like... having a story about be... them just being there would have told us so much. Yeah, yeah, just like yeah, at some point, like V and Luce told her, uh, told them about uh, the demon realm. And they were just totally like, sweet, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I want to learn that shit. And it's like, it gives V an easy in to like actually get to know Masa more and be yeah. friends. It also like let V be able to be like, hey, also, by the way, I was the loose that you met at summer camp. So we're still friends based on that because I was sorry I had to pretend to be a human because I'm a snake monster. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, that that would have been neat. I I know I did see people point out like why was Masha not at the party? We could have, we got that tease in the credits of thanks to them of like V and Masha might hang out afterwards, and it's like kind of wish that they actually had more of that. Considering that like you know it's we didn't ever get the sense that the uh, Masha and the other two would actually really be that important, but it was nice to see Masha come back and be like confirmed non-binary, and people were like oh Masha rules, let's get more of them, and then yeah. unfortunately no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, God, there was like some, there was something else that I was trying to, that I thought of that I wanted to 
bring up real quick of like if this would have been something that should have been addressed in the finale. I'm not remembering now. Okay. Well, you can always bring it up next week if you want, but I think yeah, I we're we're at the end of four hours. We're at yeah, four hours fifteen right now before the edits, which <laughs> yeah, it's usually still four hours probably take about eight to ten hours to edit all this. So, uh, well, at least you got time, right? <laughs> well, once school is done, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully, it won't yeah. take that long. It's just it depends on how long my computer takes to process the commands I give, because you know how yeah. it is with Audacity. Mm -hmm. Oh, right, I remember what it was. Uh, people also said that it was a bummer that we didn't get a conclusion to Bat Queen's plot hook of, like, what happened to my previous owner kind of deal. Uh... Which is, like, it, it's a little bit of a bummer that we didn't get at least something else there. Because, like, a lot of people thought maybe the Titan, but, like, the Titan seems too big in relation to the size of the Bat Queen and what her staff would have been. Yeah, definitely. To actually have been, yeah, to have been the Titan's talisman. So, yeah, it's like, they, I mean, because she also mentioned that her owner was a giant, which is why people might have thought uh, the Titan, but, like, at the same time, it's like, I feel like giant implies something else rather than Titan, and it's like, we just never, unfortunately, got stuff there. And, like, Lucid even promised her that she'd help her find her owner, but that never actually came to pass. Probably a time constraint thing, too. Yeah, but also, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't have complained if it happens, but it's also not something that I especially want, if that makes sense. Yeah, She's I guess. fine, but she's so little she's... of a character. She's more of a character yeah, in she... the Morning Mark comics than she is in the show. True, yeah. I mean, she's mostly just been a character there just for that episode about uh, learning about the significance of Talisman, in a sense, just to, like, give context for that stuff. And then, like, when she does Talisman Adoption Day, that's really the extent of her character, really. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yep. Um, I guess if you have final thoughts, now's the time for them, because... Uh... <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a fucking good show. <laughs> Yeah, uh huh. I feel like I feel like anybody that's been listening to us talk about Owl House for like fifteen-ish months or so at this point probably would have maybe got that indication that we like this show a lot. <laughs> you know, I cannot imagine being a person listening to our show without watching along. But if that's you, more power yeah. to you. You're a champion. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we've been doing a good enough uh, job at actually explaining what happens in these episodes because, like. There's definitely been times where we're like, uh, being like, I can't really fully explain this action sequence just because it's too much. Like, like us being like, I remember we were like, we can't really describe the Amity and Hunter fight because it's so fast paced and lasts like 30 seconds <laughs> kind of deal. <laughs> I think it was also with uh, me skipping the description of the thanks to them fight with uh, Bell Hunter. <laughs> with, uh, God, freaking creepy ass Hunter with the bellows horn sticking out of his head. Jeez. Ah. <laughs> At least it didn't hurt that boy, <laughs> having goop horns. Yeah, no, it's 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 a, it's a great show. I'm sad to see it go, but I hope that something else comes in its place. Because again, it's like there's there's so many shows that it's just like oh yeah, like you can see the linear progression of like shows like you know Steve Universe and Shira leading into stuff like Owl House in terms of like representation and story and stuff. Because like there's a, there's a lot of bleed over obviously between like you know, tyrannic like shows about tyrannical dictatorships like She-Ra and this and stuff, and yeah. even Amphibia in a sense. So yeah, it, it, I'm just I hope that the people that made this show get to actually make a show somewhere else that's not with a company as shit as Disney. 
I hope Dana Terrace gets to continue doing stuff and make a show that she's proud of again that is even more queer. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I really have much to add to that. You really summed it up. But uh, we're, we're just yeah. grateful that it got to be here and that we were along for the ride. Yeah, it, it's sad that it got a shorter run than it deserved, but at the least, pretty much all of that run was fran fantastic. <laughs> and it, it's just such a good show to have, especially with all the shit going on in the world, to just have a show that reinforces that people who are different are just different and also still deserve the same kindness and love that everybody else gets. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, as for us, uh, we'll be here every week until the end of linear time talking about a different gay cartoon but for now i think there's not much left to say but remember uh wait our our plugs <laughs> we're not doing our plugs this episode we can okay. go for four hours fair fair <laughs> y'all know where we're at if you need us <laughs> uh, yeah um remember us weirdos have to stick together, together. Bye. Bye.